0: Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 49. John,
1: how are you doing tonight, John? Wow, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Um, First off, I will say, if you don't mention it, I will right now. We're both under the weather. Yes, yes we are. If you hear us sniffle or cough, we're going to try to make sure we don't have any of that in here. But if something passes by, so sorry. Both of us are a little nasally. I'm always nasally. I have two dogs that, you know, fuck my allergy. <laughs> um, but our love surpasses our health. <laughs> that and has- we had so much to talk about. We're also a week behind yeah. because illness. So thank you for holding in, you know, hanging in with us here. Yes. And this might be the last podcast because
0: uh, next week as well, um, after the shows in Atlantic City, I have a busy week at work. So I w- we will not record next week but after that i have spring break and we will have plenty of time to catch up on all the other shows and then by the end of that week we will be all caught up like how we always are (laughs) playing from behind but we will catch up and uh do our best here to stay on schedule but yes apologies if you do hear any coughing or anything in our voices or anything like that because uh we are recovering but like you said we do want to Got to not fall too far behind, but we also did want to talk about the fun times since we were both uh, at the show again, and we haven't really got to talk to each other since that episode,
1: (laughs) or since uh, the show, so. Yeah, you were under the weather first, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to ask if everything's okay, if he needs anything, and then I'm just going to kind of let you do your thing, because there's nothing more left to do. I can't you know, (laughs) come over there and make soup for you and shit, but uh, yeah, and then a couple days later... All of a sudden, I'm starting to feel trashy. And for me, it seems like I'm bouncing back pretty quick. Normally, I don't. Um, fuck it. You know, it is what it is. Um, also, because I forgot to ask, how are you doing tonight?
0: Like you said, doing good. <laughs> feeling better than I have like the last couple of days, which yeah. is why we're recording since we're both feeling a little bit better and uh, got our voices back a little bit to at least record a podcast. But like I said, re- like, there was a lot of fun talking points about this whole show. Um, and stuff like that. And we wanted to talk about all the fun stuff that we saw that probably wasn't caught on camera. Uh, the stuff that we did before the show and after the show as well with a lot of the wrestlers and talent there.
1: So this was my first time. And my opinion is the place was wild. That was that was what I really liked. Um, I'm just going to go off the cuff and try to say some things because they're in my notes and I'll try to eliminate them later. The one thing that I really liked was that parking was easy. It was easy to you know, understand where to go it, again. It's LA. There's not a lot of just easy U-turns. If you miss something, bro, you missed it. And yep. that's just how it goes. Um, really easy. Parking was a breeze to find. We had a couple people we said hi to. I saw talent was right there. We had some cookies and stuff that we made for our LA night. <laughs> um, edibles ended up being thrown over, uh, a gate. And then a bunch of them got taken in via some other people. And, um, yeah, I lost myself there. So what happened after that was, you know, we go over. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this line. The line was pretty darn long. And um, I go ahead to the front. and go, hey, is there a Patreon line? He goes, absolutely, sir. Go right back there and tell that gentleman with the clipboard. And again, this was all new to me. So I go back there. I tell him. I go, hey, my name is John. Da-da-da-da-da. He goes, yes, you are. And I went, oh, no, am I in trouble? <laughs> you know, kind of laughing. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, all right, dude, so here's one, two, three. There was four of us, gave us wristbands. He's like, come right up. He goes, these guys are Patreon members. Let's get them checked in right in the door. Security comes over, goes through the whole thing, checked us right in the door. It was so easy. And then what I'm going to remember the most is the fact that when I walked in the door and I looked and I saw this beautiful like yellow and the blue, and I didn't realize really how nice the ceiling really was until I got in there and looked at it. I'm not big on large groups of people or venues that feel kind of crowded or whatnot. This venue held a decent amount of people without feeling crowded. I felt really comfortable walking up on the stage and saying hi to you. I didn't feel like anybody was going to stop me. Uh, The view from the stage was beautiful. I'm really, really thinking about getting a front row on the stage because you're you're flush with the ring. I mean that's that's genius i really now that i went up there and looked at it, i'm like damn that's a nice seat and you get to interact with the talent behind us as well as like we'll go on later
0: on uh, my son got to have, have a nice fun interaction with alec price and i had a little back and forth with jordan and brett during uh one of these matches as well which is like that's the cool part about the stage you said we're not our view is not impacted at all but uh we had a perfect view of everything and the talent right behind, so still, I still had just as much fun as I usually would on the front when we sit on the floor uh, first row, but we just didn't have to move out of the way, which was different,
1: but it was enjoyable. I did, definitely liked where we sat. So then I'm going to dig a little deeper here. I really liked how it was nice and open, that if I needed to get <laughs> out of the building, there were spots where I'd realized I can just run right out of. The paint looked like it was fresh. There was good options for food and drinks. The bathrooms were clean. Decor was nice. I already mentioned the ceiling. And let's see here. Yeah, I mentioned that we could really just kind of move around freely. Okay. So when it comes to security, I wanted to mention it because I had a chance to talk to security. um, After the show on Twitter, gosh, it was probably the next night or two nights afterwards. There were a lot of people that were talking about the video where, you know, Mike got pushed a little bit. Speedball. Um, If you haven't seen it, which I know total fans, all of us have probably seen it, but there was a guy who was drinking and he decided that he was going to um, you know, kind of push Speedball with his foot while while Speedball was kind of on the ground and getting ready to do his thing. And um, he got booted out of there, which is the right thing to do. And the only reason why it was really something to show everybody was because they were questioning if Mike was going to react in some physical way and Um, he didn't and he went on twitch i think the next couple days and explained that look the guy was obviously drunk he said when i turned around to look at him like hey what in the hell are you doing i could tell his eyes were just all funny and he had two friends i guess that one or two friends that were holding him back and he said he had a clear shot at him if he wanted to because he's a lefty he said he would have placed a shot right in his chest and it was completely unblocked so he understood that security came right in there was a ton of people there. 99% of us, he says, knows that if somebody attacks a wrestler, we're probably going to jump in to help that wrestler. We, we all know what's really going on here. So with the head of security, I went ahead, got a hold of him on Twitter, and I just wanted to say, with getting us in the building like as Patreon members, he really did a fantastic job with that. I feel like I paid my money's worth not to stand in that long line. I felt like I was able to go find my seat first, I was able to hit the merch tables first. I was able to get some food and drinks first, and there were no lines or very little lines because we just boom right in there. And that was worth my money. It helps being a game changer for that. So when you can get to a venue that really does support it, which it looks like everyone that they need to like Las Vegas, they didn't need to have a Patreon, it's just a small when they do it, they do it right. And I was really, really happy about that we didn't have to stand out in the cold it was a little chilly that night
2: yeah
0: they do always a good job getting the patreon line in and stuff like i used to like be the first person that would show up an hour before the doors even just to get in line and be the first one in mm-hmm. but once they started or once we started doing the patreon and then we saw like they were pretty good of letting them in especially that uh back in december when I went by myself and I showed up to the venue, like at eight Oh five or right at eight, like eight Oh five, the show already started and there's still like a hundred people in line. And I was like, Hey, I'm Patreon. I got right in, got to cut the line and boom, didn't got right in the building real fast. So they do definitely take care of the patrons. So if you are a Patreon member, make sure you say something to, uh, the people outside. Most of the venues, like you said, at most of the shows, they do a very good job letting the Patreons in first and getting our money's worth. Um, to get the first in merch and as you said that's kind of like why i really like getting in there early too because i like to go get my merch first because my yep. fat ass needs a certain size and they don't carry that size too not a lot of that size often so i like to kind of just get my merch in and then to go sit down and enjoy the rest of the show because uh might run out of my size on some of the shirts and i've had that happen which is not a big deal but um it does feel nice to get in there first and not sit in lines and possibly be disappointed at the merch table
1: and then sometimes some of the talent is walking around, so you're able to kind of get to them early, talk before they're uh, I don't want to say impatient, but after you've seen quite a few people it's it's enough and you go to the back and whatnot. so it's really nice to get out there when they're fresh and happy and ready to do their thing. also, you're right, popular merch moves quick, and you need to get in there on it. sometimes they're offering collectors' cards or things that you need to grab before someone else does because. We have a lot of collectors in the wrestling community and kind of how it is and it's pretty funny too you
0: said that too uh i was talking to my wife about it last night um with the funko pops because i have like the jordan funko pop shirt where he's like flipping them off it looks like a giant funko head, <laughs> um shirt. Yeah. but at the Vegas show i bought a mieto mieta was selling two different versions of like little mini pop figures and they were like i think it was like only 25 bucks or, or 30 bucks one of the two and yeah, um, that ain't bad for price, and I think they needed. We were kind of talking about maybe GCW has uh, a little pop merch merch line going because I think, they, as you said, collectors like a lot of the GCW fans and stuff like that. We all get on the GCWmerch.com and go on to get the posters. Like I have quite of the post. Uh, the, I like to have the posters of the shows that I go to, so I've bought a lot of those ones and ha- have them hanging ha- hanging up behind me. But I, if they ever release like a line of GCW wrestlers, like the regulars with a Funko mm-hmm. pop i would definitely buy some and i know a lot of other people would too so i think some of the gcw wrestlers should look into the pop figures as a little merch and talk to me because i thought that was pretty cool that was the first gcw wrestler pop figure that i saw and i had to buy it because it looks very cool
1: yeah i think you're i think they might be missing out a little bit on that they might want to get in on that train because again wrestling fans are collectors, and. I would love to have bought some of these maybe for my wife for my kid maybe one for me or maybe you know as another fan maybe buy something as a present um most okay okay so i'm gonna go back to this because i did have a lot to say about the venue and uh here's another one that i think was a big plus for the ucc we saw this in las vegas because it's a smaller show but most local or smaller shows i feel like my little crew we pull a lot of weight with making noise um We do that also because we feel for the performers. We want them to also feel like they're cheered on and comfortable. I don't care if you're a musician or whatever. With an artist, if you don't have some kind of a boost, a positive something coming towards you, you don't always feel inclined to give your best efforts. It's not anything against the performers. It's just, I hate to say it, but if you've ever told a couple jokes, when there are five people laughing as you tell them, your jokes kind of get funnier and better as you go. It's, running that adrenaline. So kind of gives those performers adrenaline, but not at the UCC. Um the UCC crowd is very alive. I think they're a passionate crowd. I really do appreciate that. I don't want to say it's a soccer feel, but I do want to say that it's um it's not tame. It's not a WWE tame, and it's really enjoyable because in the end it's still an independent show and we forget that it is still a cult kind of following. So yeah um i want to talk about do you want to talk about anything before i talk about security
0: uh not that i think of uh i just like when we get it like when we got in i got my i went right to leo rush i saw he was on the ring and selling merch so like that was my first spot as soon as we we got in i went right to leo rush before we got to my seat because um, the last time I, I went to go get Leo Rush, Rush merch, he didn't have my size and he didn't have much of anything last time too, but I ended up getting my son shirt, but he's always wearing his shirt. I'm like, man, I wish I had a Leo Rush shirt. I've been dying to get one. And he was selling a nice cool shirt when he got bloodied up in New Japan on, um, oh, what's that show? The, their main show of the year. They uh, he got bloodied up there, but he was selling like that kind of shirt where it shows like the blood and stuff. And I thought that was mm-hmm. cool. And they, he had my size finally, so I was able to get my first uh, Leo Rush shirt for me. So that's kind of a highlight. And talked to him a little bit too. Of uh, he kind, I told him about how I didn't have he didn't have my size and brooch last time and my son and like my son was like there he's like oh you're but you're the one that got my leo rush shirt then huh you didn't get one or your dad didn't get one but you got one so you're a true fan and he looked at me (laughs) he looked at me and kind of gave me like a little wink like hey i'm just busting your balls to make your son feel good and stuff like that but it was kind of cool to talk to leo rush before the show and yeah we got our seats and uh got our cameras out and ready to take pictures and all the videos and it was, a, it was a fun show, and it was nice. Our seat was, like, so perfect. Like, I, I very much enjoyed that seat. When I'm with my family, that's probably where we're going to sit from now on. But if I'm by myself, I'll probably get, like, on the floor or stuff. Because I do, like, down moving out of the, the way. Down in the, the dirt. Yeah, I like, when I'm by myself and I don't have to worry about, like, my wife or son getting hit, I'm all for moving or getting kicked because that just makes the... To me, when it, we had to move out of the way, it feels like you're part of the show and you get more invested in it. Yeah. But I did feel very much invested and enjoyed my time on the stage. Like I said, it was cool uh, talking shit back and forth with the wrestlers as the matches were going on and stuff
1: like that. So <laughs> that was like, that's another little perk of on the stage. So, okay, when we're talking about me, <laughs> I was happy I saw a couple of familiar faces there. Like Juicy was there. He didn't appear on camera. He was just hanging out. Uh um, We were feeding him edibles like a motherfucker. Uh, You could even see him in the picture with our kid. He's standing there and you can see him with a handful of edibles and a mouthful of edibles. And it's hilarious. He looks like a happy, happy boy. That's the best way I can describe it. He loves talking to my son. He wants my son to wrestle uh, and basically wrestle with him. He wanted to do some things, I guess. And he told my son and. Uh, my son still hasn't told him what they said, but no idea. (laughs) Um, Cole Radrick was there, Jordan Oliver. These are guys that I like to see when they come through because they're just nice people. And um, I just sometimes gravitate to some people more than others. And, you know, these guys were always just very nice. You know that about Oliver and with Cole. I think it's just a Midwest thing. I just, I cheer for him and I like him a lot. And he comes with a lot less ego than just the average individual it seems but um my personal goals i got to meet alec price who to me is one of my favorites out there right now him and charles mason off the top of my head in gcw are really two of my favorite heels i'm starting to realize i really love heels and I'm it, starting to realize that now.
0: I remember the, like last couple episodes too. Like, I was, I was turning everybody heel. Like, oh, I like this person better as a heel. That <laughs> person's better as a heel. Like, hey, everyone's going to be a heel in a, our GCW.
1: So, I think what happens is that as we look <clears> at <throat> the second shows and how motivations are made, we start to realize how important heels are. And we also realize how, how much heels have a grasp of how they can be strong and that makes the hero look stronger. Like, so what's going on here is they're willing to take the pie in the face so someone else can look better than them. And I respect that. I, was, I really do
0: respect that. I was talking about that same exact point with Cardona uh, to my wife last night. We, we, were, we watched kind of watched the show last night uh, um, since we haven't seen it since we were there. But I was telling her, like, it's so cool of Cardona when even though he's like this probably – To the more common wrestling fan, a lot more people know of his name probably than anyone else in GCW uh, because Mm -hmm. of his run in WWE. But I think it's so cool how he's still, since day one of working with GCW, as you said, he's willing literally to put the, uh, instead of the pie, the cake in his face. I was uh, talking to her about like how Chelsea Green and Cardona were making putting over Nick Gage on their wedding show or when Mm -hmm. Cardona wrestled against Blake Christian, did all this shit and got put Blake over. And then same thing with Jordan. He even ended up putting Jordan over. Like I thought it's very cool of having this better name, putting over these bigger names, um, and G or putting over some of the younger names in GCW and giving them a bigger platform and getting them more recognition with a victory over Cardona. And I thought that was, like you said, the heels have been very much, uh, doing their part of just, yeah, taking the pie in their face and, getting their, uh, I always say comeuppance. I don't know why I'm stuck on that word. (laughs) It's funny, too. I heard another podcaster use the word comeuppance, too. I'm like, oh, maybe that's why I'm just getting stuck using it. But it's so cool watching Cardona and Mason get their comeuppance from the face. And as you said, it gets me more invested as a fan because now I really hate this heel. Now I'm more cheering for this face more than I normally would. And I'm invested in the story to finally see Mason and Cardona get that pie in the face. And I think that's why these shows have been in my opinion, way better lately because there's more storytelling going on with the faces and heels, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why probably we're talking about heels a lot more lately because we've seen now
1: how much better they're making the show. Absolutely, because now our heroes look like (laughs) something because they have somebody to uh, fight up against. That's, That's kind of the whole thing here. It's like we have to go on reputation if Superman never had somebody to go up against. We'd be like, well, he's great. I mean, we haven't seen him be great in a while, but... Still pretty darn good. Uh, Okay, so this kind of goes back a little bit. Six months ago, we were like, there's no heels. Heels are dry. GCW is dry when it comes to heels. There's only one Mason that was really rolling around and doing anything whatsoever. And then here comes this onslaught of heels. And it really has added depth to the show. I I mean, I don't want to say we were right. And I don't want to say we were arguing against anyone. I'm just saying that basic that basic lego you know in the in the building really made a big difference
0: yeah and i don't think we were the only ones saying it either like i've seen multiple comments of like and on the gcw official podcast on their patreon on their questions you see a lot of the people commenting it's so awesome seeing all these cool different storylines going on and it's making the product better and they're thanking gcw for adding more storytelling and i think as you said that goes along with the heels making the faces look better and i i just it's adding a different element to the show that we weren't seeing as often as we are now and i think i think now that we're seeing it and it's kind of perfect timing too right going into the collective their biggest shows of the year they're going to start telling all these stories i just hope they kind of keep this momentum up because that that was a big part of why i think i enjoyed the jacob so much because of all the different storylines kind of it, that played off during that whole tournament and what happened previously with the competitors that going against each other prior to the tournament. And that made the J-Cup, in my opinion, so much more better because of getting more mostly invested because of all the storylines. And I just hope they do keep it up after the collective and don't just kind of go back to just putting on cool dream
1: matches and getting away from the storytelling. Okay, so my next one here, speaking of heels, I was happy that I got a chance to meet Blake Christian. <laughs> That's another one where okay so we're all fans <clears throat> excuse me we're all fans so we know that playing a character i was really looking forward to meeting him because again deep down he just seems like a really nice guy he looks out, he works his ass off his work is always fantastic he's somebody that again you, you kind of want to cheer for he's somebody that really puts it out there always delivers great matches every as long time as he's got a good dancing partner he's doing good Um, but I went over to him and I had the flag that we talked about on the Las Vegas show. I had everybody over there signing it. I Went ahead and I went over to Lauderdale and I went over to Blake Christian. I said, Hey, you know, it's okay. Could you please sign this? I'm not really big on if, if anyone notices I have stories, I don't have pictures. I do that because I think it's the right thing to do. I know it sounds weird, but sometimes I'm with these guys, so they shouldn't have pictures, it's not worth, you know, and that's not the right public thing to do either, but I really don't do that too much. And I think it's because they take pictures all the time. And I feel kind of weird sometimes doing that. I hate to go, Hey, you know, like uh, sometimes I just like the personal experience that I get in the memory. Like I'm not good with taking video photos and I'm not proud of that. Actually, it kind of sucks. And I just
0: recently I caught up. I just recently started doing the same thing. Like I used to be like a picture person and video to get it. Yeah. But then lately I feel the same way. It's like, no, like I should the wrestlers don't need to be out there 24 seven. Sometimes the, whatever they're doing is just for you and not for everyone else. So I've been taking more, as you said, more just enjoying the moment and enjoying the conversations having with these uh, wrestlers and hearing their perspectives on a lot of different things. And it's been for me, more enjoyable that way and telling the story <laughs> than it is just taking a picture of, Oh, look, I met this person and that's it. Like it's getting more deeper, like not deep conversation, but more, a deeper level of conversation than it would be of, Hey, just kind of get your picture. And that's it. I I kind of like having, I, as I talked about the last show, I think that's what made the Vegas show was a more sociable show for me. Cause I just usually show up and leave, but being able to interact and talk with these wrestlers, not just about wrestling, but about other stuff, what's going on. was fun and totally different. And for me that's been more enjoyable than just taking pictures and, Oh, look, I took a picture with this person. Okay. What'd you guys talk about? Nothing. Cause I just took the picture and that's it. Like, I've been enjoying the social aspect a lot more.
1: Yeah. um, So Lauderdale, same thing. I just wanted to basically just show my face, shake his hand, say hi, let him know that the podcast is there. We appreciate, you know, kind of thing. So um, next on my list that I was so happy to meet was B-Boy. I went up to him as one of the first people I had a chance to talk to. And I'm like, dude, we're right around that age. I, I love what you've done. I've always loved how you've worked. You know, we came up with the same West Coast hip hop kind of thing going on. I love it. I've watched you from so long in this year and whatnot. So um, he ended up being our angel in L.A. No shit. You want to say something before I go into that story at all? I'm not sure. No, I just, I've okay, always yeah. respected B-Boy, too. Like, I was telling you the story off camera of what he was
0: doing during the Jordan match, and that kind of made me uh, appreciate B-Boy more of how much he was in in the moment to trying to help out the wrestlers more than just making it about himself. Even though he wasn't, like, a main character during that match, but he was a lot. He was coaching up Jordan on one of the matches in L.A., and it just seeing him doing that was pretty cool scene because he didn't have to be out there doing that stuff, but... Uh, he does a lot of stuff out there with L.A. when he's not wrestling, he's doing uh, all the the security, the running back and forth, mm-hmm. helping up with the ring setup and taking it down and the weapons and cleaning the ring. So B-Boy definitely does uh, make his impact known in L.A. during these shows.
1: Yeah, he's a no bullshit dude. And I like that. I like how he gets straight to the point. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just boom. So. I'll explain why I said he was our angel in L.A. It's kind of funny to say that, and here we are, two grown men, but I'll explain it this way. Um, at one point when we started the show, security was kind of in front of me. He was standing in a spot where he believed he needed to be, and that's fair, but we, me and quite a few others in the spot were going, hey, we can't see. Is it okay if you kind of step back a little? Um, it, we'd appreciate it because can't really see and the lady was really upset about it and i'm sitting there i'm like all right no big deal and then i realized he's well in about half of my view too especially if you included the the pole that's right there because we were lucky enough to get some nice side seats like right on the side so we were not cramped at all that's another thing i really appreciated that you know the, maybe the luck of the lottery or whatnot but we got those end seats um but anyway so Start the show and that happened. So I went ahead and I went over to someone. I said, Hey, can you tell Lauderdale or security or somebody maybe to have this guy move back so we can see a little better? And a second later, here comes B-Boy, which I'm sure Lauderdale told him, Hey man, is it okay if you grab him real quick? Just have him come back about eight steps. And so um B Boy went over there and said, Could you please step back? And the gentleman stepped back a couple, and I don't understood fully at the time. But um B-Boy's like, No, nah, dog, you're coming back here with me and like pulled him back um b-boy takes action and i really appreciated that also we'll talk about a spot at the end of the night where b-boy kind of helped out again but um that kind of rolls into security do you want to talk about uh or at least let me kind of talk for a little bit because again this is all my first feelings about everything so yeah i kind of you know first timer i just wanted to add on at the end of like when you're about to do the security one because
0: i kind of have a lot of like similar opinions and like uh, mm-hmm. agree with you on some of your points too. too. That's been, been that's been my experience uh, for all the shows I've gone to at um, the UCC. Is uh, what you're about to say. I kind of had that same experience and same thoughts as well.
1: Well, okay. So part of the reason why I had this security talk that I was going to have was because um, it was wild at the show. That that wasn't something that they can control. The thing with security is you try to do what you can up front. But initially, um, you're reacting, you're reacting. So you you don't know someone's going to walk up until they walk up and then you're dealing with the situation as such. So my my ideas about this, not my ideas, but my thoughts and my ideas about this was that security inside did a decent job at covering the venue during the show. Um, I've done a little bit of security before. And I recommend general admission stand back behind the seated customers that would be rows five six and further back because those customers paid for seats and it's not easy to have people standing right up beside you on the right side also that can sometimes be a cheat unfortunately that you pay half the price and you stand right beside someone in the front row who paid double. So that's one of the things I think of where I go, okay, that's something where we need to push those people back because there's an area for them. But if people are willing to pay the extra money to have a seat, let's treat them special, too, and give them the space that they need to, say, walk around, get up to the restroom, go get something to eat or drink. I think those things are fair. But um, no one seated in row four who paid a higher price should be pushed up against by people who paid a lot less. Yep. That, but, that's where
0: um, I agree with you, too. That's where I That's where I kind of want to hop in right there because I'm right there with you. I feel the same way. And, but I've also been that person in GA up front right by the entrances. Right, where I right. But I I make sure like, hey, oh, am I blocking you? I'm good. You're good. Okay. It's like I try to stay out of the way, but 90% of the people there don't. They don't care. They're like, oh, I paid for this. Like, yeah, but... You did not pay the same price to be right next to me where I'm at. Like, I, I agree with you. They should be in the back behind everyone watching in GA. That's fine. But when they get pushed up close, that's where I kind of get annoyed because I paid, the, as you said, the more money to have a better seat. And I should not have to adjust my viewing because of someone else in GA thinking that they could push their way up to the front and that they've earned and deserve that same view that I have. I I disagree with you on that one, because that's one of my biggest complaints when I was sitting uh, at the UCC, that that always happened with us.
1: So, I mean, I just I don't want to be harsh. It's just I think that's a good idea to do. And I think it's the right thing to do, because if you want to be in the front row, pay for the front row. If you want to be in the second row, pay for the second and so on and so forth. If you're going to pay in general admission, which I hope this doesn't upset anybody, but stay in general admission. And I know that's being harsh. I'm so sorry. But you have to understand the people who paid for those seats. They, they paid to be there to have that space, to have that section. Everybody wants to be front row. And it's obvious that the only people that really keep getting there over and over outside of front row people are GA. So I would like to not have security stand in front of me, blocking my spot, uh, blocking my vision during the show. I would like for him to stand in row four or row five until everybody stay behind him. Then everybody that paid good money that is seated can see the show. Um, I just had to say that.
0: And I noticed they've done a better job at enforcing that as the shows, as the, all, these, all these shows I've gone to, every show they're getting better and better of making sure the crazy people that are in GA running around, blocking everybody up front, they've done a better job of making sure that they're not impeding on the people that paid for their view, that they're actually getting the view that they paid for too. So um, big shout out to that. And like, it's not to, like i know like you don't mean this but just in case of people out there listening it's like not actual security guards they are like local wrestlers that are there yes, just yeah, help yeah, out. Yeah. they're <laughs> not actual security guards getting paid to do that they're just uh, the wrestlers helping out gcw and brett of making sure the fans are in control and stuff so that's not like they have any batons or weapons on them yeah they're not professionally security guards they're just there to help out they do for the most part do a very excellent job and like i said every show i've seen it improve and improve and it's been more fun to see that happen because for more fun for me at the shows seeing this happen because now i feel more entitled or not entitled but more inclined to uh get better seats and stuff like that and not have to worry about some other person blocking my view right
1: okay so you made a good point there and you're right these are wrestlers they're not professional security these guys aren't off-duty cops nothing like that's going on this is what you see at any standard wrestling show, a a big company comes into town, they'll use local wrestlers for all kinds of things. Maybe picking up people from the airport. It could be security. It could be someone that needs to be in an early match, you know, whatever it is, but it's general. So let's talk about wrestlers. The one thing I want to say is that Primo Henio, he was the one that was doing security right all night long. He ducked down so others could see from behind or around him he intervened when necessary. He was invisible when he needed to be. He even sold moves as like hurting when chops were delivered near him. So there was a spot where and off the top of my head, I'm sure it was probably speed volley hit gauge with a chop, a heavy chop. And you could see Primo like, oh, he's out there kind of selling it, which is what a wrestler should do. So, yeah, you're you're right about that. And I'm also going to mention another guy who is fucking awesome. Um, he had red hair. He was tall long beard flannel shirt i believe i've even seen him wrestle before i just don't have his name off the top of my head but he was a very 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 nice guy super helpful from helping me get inside to even coming over to our section and helping out there he um he kept general admission a few feet behind front row and um that was a lot more comfortable for me because i was sitting on the end there the security overall they dealt with a lot of bs from some rowdy fans that's normal but they handled it quickly and properly but i would also say if it doesn't already exist maybe a no purchase ticket list for some people who may be a little you know or one two and you're out of here kind of thing and i know brett already does that i believe also security is fairly patient there's a gentleman we'll talk about later in the night that kind of knocked over my son almost and whatnot but. Same thing. B-Boy came in, man. B-Boy came in on that one, too. And security was being very patient with him. But it sounds like at the end of the night, too. Every now and then, it's just a rotten, a rotten apple. Because like I said, I talked to security. He was cool as fuck. We had a good time. He was happy that we were happy. And I'm only talking about a couple of small things. But I would say when it comes to how security and everything was ran outside of pushing GA back some. And I didn't mention it, but take Nick Gage to GA. Don't bring GA to Nick Gage. I think that security did a very good job making sure that once he got towards the ring, unless you had a wristband, you weren't near him. But yeah, I think maybe run him around the ring one time in GA and then bring him and run him around on the inside for the the people in there uh, might be a good answer for that. I think those two things that I said right there would be the best way to maybe handle two situations that I heard a lot of people say. Uh, personally and on Twitter. And um, I wanted to mention them. And I never want to be harsh on the company. And I hope I'm not being harsh. I'm just saying those two ideas right there would help out a lot. Because when we get to the point in the night, I'm talking a lot. But when we get to the point in the night where we talk about the gentleman who has his arm on Nick's neck and security is constantly trying to pull him off, like he had his arm around Nick's neck. So we have to think about the fact that we do let these guys come over and love on him, but he's not too far away from getting injured. And that's a hell of a risk to take with your, with your face
0: of the company too. And I always wonder how like exhausted he is by the time he gets to the ring. Cause fight fighting a mosh pit oh, of shit. hundreds of people every single time before he gets to the ring. Like he already had a wrestling match before he get in, he gets in the ring. So it, I, I do have seen it myself. It's gotten better. And like I said, we're talking about like has, 10, it, 10, it, 10 fans better out better. of like seven, 800, however many he's in there. Like it's, for the most part, it's like the very, very few minority that uh, kind of that's what we're talking about is a few people. We're not talking about the majority of the fans. majority of the fans are around very me with awesome. nice yeah. as fuck. Yeah, I've never had anything, as any issue with people around me other than just those. It's the same few people, too. Of they, As you said, they think they paid GA, so they push their way to the front and, oh, look, I'm here. Now I'm front row. And they just act like it's the whole show was for them. And then they, you said, as you said, they follow them all around the ring instead of staying in one spot, interrupting the people that paid for the front row. But, uh, it gets handled. We're also dads. We're better, also dads. Nah,
1: too, we're yeah. also dads.
2: Like, if, if I don't have my family there.
1: Yeah. Dude, if you and I were 21, we'd be like, fuck yeah, we were over there with Gage. It was a fucking party over. You know, we went towards the food area. We were over. Here. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I have to remember that, too, sometimes. I'm... I'm like, you know, but my kid was like, he's six, six and three twenty five. <laughs> he got knocked over almost. And then the other uh, my nephew, basically, that came along with us. He was pushed into the second row and was trying to apologize that one guy had went all the way around the ring. So it was good. They were patient with him because I'm big on patient being cool. If you ever want to know what cool fucking security is, go to a Dodgers game. They have some of the coolest fucking security out there. Um, But yeah, they removed the guy as they should, and they did their work that night. But I wanted to say for sure, 100%, the dude who was a redhead, people who know who they are know who they are and primo henio those two guys seemed like looked professional as fuck they did a great job
0: yeah like i feel the same way when i just had the dad in me like whenever i take my son or my wife there, like my protection instincts kick in and i'm like okay this shit better be perfect you better protect all of us but when i'm by myself like i could give a fuck
1: what's happening around me because it's just part of the show (laughs) because it's just me i don't care what happens to me out there yeah so maybe we're not the the popular we may not be the popular opinion possibly But I am saying that the lifeblood of even, even this company, the lifeblood of wrestling are families. You have one fan like me and one fan like you. And instead of selling two tickets, because we have families, they sell what, seven? Seven front row tickets were sold for this LA show because of primarily two fans who fell in love. It's about families. Families want pictures, families buy merch, the kids always want merch and pictures, that's the way it goes. So... I guess, you know, to be fair, we are talking from the dad perspective. It is what it is. But after this, my nephew was like, maybe we need to sit on the stage. I forgot that he's kind of anxious about things like that. So we may end up front row stage with you guys next time, which is perfectly fine. My son, on the other hand, he's like, I want to be in the pit. I want to be down there in the fucking dirt. He's like, I want the blood on me. Like, that's my son. And see, that's (laughs) the cool part about the stage, too. Like, uh, especially where we sat.
0: We sat on the opposite end of view, uh, opposite corner. And we're right by the stairs. So, like, hey, go run down the stairs. Go get part of the entrances and run back up to your chair. Like, I don't see people doing it. We didn't do that either. But I just thought about that. I'm like, hey, the stairs are right there. That's something that he could possibly do next time. And I don't know if they allow that going up and down consistently. But I didn't see any enforcement of it. But I also didn't see a lot of people with that same idea. So who knows? Maybe you could try it out. What's the worst way? Brett's going to say, Hey, go back to your seat. Like then. that's fine. At least we know, but uh, that's one thing you should think about next time. If we sit in, this, uh, if you, if you guys sit in this stage next time.
1: Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be something to look at, but yeah, if they could just spin Nick gauge around general admission, then, and have him do a second one around the ring. I think that might be a lot better. And then, um, gosh, you can't, you can't rope off general admission in four sections, you know, like, one, two, three, four, like follow the ring posts, but um yeah i'm I'm sitting here talking about something they've worked hard to perfect, so just with all due respect, the guys kicked a lot of ass, but when I walked in there, the only thing I could say was yeah they've they did it, they did a damn good job keeping the crazies down to a minimum and. I really did appreciate that, but yeah, parking was easy. there was a dispensary across the street, so if there's anybody that really worries about, will they make it to the show?" They can make it to the show. It's, you know, um, I will tell you that audio, again, I say this every time, audio never fully captures the live feel. And I know you can't always do that, but... I don't know know if maybe the crowd is a little suppressed or whatnot, but it always comes across quieter than it is, because I know that when we were there, L.A. was electric. And
0: they made the sound better, though, over the last couple of L.A. shows, because before, even when you're there, the microphone would cut out. You could barely hear what was being said over the speakers and stuff. But the last few shows, as a fan, uh, like in the stands and in the building, you could hear everything perfectly, and that's... Uh,
1: another nice little improvement that they've done with these UCC shows. And you're right. There's been so many improvements. I mean, how many have we talked about that just over the last six months? Better, better, better. I mean, from security to storylines to adding more real wrestling into their shows to adding a belt to adding heels like they are listening to their fans. And I really love that Brett does that because a lot of other companies don't. And the Lakers colors um, on the
0: LA and uh, the little LA logo above where it says GCW. Awesome. That's why I've always loved like, the LA shows and when they use
1: that ring because it looks perfect. It's perfect for the LA crowd. Okay. So I'm just going to ask this because it may happen here. Are we going to see Commander at the LA Collective? We are, correct? I think he got announced for at least a couple matches. I'm not sure though. Once you said that, now I'm kind of scared. Yeah, I'm kind of scared, too. That's why I'm like, oh, shit, I really hope we're not losing Commander like that. Because my thought is, if that motherfucker's there and he shows up at the Collective, he may walk out the star. There's going to be a lot of people who's going to know who Commander is once it's all said and done. And like, especially after I was this talking, week, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. This could be the summer of Commander once everything's said and done. Like, this could be Commander's coming out party where people start to really know who he is. Uh, AEW did such a good job having him out there during that ladder match. Did
0: you see who the original person they wanted for that one was? Yeah. That's Vikingo. insane. Oh my God. I could not believe that. Wow. Talk about having a
1: golden position though. Yeah. If I they can still they, get Vikingo in the struggle. future. That's nuts. I'm so happy that I had a chance to talk to him at LA. Yeah. Las Vegas and LA because he's just so damn nice. And he's like, Oh, my English is not fair. I'm like, dude, don't even worry about that. You understand a hug and you know, thank you. You got those two. That's (laughs) all I really wanted to tell you. You know what I mean? I don't have a lot to talk about when I'm there. I don't have a lot in common with, say, a 25 year old person who's out there, you know, but what I do have in common is respect for what they do. So I make sure I tell them. But yeah, um, Commander, this Commander situation is really interesting. He, like I said, he could walk out of the collective just an absolute star. And I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to have so many fans coming through LA that weekend that I think it's going to be like when, um, when AEW came through Las Vegas last year, where we had a lot of AEW fans at the GCW show. Yeah. And it was really cool watching their reaction to some of the shit that was going down Um, right now. Commander is signed to chaos wrestling in Mexico. K A O Z wrestling. That's preventing him from being signed at this time. Both AEW and WWE have interest in him. My recommendation, collect merch now. Same with Nick Wayne. Nick Wayne has four months until AEW is his new home. Same thing with Billy Starks. Billy isn't signing until after graduation, but AEW is looking like the future. All of this is absolutely... I have a lot of talking in me today, man. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's, uh, it's, we had a, a lot to talk about because
0: we saw a lot of fun stuff at this uh, UCC before and after, so i just want to get our little stories
1: in before we uh cover the actual event so we've got 24 events that have been listed coming up for gcw in these next couple of months here are eight for the collective how many shows are the Ten. collective nine 10, Ten shows, shows. Well, 11 oh. counted the independent like the hall of fame but 10 actual wrestling shows Wow. so 24 shows coming up 10 over one weekend i really hope we survive
0: <laughs> I hope I have a voice when we come back. I'm gonna be at all like every single event. I'm not going like I'm not leaving the UCC Center. Like there, like I'm not even going to WrestleMania. Like I kind of want to, but I think it's just gonna be too crazy, and I don't want to put the extra stress on myself. Because then I think right after WrestleMania, there's a show back at UCC and. I don't want to have to stress about making it there and stuff. So I'm just going to be chilling at the UCC, but I just hope to have a voice by the end of those three days and 10 shows because I will be cheering, moving, screaming.
1: <laughs> it's, going to be, it's going to be fun. I can't wait for it. Okay, so the last thing I will say about my impression on the venue, um, walking out the door at the end of the night, I looked around. I love to take a final shot at the end of the night. Okay, you know what? Here's what I last see as I walk. Out. <clears throat> GCW has the perfect venue in L.A., I think that is the perfect venue. It has enough to hold more. It has a good look to it. So if they need to put on a fabulous show, they can do it there. I mean, everything about the place is great. Like I said, the bathrooms, the food, the drinks, the fact that you have walking room, there's just space. Everything about it is fantastic. I'm really happy that they put their feet down in L.A. at this place. And now that I've been there, I know what
0: I, I do like the, the venue as well. I just kind of wish because of after that last statement they made on the podcast of not having as many death matches there because the venue didn't really, uh, well, not the quote unquote death, match, just not doing light tubes and stuff like that. That's the only negative I think of it. But they have let them use it in the past. So maybe they're just not letting them use it as often or maybe they're not pushing it as often either. So um, I, I do like the venue,
1: but I just wish there was a little bit more ultraviolence allowed. Okay, so this is for fans. So let's kind of—I'm going to go deep for a second. By any chance, do you know why Sheik isn't allowed at the UCC? Sheik, Sheik was there. Uh huh. What I was saying was, do you know why she's not allowed? She's not supposed to be there. She's wrestled there many times. Uh huh. No, I have no idea then. Okay, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what happened. But when we were talking, my wife and I—we we talked to her quite a bit. She's a Las Vegas local kind of thing. So but she's like, no, I'm I'm really not supposed to be here. I was banned from this building. I'm like, what now? She's kind of a smart ass sometimes likes to make jokes. But yeah, so I don't know what was going on because she was out there on TV in the middle of the damn place. And she's like, I said, she's there at every show, like every UCC has mm-hmm. been there. So I'll just take it as maybe fuckery. But she's like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be at this venue anymore. And, and, like, she had a mask on outside of the performance the whole time. Huh. interesting. Weird. And, uh, you know, Sheik sticks out like a sore thumb. You know what I mean? Like, really, Sheik's so unique, you're not going to, like, not know who the hell that is from the back, from the front, from the side. You know who Sheik is. It's like Nick Gage. You could tell from the back, from the side, yeah. from the front who Nick Gage is. That's weird, Same though, thing. because actually, I've seen her, like, she's had multiple matches there. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. I heard it wrong, maybe. But she was... Possibly joking. Interesting. Maybe she was just talking about the match. I was banned from the match Because she was banned from you the match. You know what I mean? Exactly, and I was on a fucking trip from be,
0: yeah. out here to the show. Maybe I that's what she was saying. Maybe she's like, hey, I'm not supposed to be here because I'm not supposed to be involved in this match kind of thing.
2: I think I that's think a, that, Yeah, I that think makes that's,
0: more sense. Well, but it's also possible fun to think about the other situation.
1: <laughs> well, again, for or people other who reason. don't remember, when I was talking on the Las Vegas situation here, basically, you and I both, we show up to Vegas at, like, what? We show up to show about 7 or so. So we had the show in Vegas from 8. It closed down at 11. We probably left at 11.30, midnight. We both get home. It's probably 12, 12.30, 1 o'clock. I didn't get to bed till 3.30. Oof. Woke up at, I forget what time. I got, like, four hours of sleep. I think it was just nervousness because I had to drive to L.A. I'm not good with fucking stress and nervousness. I start to think and I'm I'm fucked. That's why I actually listen to like podcasts while I'm sleeping now. Cause it helps my mind wander on things besides myself. <laughs> so um God, I just I just see this is what I'm talking about where I'm not feeling well and I'm like talking and I, I actually just lost my my point, which is so embarrassing. Um I'll move on though. Oh no, I remember what I was saying now. Yeah, so I mean I got four hours of sleep and then drove four, four and a half hours to our hotel. Got there, had about an hour and a half. I almost passed out in the hotel. Then we had to go to the show, be there at 7 for the 8 o'clock show. We got out of that show at 11.30 or so, maybe 12 after we were done BS. And got back to the hotel at 12.30, fell asleep at one thirty or 2. Woke up at 7.30 the next day and had to. I actually drove as much as I slept that weekend. Yeah, I, I'm
0: right there with you. That's what, that's what I mean and my wife talking about. Maybe we should start leaving like a day earlier just like get some full rest in and then go enjoy the show fully awake and aware
1: (laughs) i think you're right because that might i mean you might be a little bored if you don't have something to do do but i mean if you can maybe get a day early maybe hit the beach for a little bit, get something to eat, take a nap and go to the show that night. That's not horrible. Yeah. Make a day out of it. It costs you an extra about 200, $300 to do that though too. So you got to think about that. That literally was just about
0: to say next. If money wasn't an option, that would be our option every single time we'd be doing that. But unfortunately uh, the hotel rates out in LA are kind of crazy. I still got
1: Like as we're saying, I still got to get my hotel for the collective. (laughs) So then also the other thing was I was really looking forward to this show. There was a killer lineup. The ones that I was really looking forward to was Leo Russian Commander, Blake Christian, Willie Mack, and then the Gage Bailey match. That <laughs> There wasn't a bad match on this show. It was a there great was card. not a
0: lag. I loved the card, too. I was I was so super excited. <laughs> Especially, like, Leo Russian Commander, I think, was one of the first matches announced. I'm like, holy shit, they're starting off hot with that first announcement. And the matches got, they were, they were incredible. As we were talking about, like, there was not a bad, bad match that night, and that that's been kind of what the GCW and LA experience has been lately. I haven't, don't think I've seen a bad match there where like, okay, I just need to go use the restroom or whatever. And miss something like this is, it's been fun. And I've really, that's why I'm really looking forward to once they start final finalizing all these other cards for the collective, how exciting that whole experience and that weekend is going to be, because there's going to be a lot of great matches throughout the whole night
1: or throughout the whole weekend. So, Want to go into our little pre-show remarks here a little bit, or we didn't? Did we mention the show even yet? I'm
0: about to say no. I don't think we did it for the beginning, but it's all <laughs> right. We, we are got cover- lost in pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's all the fun stuff, though. It's uh, it was a lot. That was a fun experience in LA and the whole Vegas show too. But we are covering tonight GCW's Middle of the Night from obviously the UCC in LA in California. <laughs>
1: And yeah, I'm sorry, it's just so obvious. <laughs>
2: like,
1: you should have fucked with him and been like, uh, from, from <laughs> the <Utah>. Jersey, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Salt Lake City tournament from, from Idaho. Um, yeah, from Idaho. So, um, yeah, the show opens at the UCC in LA. Emil yells, I'm in Los Angeles. The fans are ready. There was great energy. We open with six men in the ring as, uh, As we go right into a hot start in L.A. That basically brought us right into our first match. And
0: yes, for the first match of the evening is the scramble of alec price cole radrick eli everfly jimmy lloyd Starboy charlie and tony deppin and that was like i think they even made a remark too like this is another all-star lineup scramble that uh la is getting because the last time they had a crazy scramble lineup as well that could have been
2: mm-hmm.
0: i think i think that one had a little bit more name value than this one but action-wise they both delivered and uh this was a fun one with a lot of crazy spots here
1: Yeah, I didn't even call out all the spots on this one. This is one of those ones where I'm going to just tell you to go see it. It was a little under 11 minutes. It was so busy, it felt like five. Right off the bat, first minute of this thing, there was a a succession of topes early by all men. You literally watched them do topes back-to-back. It was like a basketball drill. One guy would go out, run around the ring, jump in, do his. Another guy was already running around the ring, do his. Um, The other thing I really noticed was that people fucking hate Eli Everfly. And I'm one of them. uh, Yeah, you know what? I'm starting to realize it now. I don't know what the hate is about, but I just don't like him i am the same way i still have no idea why people chant fuck the fly
0: but every time i see Ever- eli fly, that's fuck what him. i am chanting i'm screaming like there's it, it, it's a funny part when they are announcing him during the ring announcements you see me in the background because i was i was facing well so are you uh the hard kit like we were facing the hard cam all night long and like i'm chanting out there like fuck the fly and stuff like that and other people start <laughs> chanting it too but i'm the same way i have no idea why i'm just chanting it because i've they everyone hates eli everfly but i honestly don't know why either and i just feel like <laughs> i just feel like being part of the group and chatting to the, fuck the fly but i actually don't mind him because i would really love when he does the top rope canadian destroyer and he always does some crazy shit during these scrambles in la where it's like he takes kind of takes the craziest bump or does the
1: craziest spot where i'm like shocked mm-hmm. that he's doing it on a consistent basis yeah so it was an incredible mess of bodies everywhere. That's literally how, this is probably one of the shortest one match reviews I'll have. It was just bodies fucking everywhere. You had bodies flying in all kinds of directions. There were flips. It was absolutely crazy. Um, it's just, the whole thing was like a blur. That's the only thing, I, I don't know. How much can you really add to It's like, there was so much going on. I didn't go shot for shot because a, a 10 minute match would have taken me 30 minutes to sit there and write up. And nothing like what there was no crazy crazy spots like something that we never seen
0: before that we want to discuss like in the yeah nobody dove off the ceiling right it was it was a typical scramble but not saying like it was a okay scramble I I enjoyed it I thought like the crowd was super into it they all hit their fun spots and as you said it felt like a blur just people constantly in and out of the ring in and out and they did a lot of spots to the outside which was always fun during these scrambles but um, there's nothing was nothing was like that stood out. To make it incredible, but nothing was awful that we are going to hate this match. It was fun. It was a fun little scramble.
1: So I'll go straight to our winner here. Our winner ended up being Tony Deppen with a running knee on Jimmy Lloyd. It was very quick. It was unexpected. The fans did not like it at all. So we'll go to the end here where I'm probably... Have you seen yet how Tony Depp, Yeah. So Tony Deppen comes over. I don't know why, but I just you can literally see the light bulb go off in my head on video where I go, well, you know, I'm going to stand up and give this motherfucker my middle finger. And he comes over and digs in his pants that dirty fucking son of a bitch. I said I was going to cuss less, less, but, you know. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then grabbed a hold of my finger and he fucking stole it. That's the best thing I can say. Your reaction to was like, What What happened? Why'd you take it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like. I don't even know where it went. I just know that when he removed his hand, it was gone. <laughs> I, I still don't have a middle finger. I lost my middle finger in L.A. to Tony Deppen. I need to put it on a shirt.
0: I don't think he took a hat this time, too. I, I was trying to look for it. Like, I didn't see oh him my God. chuck any
1: hats across the building this time. I told the boys, I said, get your fucking hats off now. They're like, why, why? I go, look around. and No, no, no. Actually, yeah, because I told the boys, look around. And I think I saw a hat fly on the first side he walked out to, I think one person I may not be right too. I also thought that, you know, Sheik was banned from the building. So you never know. Uh, But it was funny that I even put online on Twitter. I'm like, did you see Tony Depp and steal my finger? He's like, you gotta be quicker than that, man. So, as always, Tony Deppin's another one that I just think he's
0: fair. Instead of like, hey, it's Tony, Crazy. hide your girl. It's Tony, hide your hats. And now hide your middle fingers
1: because he's willing to take anything from the fans. Bro, if he can get a hold of it, he's stealing it. Just fair warning. Keep your fingers to yourself. I think I did see a couple of fans too. As
0: soon as he came out, like they take their hats off and hold it on their chest. Cause I know that's what I've been doing lately. When I've been sitting front row with Tony, it's was like, Oh man, I kind of <laughs> like this hat. I'm putting it away. Or now I've been making sure sometimes I leave my glasses on top of my hat and forget that it's there, even though it's nighttime. So now I've been mm-hmm. like taking them off and leaving them in my car because I could just see Tony just chucking all my glasses and hats across the building.
1: Wow. Yeah. This was, um, a fun opener. I'm going to quote you. This was a fun opener. Yeah.
0: Fun scramble. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it. and. uh they all got their spots and they all did an incredible job. I don't think there was like maybe one little slight mix up, but oh, well, in a in a 10 minute match full of all those crazy spots, I'll take.
1: I didn't see nothing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's the same. It <laughs> was something small. That's why I'm not even going to say what it was, but it was something very small. And that will lead us into our second matchup of the evening as Nick fucking Wayne goes against the indie god Matt Cardona (laughs) and I loved it the reason I said the indie god because that's what now I have to kind of start sticking with after seeing this outfit and seeing indie god all over Matt Cardona's ass and jacket the entire time it's now stuck in my head or I'm going to start calling him the indie god and yeah he came out dressed as Indiana Jones which was uh, pretty hysterical and um, before we get into action match two, he cut the little promo on Nick Wayne and Mm -hmm. as he was talking like, I think he said the first line. I looked right at my wife because, like, one of the funnier spots that we remember with Cardona versus Jordan's match was Cardona cutting a promo on the wrong wrestler. He was cutting a promo on Nick Wayne and then. They go, no, you're facing Jordan. And you're like, who the fuck is Jordan Oliver? He did the exact I said I hope I love he, it I said, yeah, I hope he does the exact same promo. My wife looked at me, started laughing, and then he started doing it, and we both looked at each other and like we we're like uh, wide-eyed, like, holy shit, he is doing the same exact promo. And he cuts a promo of giving uh congratulating Nick Wayne on winning the J Cup a couple weeks ago and becoming the JCW champion. And then MLJ's like. No, bro, that's Nick. Or that's Jordan Oliver. And then same thing. <laughs> Who the fuck is Nick Wayne then? I love it. I love Cardona. <laughs> I'm loving Cardona as a heel. Like, I really hope he doesn't go to a bigger company because I, I think he's having so much fun doing all these shows and being able to have the creative freedom of literally doing whatever the fuck he wants is. Evidence by here coming out dressed as freaking Indiana Jones. Um, everything he's been doing, it's been awesome. I think it's been fun for him. But he's also giving, as I said earlier, giving back to the young talents and putting them over and letting them pick up victories. And like you said, getting the pie in his face just to kind of let the faces come up out on top. And I love seeing it. And he's been executing it very well. And I don't want to see Matt Cardona leave GCW anytime soon. And I'm kind of glad now that every time they announce him for another match, like in a couple months, I'm like, okay, I know we'll have him for at least a couple more months before he does head up to a big company if that's what he chooses to do.
1: Yeah, so I found out not too long ago that WWE did apply for a copyright on Zack Ryder, the Zack Ryder name, I think. Yes. So, I don't want to say anything too much about that because the WWE is prone to do that quite a bit for licensing reasons. Sometimes they have to renew licenses for different uses. So, say like they have something on Hulk Hogan, then NES puts out a game, Nintendo puts out a game. And they may have to redo a small section of his contract so that he can have, you know, a writer put in there. how much money he makes for unit sold. Things like that can come up. And um, I know a lot of so people gonna...
0: were thinking too that because that uh, trademark filing that they he that might be the sign that he's going back to the WWE. But I remember yeah, he yeah. said, "I that that character's dead. i like, if I go back, I am not." doing that zach Ryder shit i'm getting the cody treatment Fuck, i'm no. coming in as cardona and carrying in everything that's made me successful and why you guys want me i'm bringing that to the company and i really like like how he's going to do that because i think I, I was talking to my wife he, he's excelling at this matt cardona instead of zach Ryder. he's more i think he's doing better stuff now than he's ever done as zach Ryder, even though he did, just had a bigger platform and obviously bigger paychecks i think he's making a lot of good money from what i've heard on his podcast and he's in he's enjoying his time and like The creative freedom means a lot to him. And we've seen it and we get to enjoy it as well.
1: Well, what he's doing is so absolutely creative that if you step back and look at it, it's very WWE. His presentation, the way he does everything, all the way down to putting real money into his outfits, is so very WWE. And it's so anti-GCW, which is perfect. That's why I really love his character because the
0: perfect antithesis of GCW is like, no... I'm not going to come in here and do your indie shit. I'm coming in here with the real shit, and you guys got to step up to my level. Like, that's how he's, like, exuding his confidence and his uh, dominance over everyone, and I, that's one of the facets of his character I've been enjoying watching.
1: So I'm going to throw this next statement in the bucket with everything else we said six to eight months ago about what GCW needs to improve upon. This video package that opened up before the Wayne Cardona match was absolutely fantastic. It looked really good. Again, it's a great way to hype up the match. It makes what they're doing look and seem important. Fans also for fans who are tuning in for the first time, it lets them know what the hell is going on. So when two men don't walk out, it's just, okay, what about these two men? They have a video package that makes them look like superheroes before they walk out. It's so helpful. And whoever's doing those packages, you know, fuck yeah, dude, you're doing such a good job.
0: Yes, and we've been wanting the video packages, and I'm glad that we're getting a lot more, and it's keeping going because, as you said, I think it's adding a lot more to these fans that could be first-time fans not knowing who these two are. You see those little quick little highlight videos, and, oh, I'm excited to see this young kid do some fancy flips, and, oh, mm-hmm. this looks like Zack Ryder. Oh, it is Zack Ryder. It's Matt Cardona now. So
1: I, I do think that's been adding a lot to these shows as well. Yeah, having their own highlight videos has been really a big thing here. So Wayne was out first. Like I said earlier, please, if you can, enjoy him. He's got a little around four months with him. Uh, He quoted me at five months in Las Vegas. So uh, let's just say four and anything past that would be bonus. Cardona comes out as dressed as Indiana Jones, the Indy God. I'm with you. Indy God is now what I'd like to call him. That's what he proclaims himself as. Um... I 110 appreciate the 110% appreciate all the efforts he puts into everything. That's including the costumes and promos. It's kind of funny that my notes kind of line right up with what you were saying here. Um, he comes out. All hail the deathmatch king. All hail the indie god. It's just so wonderfully well, cocky. One last thing. That's, uh, that's where I was going with this. How he's- We're on the same wavelength
0: how he's spelling indie god too instead of I-N-D-I-E as like there was a big discussion. I've always seen this discussion. That's how you describe it. That's how you spell indie when you're talking about independent wrestlers. But I like how he spelled it. The I-N-D-Y is kind of like another little troll to the wrestling fans out there. It's like, oh, I'm going to make this another talking point for you guys. You're going to talk about two, one word that's on my ass the entire match. And I'm (laughs) going to make you all just eat each other alive, arguing over spelling of the word indie for independent. And I love how he's doing that as like another little troll to the fans as a heel should do.
1: Well, between the collecting of all of the figures and the way he does the trolling, like you're saying there, he is such a nerd like the rest of us. It's like if you gave somebody a nerd like him a bunch of money and said, you know what, go out there and create a character. I think this would be a lot of it. A lot of what he does out there, I think, are things that he's a fan of. That's exactly what I was telling my wife. I was saying, like, this is why
0: he's enjoying his time because this is probably all these ideas he had over all the years of being a fan of wrestling. And now that he has the creative freedom to do it, he's taking full advantage of it and doing all the fun little things. Whether it works or not for the fans or for the company, I don't think he really cares because he's doing it for his own fun. And um, these those little things have just been so entertaining to watch, especially in a GCW crowd, especially having these kind of WWE types of matches and not high fly and fast pace work rate of just being a heel and working the crowd. I think that's excelling his character to be a heel with these crowds and the crowds definitely boo the shit out of him. But I know it's when one of your moments or one of your comments here too. They really still do cheer him too. He does still have his yeah. loyal Zach yep. Ryder or not Zach Ryder, Matt Cardona, the, the, was it the wrestling? I forgot his, the full wrestling guy.
1: What's it? The, his podcast, the major, wrestling pod yeah major wrestling pod the major wrestling pod i think it's
0: called. yeah he's still got a quite a bit of fans with that podcast and they are sprinkled in throughout all these shows and you hear them like yeah even though they're the minority of the fans they're very vocal during his matches and i like because it does build in a kind of back and forth uh, chance between uh the two wrestlers during his matches which is always fun as well
1: and i loved how cardona was saying he's gonna wrestle the future of the business he's watched him forever he just won the jersey j cup you know like you were saying emil comes out. He's like um i'm sorry matt but that's jordan oliver you're thinking of over there is nick wayne like who the fuck is nick wayne i was dying laughing when he said that i'm with you i hope he really does keep that and use that on other people because it works so well together that now when he says it i'm gonna know what to say like i like to say something along with you know, some of these guys. I say it's a little treat for us fans that have been paying attention to the
0: product and paying attention to his promos. Like, yep. it's a little treat for us to get, like, we get that word. I think my wife, like, she understood it too. But, like, I've seen, I saw some other people's like, what is he talking with his promo? It's like, oh, you didn't get the first one. You're re- uh-huh. He's rewarding us for paying attention to what he's been doing. And I, oh, as a fan, always like to be rewarded to paying attention to all the little things that I noticed during Either the wrestling match, the online promos, the Twitter exchanges back and forth. I always like to be rewarded of stuff that maybe the whole big general public of wrestling doesn't, didn't catch the first time. I always enjoyed being rewarded for
1: catching it. And of course, he said he's kidding. He's kidding. He knows who Nick Wayne is. So he goes over. He's like, um, you know, Brett, am I going to get arrested for beating up this kid? You know, he's just trying to get heat, however he is. But again, if you're an adult like us, you're laughing more than you're booing him because... You're kind of above the story, you know, yep. the, the, what he's doing. You kind of know what he's doing. It's just fucking hilarious. Um, all will hail the deathmatch king, he tells us all, and then he throws down the microphone. Uh, the fans, fuck Cardona. Woo, woo, woo. Yep. I, That's what I was saying. I love um, how he's still got that LA. big podcast fan to kind of support him and uh, cause these dueling chants. And then um, Nick had a nice tope that blew Cardona into the fourth row of chairs. I wanted to at least mention that nice little spot. Um, the clout cutter is now also called Wayne's World. Did you pick up on that? No, that I show? did not. That is awesome. Yeah. I did not. That yeah. is cool. Go, go back and listen to that. Um, it was kind of the birth of Wayne's World. I like so it. I have a feeling he's going to take that into AEW. And he
0: might be taking it from Jordan, too. Like, well, not taking it from Jordan, but I mean... Jordan's been finishing off all these different all these matches in different varieties, not just the Cloud Cutter every time. So it is kind of nice, maybe, if Jordan continues to do other moves to finish matches instead of the Cloud Cutter and Nick Wayne cut uh, him passing the Cloud Cutter to Nick Wayne and then now Nick Wayne making it his own and called Wayne World. I absolutely love that name for it.
1: Yeah, it was just something they brought up, and I go, hmm so wait a minute then is Jordan going to give it a different name or is it going to stick as the clout cutter? Like I'm not yeah, really I don't know. sure. So, um, yeah, it's different, but I do like the change. It's kind of a little separation between the two.
0: And I never knew that kind of Jordan. I thought Jordan was the first wrestler. I'll be honest. I had seen do it. But when Nick Wayne had his match with Will Ospreay and I saw Ospreay do it and then it was called the Oz cutter. I was like, Holy shit, I didn't notice that. Like Osprey's been doing yeah. it for a long and probably other people have been doing it too, so um, I never knew, though, how popular their move was uh, outside of Nick Wayne and Jordan
1: Oliver. Okay, so the first half of this match was Cardona always getting the upper hand. Cardona was playing an excellent heel, up to and including things like doing push-ups while holding on to Wayne's neck. Like He was, he was being nasty during this thing. Now, here's the country boy in me that I got kind of like, oh, shit, he grabbed the whip he brought out. And I'm sitting there doing the calculations and I'm like, man, I don't think he's going to whip Wayne. Like, I'm not kidding. I've seen weed whackers. I don't know how much someone would really want to get a bull whip cracked on him. It's really that bad, dude.
0: I, oh, I can imagine that being that bad. I actually thought he was going to whip him. I was like, holy shit, like, he's actually going to whip him. But then I was like thinking of the whole age thing at the beginning when he brought that up. I was like, maybe he brought that up as a way out of like, hey, this is why. like Those of you expecting me to whip him, I can't because remember at the beginning, he's still just a kid. So uh, yeah. instead I have to choke him or visualize choking him instead of actually choking him. I, I do wonder how much the the age played into effect. Cause I really did think he was going to whip him. I was like, Oh, I was like already cringing. I'm like, Oh, Nick Wayne's about to get his, uh, it's kind of, uh, not, Oh my God. What's that called when in the initiation? Yeah. I don't come up. i studio. Yeah. The initiation into GCW. Like now you got to take some hard bumps here. We're going to whip you into it and stuff like that. But thank God he didn't. Cause I was actually kind of cringing, uh, hoping not to see that.
1: Yeah. Um, if you've ever heard or seen a bull crack or a bull whip, do a crack like that, dude, If he would have hit Wayne with that, first of all, I probably would have been like, all right, I've seen something new because you would have heard this. The loudest scream in L.A. that night would have come out of the UCC, Um, although I will ask, is that a new deathmatch weapon?
0: (laughs) That would be kind of cool. Hey, who knows now? Weed whacker. Oh, yeah. I was, was another funny part of so I was, We were watching this with my father in law, who's never really watched a full show, but he does know he used to watch wrestling and he still does watch it every once in a while, as I said, I think before. But he actually decided to sit down and watch this one with us and watching his mouth wide open the entire night of seeing all the crazy spots. And then, like, when they put pull, our pulling out doors, or as you said, the bull whip in here and stuff too, he was like, What they allow that? That's insane. I was like, This is nothing compared to what they normally do in death matches. Normally, there's panes of glass light tubes and i even said weed whacker and he's like what do they need a weed whacker for and i was like i gotta show you what for they're like they don't uh-huh. actually hit them with it do they i'm like oh yes they do and he's like yeah. that's insane but he was like can you show me later <laughs> like so i had to go yep, back and yep. find the spot but um with that bullwhip too as you said like how painful that would be i think even the belt when i see them getting whipped with the belt, like when Cody Rhodes did. I I go to Mm -hmm. these two examples when Cody Rhodes took the 10 whips to kind of have his match with MJF and AEW and how those marks, like there's no faking or selling of that shit. That's like just straight, you're getting whipped and you just got to go through it. But when Wardlow did it earlier this year, right before uh, the Double or Nothing show out here in Vegas, and he just sat there and took 10 whips with the belt with no reaction at all. That was the craziest thing I've seen in wrestling. I remember I went back and watched that clip probably over 30 times and just was stunned how he could just get whipped with the belt. And, like, he literally just, like, no-sold. He's like, oh, you really just hit me? But you see the giant welt on his back on, like, that's that was insane. And I, I just now every time I think of a the bull whip or a belt whip of how Wardlow just took it without no selling it, because I know like I mm-hmm. could just take one and I'll be like, OK, I just said you'd hear the loudest scream ever. But to take 10 of them and no sell like there was no pain. That was just incredible to watch Warlow. One of the most impressive things I've
1: seen in wrestling uh, in the recent future. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll be I'll know who the tough guy is when they bring out a switch. I'm sure you don't know what that is, uh, Are you doing? Yeah. do. Yeah. you ever, you ever uh, have an old-fashioned? No,
0: I never got one, but I
1: heard of it and everything. Oh, I've I it switch. and seen them, and yeah, I've never luckily
0: have had to do with. Yeah, that. I've had to pick mine before. Oh, that's <laughs> the worst.
1: Yeah, dude. I yeah, I I got the switch. Any any country people knows what the switch is. It's like, uh, yeah, it's not good. It's just, uh, it's pretty much damn near just getting the shit kicked out of you with a stick. And the problem with it is that it's so slim and small. When it gets slung on you, it hurts like hell. You'd rather get hit by one of my other favorites. I used to get my ass whooped with the uh, the race car track from Hot Wheels. Mm. Oh yeah, dude. Let's <laughs> what? See. I've yeah, I've gotten the flip flop. Yeah, I've gotten the flip flop, the race car track. Yeah, I was one of those. Uh, my my upbringing was the uh, whatever was closest around. the the The, the cigarette and scratch off family. That's that's what I was primarily. Um, yeah, flip flop that. I got a wooden spoon broke on my ass as I got older because she was trying, but my ass was just stronger. I, <laughs> I probably worked up like a, you know, a welt or something. But I don't know. But yeah, um,
0: I'm glad oh, Nick Wayne did not get uh, whipped though. I, I, I was expecting it, but I'm glad it did not happen because I was already ready to quirk, cringe watch a, a kid about to get whipped in public.
1: Yeah, he, he basically just got choked and heavy booze came from the crowd. Eventually, everything got turned around here, and I'm going to mention it again. I've mentioned it 100 times. I love Wayne's fisherman suplex with the bridge. He always makes that look so damn good. It doesn't matter who he's up against. He's always hit that thing every time. Also, I wonder if this is ever going to be a thing down the road. Cardona's reboot versus Gage's face wash. Basically the same move. They did it like uh, during that. their match. Yeah, I think I think that could be played Again, and there wouldn't be a problem there. There's another spot where Wayne hits a reboot and a radio silence on Cardona using Cardona's own offense. I thought that was nice to see because it's showing now that Nick Wayne isn't just wrestling and using physicality, but now he has a little bit of a mind game attached to him, which shows maturity as a wrestler. But the last quarter of the match was Wayne finally starting to gain control. At one point, Cardona grabs a chair and beats Wayne with it. He goes to hit Wayne again with the chair. The chair bounced off the ropes, and he hits himself in the head. From there, Nick Wayne rolls him up, and we go into the ending where our winner is Nick Wayne. This is an ending we've seen before. Cardona seems to have really bad luck with chairs.
0: And th- uh, like, I, I loved it. It was funny. I, uh, when he hit did that spot, my son just looked at me and started laughing. <laughs> like those yeah, of like a, yeah. like the Looney Tunes little spots. Like, what did he just do to himself? And that was kind of funny seeing him seeing that. Cause I don't think he's seen that spot uh, in wrestling, especially live so, seeing his reaction to it, uh, put a smile on my face.
1: Well, even with all the fuck yous and everything, he's still doing family centered entertainment. He yep. really is. And um, I hope, Again, everybody's really appreciating what he's doing because I do have a feeling, sadly, that he will be going up there. This is that bittersweet. We're, we're sad to see him go, but we're happy to see him succeed. Definitely. I Both competitors, like that's I, as, they, as they get
0: better in my eyes, like I also kind of get worried. It's like, man, they're just improving, but I don't want to see them leave. But they got to do what's best for themselves. And at least I'll still be able to uh, watch them perfect their craft and uh, just with a bigger audience and somewhere else other than GCW. But we all know GCW; they'll find someone else to come in and fill that hole. And now we got a new person. And AEW will
1: take them. Yeah, later. exactly right. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it feels like sometimes GCW is doing all the legwork on a lot of these guys, and then you know somebody, Tony, or somebody's watching the show. that's how Ring of Honor oh, these felt. These guys look good.
0: That's how I always yeah. envisioned Ring of Honor is like they build all these characters up for two, three years, and then. Oh, right
1: before yeah. you could use them at their best, they get snatched up. So that's something we may talk about one day or we may talk about it here. I don't know. But there are certain companies like GCW, like Ring of Honor, where loving them comes with the acceptance that they won't be career people. If they are good, they're badasses. If there's someone we really like, there's a higher propensity of them leaving. Kind of sad.
0: And I'm just hoping more of these bigger companies like Impact does and AEW for the most part still lend their talent when they're not being used to go on independence and still be able to uh, go out there for us fans and still like we'll still be able to see them on a more personal level than AEW and I just hope um, every other company other than WWE pretty much does that I still hope that kind of continues and all these companies still work together to help out each other, help out the wrestlers, help out the business, because then that's only going to make it way better for us fans. And I just kind of hope all this uh, cohesion still keeps on going as we move closer. Uh, well, after WrestleMania and stuff like that, with the, the big companies starting to uh, make their releases and sign all these new
1: talents. I just hope we get to see them in independent wrestling still. I just feel like with Cardona, you know, we pay money to see somebody. They come into the ring, they wear their trunks that they've had for the last year or two, hopefully clean, and uh, and they wrestle for us. With Cardona, the money that he's paid, it seems like he puts an equal amount of time into making sure that the presentation he gives us is something fresh, something well done, something different. And I think that's why we really appreciate him is because we're not always seeing the same Cardona. The variety is what makes him special. Same thing with Janella, just in a different way. That variety is what really makes him special.
0: And I like what Cardona's doing outside of just the wrestling, like I said, with this podcast, with his figures, with his blog. Like he's still like doing a lot of stuff. Like he's still very active when he's not wrestling a- Promoting his name, his brand, and still also promoting wrestling um, and mm-hmm. his love for wrestling with these figures and collectibles and stuff like that. And I really like that because it just shows how hard Cardona's working, not just in the ring for us, but outside still giving us a lot of content for us to enjoy him and his work um, outside of in the ring, outside the ring instead of inside the ring. And I think that's probably why he's able to spend all this extra money that he's making with uh, those other uh, endeavors that he's doing to pay for the... Great looking gear and great looking, uh, the cosmetic stuff that he brings out, like the bull whip and
1: stuff like that. Yeah. I'm guessing Chelsea maybe is selling pictures of her feet online or something that, that could be what it is. Not no more. Matt's doing it. (laughs) Not no more. She she got that WWE.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's where all that money's coming from is her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's picking up the tip on the next, uh, on the next check there. So after the match here, Cardona grabs a mic, typical showman style. And he says he can't believe he lost to Nick Wayne. He puts Wayne over, says he's signed to WWE, and one day he'll get his WrestleMania moment just like Cardona did. Cardona wants to shake Wayne's hands. They go to shake. Cardona tries to kick him and Wayne catches him and knocks him out. Nick fucking Wayne chance go out through the crowd. He grabs a chair to hit Cardona. Cardona hits Wayne first and takes the chair. He goes to use the chair and Oliver comes out for the save. Oliver helps Wayne up and they both look better because of it. I think it was a good ending. It was kind of unexpected, but it's solidifying both Wayne and Oliver still as a team, even though Oliver and Wayne are still doing their, uh, their own singles things.
0: Yeah, I love that that aspect of it too. And that's why I've always said, like just because they're a tag team, they could still do other fun stuff and cool stuff as singles competitors as well. And I'm glad that they're still letting Nick and Jordan do that. Um, With their, with Jordan still not being a singles champion, they're still, protecting each other as a tag team. It was funny, too, when Nick Wayne was like, should I shake uh, Cardona's hand? Everyone's saying, no, you just see me, my wife, and
1: my son in the background going, no, no, no. Like, it was fun watching that part. Yeah, I was actually noticing in the background the whole time. I go, wow, I'm looking at my family. They were not cheering as much. Everything's like, we were tired. I could tell. You could tell us, too, at the end. Like,
0: like at the end, we're like, okay, is this over? Like, I, I Not because I wanted it to be over. I just was exhausted. I just needed to hit the, the bed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I was so damn tired. Like I said, I almost took a nap before I got there. because I, I was just laying there watching TV, and I was like, oh, and I snored myself awake. Anybody who's ever snored has snored themselves awake before. Oh, yeah. Before? I did that in yeah, class
0: of times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was about an hour into this show, and I looked over at my son, and I'm like, okay, I'm awake now. And yeah, like the minute... I feel like you get, you're get you riding adrenaline even on the way home because the minute I hit the hotel room, like, my feet started to hurt. Yep. Tired. I, exactly. I I,
0: see, I got was a busy day. I got to the hotel 30 minutes before, like, we allowed to leave for the show, so I didn't even have time to take a nap or nothing. We just got there. I changed clothes, and all right, we're out of here and head, to head yeah. down to the venue. So I really mm-hmm. wish I even had the opportunity to take a nap.
1: Also, for anyone who travels from California to Vegas – or Vegas to California. The best place we've found to stop is a place called Eddie's World. I think that's what it is, right? Your wife told us about yeah, it we right there. Okay, it's like a baby Bucky's. Like if you've ever been in Texas to a place called Bucky's, it's like a gas station, but Walmart style. You get fresh food, you go it's it's basically what Eddie's World is. Um so I would say if anybody wants to stop at a place that has clean bathrooms, they have real food that you can order like my wife got a wood-fired pizza. I got some chicken fingers that were real chicken and absolute dynamite. Like, you could tell it was chicken breast that was really cut up. Uh, my son got a fresh-made sub-sandwich there. Uh, bulk candy was the other thing. Like, we, we found some bulk-ass candy. We came home fatter. When saw- <laughs> yeah, Eddie's uh, his world's always a staple of these trips. Yeah, man, without like we found our place, we always stop in Barstow or we always stop in or around that area. And we're happy to find a McDonald's, you know, and the McDonald's is always the same McDonald's food, what we're happy with. But the bathrooms at a McDonald's on the side of a highway are always fucked up. So, yeah, we went to the bathrooms there and it was like night and day. We'll never go to another spot again unless something better comes along. I mean, you know, you drive for two hours, real food. And then you drive two more hours, you're in LA. Like, it's a nice halfway point.
0: Yeah. Like I said, we always stopped on the way there and on the way home to just uh, stock up on some candies there because they're not, and they're reasonably priced too. It's not like over, they're a little overpriced, but not as much as they could be doing for people going in there. They could be jacking up the prices way more, I think.
1: Yeah. To- totally worth it, especially for a gas station. They keep them in like um, regular grocery store prices. Gas yeah. station prices, they probably would be a lot more. Um, I think, but I think you're dead on there. It's really nice sometimes to get, like, if you wanted a certain flavor of, I don't know, those gummy dots candies or something, you could get it in bulk there. You didn't have to, like, buy the box and then have all the other flavors in it. You could just, like, that's how they had everything.
0: Completely off topic too. I don't want to say on this line. Yeah. I saw you eating no. dots. Like I thought I was the only person in the world still eating dots. I love the dots, but you got a oh, different really? one that I've never seen
1: before. Oh, Valentine okay. dots. Okay. Yeah. So these are my, my wife has learned that she just gets my fat ass candy and it <laughs> works really well. So these are Valentine's day dots. And, um, there's only two flavors in this. There's cherry vanilla and passion fruit. And, um, they're actually pretty fucking good. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, I thought I was the only person
0: still keeping dots alive. I guess not, because that's what I always oh, get when no, I dude. when we go to Eddie's. When we World. go to Eddie's, I got a big one. Yep, that's what They're I get. Scratch. Yep, that's what I always dude. get. I always get that and the gummy bear, Like gummy bears, or uh, or like some chocolate, like Heath bars and stuff like that. But like not the actual Heath bars; they sell like the, as you said, the bulk package ones, which is tastes way
1: better, I think, than the Heath bars. And then my son, he's big on different kinds of like pops. Well, pops from my area, but sodas. <laughs> So, like, he would go there because he liked the variety of sodas. He was trying to find the the Pepsi that is flavored with Peeps, and he couldn't find it. Uh, Funny thing, I'll tell you later, I found a website on Twitter that literally just tells you, like, what foods and drinks and stuff are coming out in the next couple months. I didn't think I'd be so interested in that shit. Like, hey, these (laughs) new chips are coming out in July. I'm like, I want to eat those now yeah it's just the fat ass in there. <laughs> that
0: would be kind of fun like i always look forward to like when taco bell says like oh we're bringing this back or this new menu yes. like, i do get excited for it, so yeah definitely shoot me that uh twitter site because i'll <laughs> that's, probably that's, be all into it that's being fat ass that's what it is. yes yes that's it I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll dive headfirst into all that just like how i dive into headfirst into all my meals for our third match of the <laughs> evening, it is a six-man Lucha tag team match as Gringo Loco teams with Los Vipers, which is Letigo and Tuxin, going against the team of Ares, Jack Cartwheel, and Mago. And after the last Lucha uh, 3 uh, six-man tag match I've seen in LA, they had some pretty big shoes to fill. Um I don't think they failed them, but they did a very good job in their own different way during this match of getting the crowd super hyped up and super behind them. And they did a lot of crazy spots of, uh, in uh, this match as well. What was your thoughts on this match?
1: Okay, so first off, this was really a cartwheel showcase. I'd have to say it really was. If there was a match where you'd like, okay, I want to show you what Jack Cartwheel is capable of. I think this is the most recent one you can say for sure. It seems like as he's getting older and maturing, and he is not old at all, he's just stepped up his game so much. I don't know if he's going to land in Mexico or Japan, but I have a feeling that would also be the next step for him because all he needs is polishing. Everything else is there 100%. And then he would be coming to the Americas on a major stage. I don't know when. Um, kind of going off topic for a second, I think that Ninja Mac's done with Noah really double check me on that when you get a chance. Oh, I, I, have, I think he i think he said a thank you or something to noah so i'm wondering if he had a one-year thing going on yeah. i the well, or six months or what you know maybe maybe he just lost the title or something i don't know i don't follow follow noah well i prob
0: i don't know if i should say this and i will see uh when I did talk to him t- about Noah and he broke the news to me months before he actually went to Noah, he did say he was getting a tryout in Noah. So this could be like okay. the one year tryout. And he said like, hopefully I do good enough and they bring me back. He said this, this was over a year and a half ago. So yeah. um, this would kind of ride it, go along with that timing of maybe that's his tryout. Maybe they're letting him go back to the States and do his stuff. And then when they have stuff for him again, maybe they'll bring him back and hopefully for longer because I I really been enjoying. It. I've seen a couple of his different matches. I actually saw one earlier this week, um, uh, against someone I've never heard of before, and it was fun. He's been doing very good stuff out there in Noah. Um, and going back to Jack Hartwell, I think his work in Triple uh, triple Oh my God, triple A out there, AAA. Where, there we go, AAA out there. Um, it's, we've seen the improvement of his work out there, and as I as you said, I think this is the best Jack Hartwell we've seen, and I, he's just only going to keep on improving and improving. And it's been fun seeing all the stuff he's learned out in uh, AAA with working with the lucha style out there and him doing it out here. As I, I made the same kind of note you did. This was a showing out for Jack Hartwell and, yeah. um. A lot of the different he did a lot of cool different moves during this match that i've never really seen him do and i just think that him working with uh working in mexico has been fantastic for him like how ninja mac has been fantastic for him working in japan dante leon has been fantastic watching him and when the, when they come back here we see the growth and improvement all three of those i definitely have i noticed i've made mention of once they've had their first match back in the states after their little excursions how much better they have looked and it's shows how important it is to go all across the world and learn all these different styles and incorporate that into your own moveset and kind of use that to create your own character. And it's the, the characters and wrestlers are improving each and every time they're making these excursions. So while it sucks, we don't get to see them as often while they're
1: doing these excursions. When they come back, we get to see a better version of them. So something funny that was going on as we were watching the match, I kind of laughed at my wife. I go, I think Jack had the cookies because he was just rocking it that night. And funny thing, um, I don't know if I shot it to you or not, but later on, Jack sent me and my wife a message and was like, thank you so much for the cookies. They worked. Like, "Eh, yeah,
0: that was really a nice little show. My wife actually told me all that stuff last night. We were watching that. She's like, yeah, did you know that he had this? Like, no, John didn't tell me that. And then she told me that the text or the the DM that you get that she got from you guys. I was like, Oh no shit. Like that. that maybe that explains Jack car. Well, maybe it's not all the hard work out there. He just needs uh, the good co- chocolate chip cookies your wife makes.
1: Well, well, what happened was is your wife brought some out for Jordan in Las Vegas. And we're like, you know what? We have a lot of butter that I need to go through because if not, you know, in the next two weeks or so I was going to have to freeze it or whatnot. So we're like, you know what? We need to get rid of the butter. So it's legal. It's legal in Nevada. So we went ahead and made some stuff uh, and then brought it out. Um, no, we didn't. We didn't bring out anything across state lines. Anyway, though, yeah, um, we, we went out to the hotel and cooked them up at the hotel. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, so we got something from Cartwheel later and we ended up having a lot of fans from it. It's just you've been sick. So I've like I, I haven't had a chance. I. Hadn't had a chance to tell you about. We talked to Jordan a little bit. I had had a chance to tell you about all these little things that went on.
0: Um, yeah, just because we, you were
1: sick, so I stayed away from you until you felt better. As
0: soon as we came back to you, I've been slammed at work. We got sick, and then you got sick. Like everything's ever ever since this whole trip, we've been just slammed, and our
1: schedules haven't uh, aligned as well as we would hope for. And then the less we talk off, the more I've also noticed that, like for our recordings, our average <laughs> like right recording now recording length goes a lot. <laughs> Yeah, dude, we're going to crack. We're going to crack into match four eventually at some point.
0: We're only an hour Um, and a half in. That's all good.
1: But I also wanted to say, too, I thought it was really cool that Cartwheel came out in red, white and green. So he was totally lucha with everyone else. I really loved both teams, honestly. So I didn't really have somebody I was cheering against in something like this. The crowd really was not ready for the amount of excitement in this match. And we all had high expectations from the beginning. Uh, Thank you for AAA for the talent in the ring that night. I think it was really amazing. It was my first night. I can remember seeing Mago, so I really appreciated what he did. I noticed Gringo had a bruised eye socket. Uh, Mago and Toxin had a really nice nice exchange worth watching in the beginning. They are deceptively fast because they look like mature men. Yeah, they're some big boys and they're doing fun lucha shit. And then uh, Emil... He was saying there's gringo on gringo action you heard that shit too right? yeah
0: last night because that was our first time watching it with the commentary when i heard that i was laughing on shit i'm like guys are you allowed to say that shit
1: gringo on gringo on uh gringo on gringo action that was pretty uh, funny yeah so it ended up being that the gringo and the uh, gringo the gringo gringo <laughs> and the vipers i'm so disrespectful to my gringos gringo and the vipers they were really killing it in this match um Several minutes of the match were used by them to basically beat up on each one of the men individually. They were working as a team, and because they were winning by numbers, they were gaining a lot of heel heat because of it. Gringo hits a Barrow Salt into a Canadian Destroyer. That's the best way I can spell it, is B-A-R-R-O-W. I don't know if you've ever even heard of it before. The barrel salt. I I was thinking it was like the wheelbarrow,
0: because that's kind of what position he kind of had him. Yeah, he kind of had him in the wheelbarrow position. And then that's when he jumped off,
1: landed on the opponent for the for the destroyer. And I'm also loving the spot where Jack will jump on the ropes and then the other guys will literally pull the rope. So he gets a higher. Yep. I love it. That's that's next level shit right there. So over halfway through the match and cartwheel Ares and Mago start to take over the ring they deliver heavy to- uh, chops onto Toxin. And even though our, even though the faces are getting chopped, the fans still want to see it happen. They keep asking for more. I think the fans were in the same position where I don't think they really cared about who was the face and who was the heel.
0: I, I agree with you. I don't think there was any... Uh, like, well, Gringo tries to do, do the face stuff or try, sorry, trying to do the heel stuff. And I really like the heel version of uh, Gringo Loco. But Mm -hmm. as you said, I think the crowd just wanted to hear the the loud chop one more time. It didn't matter who was receiving it. We just wanted to hear the
1: smack ring across the UCC center. So this match had more substance than the average six man team match. I think you kind of noticed it, too. There was just it was packed with a lot of excitement. There was still a lot of wrestling and they spent some time, you know, letting the heels kind of have a little air so that they could get the type of heat that they were looking for. There were many high spots and team moves. And that started from the beginning all the way until the last minutes of the match. A lot of GCW chants from the crowd. People are flying everywhere. The crowd really came alive in this match. We had a lot of holy shit chants after Cartwheel hit a space flying tiger destroyer. I'm not shitting. That's really the name of it. That's what Emil called it, too. And I had to. no, 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 no. I was like, what in the fuck is that? And we need everything is getting so innovative. Sometimes we need Emil's knowledge to kind of piece together what the fuck happened so that he can give me an answer so i know how to write it in my review because sometimes the moves are like what the fuck and
0: when he hit that move and then i heard Emil say they had that space flying whatever it was i i remember i kind of looked up like i wasn't watching it no more i like looked up in deep thought i'm like i was putting the move watching the move happen and in my Mm -hmm. head putting the words as mlj was saying i'm like yeah, that's spot on. That sounds good. I like the name of that. Like, It makes sense, and yeah. I, I agree with you. I like the names of it, because other than that, we're saying the same shit, like another Destroyer, another Destroyer, another Cutter. I like seeing the actual personal names that these wrestlers are giving it to them, because it adds uh, more individuality to these wrestlers.
1: Well, you think at it uh, about it like skateboarding. Early skateboarding was, oh, he did this move, and then he'd come down the pipe. and Oh, he'd do... And then as skateboarding progressed, it was, he did this move and this move while he was in the air and then this, and they needed someone to kind of piece it together. What's going on is as wrestling's kind of moving forward. Now we have to start to kind of compound words just to put the wrestling moves together. And luckily, like I said, we have someone like MLJ that can sit there and do that for us because not a lot of companies have guys out there who have that much knowledge on the moves that they can sit there and kind of put them together that way. But, um, 17 minutes, dude. Packed six man.
0: And I'm glad when MLJ hops on commentary for these lucha m- matches, because even during this match, you could hear him say, like, oh, like, you could hear the excitement in his voice and how much he really enjoys watching the, l- the yeah. uh, so, watching the lucha wrestler, sorry, wrestle and, like, him saying all these moves because he's so knowledgeable on it. Like, it adds a lot more to these lucha matches from his commentary.
1: And our winners in this match ended up being the bad guys. Gringo Loco and Los Vipers. Latigo and Toxin gringo hits a spinning pile driver rs and i am proud to say i was the first one i had my money ready i went ahead i crumbled that bad boy up and threw it in the ring and i'm like i really hope others do and money started flying in the ring fans loved it i really did like that in the end it really was a show to the extent to where all six men were posing together in the end I think it was fitting and I think it was fair because everybody worked together so well. The end of the match closed out with heavy GCW chants and plenty of thanks from lucha wrestlers. I uh, I I was impressed. As someone who may have like if they watched this for the first time, they would have been very happy with GCW top-notch performance.
0: Yeah. Um one of the moves that stuck out to me as well during this match was Jack Hartwell. You know how he does like from the outside in, he does like the slingshot and he slings himself up in the air, then does the elbow drop. Well, mm-hmm. like this time he did it, but like did it into a hur- Hurricane Rana, which I thought was pretty impressive because I'd never seen him do that uh do that version of that move before. So I, that's just another little thing that I've noticed that Jack Hartwell just keeps on adding new moves to his moveset. And I enjoy watching him. Um one other thing too, with your Ares call with the mask that we you made a couple yes. couple episodes ago of having him put the mask in the certain spot like at the beginning of the match he did the same thing he put it over there but it was in the opposite corner where like both uh, both teams that's like kind of like they both could use that little turnbuckle area because uh-huh. it's in the middle of both of them and you see like Ares puts the mask on there and I forgot which one of the Vipers took it off and threw it back at him He's like no get that shit out of here <laughs> and he ends up putting it on the other post. Well, during the match, my father-in-law, like about four minutes into his match, he was watching it. He goes, "Hey, what happened to that guy's blue mask? What? what Where did it go?" I'm like, "Oh, he moved it to uh, the uh, other uh, corner." Uh, I'm like, "You noticed that too? Like, I, am I the, like, the only one that never noticed? Like, the reason why? Well, when you explain the reason why?" Which was awesome, and I thought that was just a cool little subtle move Rez does to keep a, to keep his brand in our minds and keep his name in our mouths. Mm-hmm. Where my father in law even noticed it, like where'd that blue mask go? So it is, yeah. whatever he's doing with that stuff, it's working, and I, I, I now look for it every time I see a res. I'm like, where would he put the mask? Okay, he put it on hard camp side, and I do like though they did the little thing of taking it off and throwing it away from him as well this time. For our fourth matchup of the evening, it is a title match, as the G GC- or no, oh, sorry, JCW champion Jordan Oliver defends the belt for his first title defense against Mance Warner. And I thought this was an interesting choice for a first opponent for Jordan to defend, as just stylistically, attitude, kind of everything—they're complete opposites of each other—and. Mance Warner going after... This is where I'm still kind of confused. I kind of hope maybe as the more title defenses kind of happen, we kind of see where the JCW uh, title falls along with GCW titles and their lineage and all that stuff. I'm kind of interested in see where that's going to... Follow along, but uh, I guess earlier as we were recording, the JCW uh, show in Atlantic City is happening right now, and Jordan Oliver is supposed to address the JCW crowd, as they said, uh, announced. So maybe he made mention of what the future plans that he has. Or his intentions that he has for the belt maybe he did address that today so uh, I don't want to go too far into it but I did like th- the stylistic difference of the matchup and this is kind of a- another step up and this is obviously a tough challenge especially for your first title defense against Mance Warner um, I was interested to see how this match would play out just because Mance Warner leans more extreme and Jordan Oliver doesn't <laughs> um, this right. match did end up going Mance Warner's way and uh, kind of Went to Mance Warner's pace and weapons and all that stuff, and got, he took the match into his advantage.
1: So uh, this was a fun match, though. So good first title defense for Jordan Oliver, I thought. His first title defense was against a mature veteran, would be the way I would put it in G. That's a lot better. <laughs> Speaking of your words dressing up in style, I wanted to mention that Jordan Oliver is now taking his reign seriously. He comes out, and he has an outfit on that looks a lot more professional. Then, you know, he has a suit in L.A. He had a suit on I'm like, oh, hell yeah. You didn't even notice that. that.
0: Yeah, I noticed He's he had the suit, but I didn't even think seriously. about it. Yeah, I didn't even think about taking it seriously as a champion. You got to look and I respect represent that. the company. Yeah, I did definitely like that. Good catch.
1: So this was this this thing that you just talked about was also in the tail end of my notes for this match. So I'll just kind of mention it. This first title defense has now dictated the importance level of the title. This is promising in my eyes. It wasn't a 10-minute throwaway match there was drama weapons blood and and around the arena brawl if this is an indicator of what kind of matches will be going into the defense of this title then i would say this is totally gcw style and i'm really happy that they brought this here that's i think that's i just wanted to say that before we went any further was the fact that this really does dictate where we go from here and Who's above Mance? There's a couple. I'd like to see it because he really did handle himself well. And again, everybody looks at Jordan and go, well, he's young. Yeah, he is young. But I think that's why a mature veteran from the beginning was maybe the best way to do this was because also on that roster, Mance looks like a real threat. And Mance also had the crack at that. You know, he he won that um, battle royal. Yeah, he very well could have taken it from Jordan, and I think that's what was nice about this: is people like us that know our shit know how much Mance can be a problem. He and, wants to be,
0: and I thought this was a great job of elevating Jordan uh, during this match of, uh, as you said, a first tough matchup and defending it against Mance. And Mance is a huge step up, and um, and just not just in general competition, he's one of the top of the food chain in, G- in GCW. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jordan defending it against a a uh, person that high up on the card, I thought was a good kind of sign of what is of uh, signs. Oh god, good sign! Yeah, of that's the common yeah, my friend. We, we yeah. warned them Holy ahead of shit. time,
1: <laughs> and let's be honest: if you're still listening, you're one of the hardcore ones. Yeah, so they're not they're not really upset. It's, it's okay. what they've they... heard worse out of us. Good gate issues. They've heard everything.
0: Yes, they've heard definitely everything. Good sign of things to come of what is going to happen with this JCW title. And I'm excited for it. I'm glad it's not just another title that's in there. I was kind of hoping it would kind of stick to more traditional, where, like, hey, there's actually going to be rope breaks and no fuckery ring counts. I was kind of maybe thinking this was going to be, like, the... You wanted a pure title. Yeah, I was just about to say... I was going to say pure, but I didn't want to say it, so that's why I was going to say traditional wrestling title. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's what I was kind of hoping for, but I don't mind, I don't hate it. I just hope it doesn't feel too much like the Extreme, and then I hope the Extreme doesn't feel too much like the Deathmatch, and then, like, I don't know, like... For a good first for the first match, this is a good sign of things to come for
1: the spell. Yeah, Oliver was in for a good fight on this defense. Uh, he goes in for a handshake, and Mance denies. Oh my goodness, it was so weird. Mance's heel, like he was just like, nah, not gonna shake it. I had,
0: I had flashbacks at that moment, and then as the match kind of started, when Mance just beat the shit out of Jordan, I had flashbacks to when, like, I kind of always go back when Jordan first started GCW and. They, if to me, it felt like some of these wrestlers were taking some liberties on him and kind of like, hey, you were late joining us from ZZW. We kind of, we've been doing this without you. Now you want to come to us. Like, you're going right, to, right. We're going to make you earn it and kind of like initiation and kind of like beat them up pretty good. That's what I really felt during this Jordan match, uh, the way Manson Warner was beating them up. And I was like, oh man, I thought Jordan was kind of past this, but I think it played into. Uh, Jordan's character of how tough he is and what he's willing to do
1: to keep this championship and what he went through to earn the championship as well. Mm, that's a good point. So I can't think off the top of my head the name of the title. Oliver held the title in CZW. What was the title? Do you remember? I, I'm trying to remember it. I was talking to him about it in Vegas. I don't think and he it was told me TV title, but... I don't know if it was a that. junior title or it was some kind of a championship title, but he, Wired. Is, is that it? CZW wire title. Yep. OK, so he's the longest held. Uh, held that's a sickness talking now, huh? Yeah, thickness that's the thick- talking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he has held that championship longer than any other title holder has held that championship. That oh. was something he was bragging about with me. I did not know. Oh, I did not know that. The, out of, I asked him. I go, "Is this your first title?" He's like, "Hell no, I I hold CZW." To this.
0: And see, for me, like oh. I didn't really watch too much CZW. I didn't. I knew he was in it, but like I didn't. I haven't watched a lot of it, and that's what I'm going to start catching up on as soon as I'm done with my GCW stuff. I thought this was Jordan's first title reign. Oh, singles title reign. I know in MLW. Um, actually, I think he was an MLW, like a singles champion there too, but I know he was a tag champion with Myron Reed and Injustice. Um, quick little thing on that, I saw that Myron Reed got announced for one of these upcoming GCW shows, and this is one name yeah. I've been begging for, and like not as much as my but I think Myron Reed fits so well into GCW. He's one talent I do want to kind of see become a regular, and I'm glad he's getting invited back now during some of these shows, and hopefully he becomes a, more of a regular with GCW programming he'd fit right in it for the culture.
1: Yeah. If that isn't isn't where it's from.
0: I I don't think they know. I think he is announced for that, but I do think they just announced him for just a straight up one of these GCW shows like in New York or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe Atlanta. I
1: can't remember. Um, Mance was mocking Al Oliver a lot, stalling tactics to slow his offense down. Uh, Old school heat shit. Mance takes control for about the first five minutes, throws chairs into Oliver's face. Oliver starts bleeding. There were chair shots to the back. Oliver takes back control at about the seven minute mark. And at this point, both men um, have been fighting outside the ring for a few minutes. Mance was thrown into a ring post and he got busted hard. There was a good amount of blood. There was so much blood. He continued to bleed throughout the rest of the match. Um, what's the best way to put it? He bent over and I was watching the blood dripping from his nose five to seven minutes After he'd cut himself on that ring post. It was nasty. Um, every minute though, you could see his like his face was just getting redder and redder to a point to where his face was completely red by the end of this match. I'm a blood fan, it was really fun for me. Nine minutes in, we have a real wrestling match going on with an engaging story being told, as it should, especially since it is a championship match. Oliver being stretched many times via many holds. Minute 10 and Mance is dripping blood. 70 for uh 70% of his face is red with blood. He puts his head down and you can see, yep, like I said in my notes, a steady stream coming off of his nose. Minute 12 and our first door has been introduced into the uh into the match. I'm a big fan of the Sabu launch of the chair that was in there. There was a lot of holy shit chance for the bloodlots. There was a beautiful shot from the camera on the ground. You could literally see both men fighting, and you could see the beautiful ceiling in the background. If I can find the shot, I will. Oliver puts Mance through a door. We have holy shit chance, GCW chance all over. Minute 15, blood is everywhere. Mance rallies late with a destroyer into a lariat, giving Oliver an incredible fight. We had a lot of use the door chance from the crowd since there was a door still put into the corner there. Mance was put through the door. Jordan Oliver hits his clout cutter for the win. There was 17 and a half minutes of action, and it never let up.
0: Yeah, I, as we said, like I <laughs> just said, the action never let up. I think that's a great sign of what is to come with this GCW title. Um, and this was a great first defense in Jordan. I really think this... As I said, I was scared and kind of when they were taking liberties, like it felt like it was taking liberties, but I think that just added to the whole story of Jordan's willing to do anything to keep this title and how much it means to him. And I kind of hope he does get to hold it on, uh, hold it for a long period of time because he's definitely earned it. And um, I think he could do a lot of fun matchups in the singles realm against competitors like Mance Warner, as you said, Joey Janela, possibly Justice. Uh, I can't wait to see what he, what this title offense is going to hold for him and all the, fun, different stylistic matches that he's going to do um, with future opponents of or challengers for the belt. Uh, going back, to, speaking of belts, going back to the the wire championship. Yes, Jordan Oliver is tied with 427 days as the champion, and he's tied with Drew Gulak. So that's a pretty wow. that's a pretty good name to be uh recognized with as the longest holder of the CZW Wire Championship. That's I can't wait till I go back and start my CZW watch along and kind of find out all these wrestlers back in the day that. I know I used to like, that's when I kind of first learned of Leo Rush with ZZW and then Ring of Honor shortly after that. Um, that's going to be a fun little watch along. I know it's a different company, but a lot of this, this GCW kind of came from ZZW. So I do want to learn more about the history and learn more about some of these stuff. Whenever they do face each other in GCW, I now know of more of the history of these competitors.
1: So I, I think that this title reign right here and the importance of the belt is going to lie in the strength and importance of the defenders i think the people that the champion will have to fight this is like adam page when he had the belt in his first run in aew he wasn't fantastic himself what solidified his run was his opponents the level of his opponents was so damn high that his opponents almost outshined him but he had went through so many daniel bryan Level opponents that made him look so strong. You may or may not catch me on that one. No, and I think it brought the best out of what happens here.
0: And I think it brought the best out of Adam Page, and like we saw improvements every single time. Like I think what you're saying, like he might might not have been exactly ready for it, but as as he was defending it, he showed that each and every time he was ready, and he was improving, and still could compete Mm -hmm. at a championship level based off of opponents that he was facing. I think there's. The opponents that he was facing brought his level, his level of the game up to where those the people he was defending and and they were bigger names, as you were saying. And I think that just got the best and most out of Adam Page, and I think that's what, as you were saying, helped him really during his first uh, G, uh, AEW title run.
1: Well, it's just you don't want to see any belt as a junior belt, and when you have a newer belt, this is the formula. You know, if you have it on a guy who's promising, you want to see as the future and you're building him with the belt in his hands, you're going to have to have a lot of really good opponents come across his path. Not only does it mature the performer, but it also matures the championship. This is kind of you know how it works in this situation. So AEW and GCW right now are, at least in this trajectory, using the same path when it comes to building the belt. And it looks like they're taking the belt seriously, thank God. And- GCW doesn't move fast on belts, and I love that. And talking about the belts, we can
0: kind of talk about after the show when Jordan kind of met with our families and was talking with the fans and stuff, he let us kind of touch and hold the belt and see. Oh, you know, both so and how, heavy. Oh, my God. Yeah, that thing was definitely heavy, but it looks so beautiful. Like they did, they did a great job on the design of that belt. I'm really impressed of seeing it up close and personal how well that mm-hmm. belt looks. And it, as you said, it was heavy. Like <laughs> that's one heavy belt he's got to carry around with.
1: him. OK, that was way heavier than expected and i was okay last time cole was out here before this i think was for grap house it's one of the local companies out here he had his the extreme title he had yep he was extreme champion at that time dude that title was heavy as fuck too whoever's making their belts they don't skimp on metal <laughs> they put real material into it i don't think i've really held a belt heavier than that one
0: i'll be honest that's the first actual belt i like, held from a wrestler, like, one that's been oh, okay. used, like, yeah. not a replica. Like, that's the first actual time I've seen up close a personal a championship belt that's being used with that yeah. wrestler, and I was shocked at how heavy it was. I knew they were, like, heavy, like, was it, NWA says, like, the 10 pounds of gold or something like that, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that felt way more than 10 pounds, that's for sure, but I don't know yeah. exactly, but the way it looked, the way it felt, it definitely has some prestige behind it just based off of looks and presentation. I like it.
1: Yeah, they put a lot of time and effort into that. Um, okay, something fun that I'd like to see. I'm not. I think it's is it NJPW or I don't know what company it is where they have keys to the belt. You ever seen this? No. Oh ho ho ho! ho. Now now, don't quote me here. This is really interesting. But what happens is that the challenge or the the champion can give out a key to a challenger of his choosing. Okay. Now, if the challenger wins, he gets to unlock the belt and he's the new champion. If he loses, though, the champion gets the key back and he gets to hang it with all the other people that he's beat and their keys. So what can happen is the dude comes out with a belt, right? But then you see like 30 fucking keys hanging of all the title defenses. I love that idea. it was
0: fantastic ufc used to do that i think it was ufc or pride when Every time they defended that belt successfully, you saw, like, I don't know if they added, like, a little star or a little logo to the UFC belt, like, off to the side. Like, to show the title defenses. And I thought that's cool because it just keeps the history. It shows the history of the belt and the history of the person that owned the belt. And I think whoever, like, every time there was a new challenger, they put a new fresh plate on there with zero stars or whatever they were using. I think that's a cool idea to show the prestige and the history of title defenses and what... This title has gone through with this champion. I I definitely like that idea. That's so
1: cool. It was so sweet because there was one guy I can't remember who it was, and I I I don't want to try to just give a name out. But he came out, and like the keys were just like janitor's keys. Like you could just see just all these defenses that were hanging off of this damn thing. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Leave it up to the Japanese to come up with something absolutely creative and cool at the same time. Because yeah, that was a cool one. But that that belt i'm really surprised he feels comfortable walking that around his waist to the ring there has to be some counterweight in metal on the back of that thing or something because that's got to be so loaded heavy to the front
0: yeah that and thing you, was you definitely belted. yeah it was definitely beyond front heavy 10 pounds it, okay i'm glad i'm horrible estimation of height and weight and all that stuff so like just even holding it though i was like this was heavy it didn't feel like no 25 pounds or whatnot but if definitely felt more than the 10 pounds of gold that I kind of always assumed that all these belts weigh after hearing it so uh-huh. many times in my head with all this wrestling.
1: Well, you assume it's a strap of leather and then they put like a, a, a gold plate or a metal plate. You don't think there's no man. They didn't skimp on. I don't know what it is, but someone probably Brett likes a nice, thick, heavy belt. It makes a statement and it, it looks really good. And it's harder to get fucking bent and injured. That too. Yeah big chunks of metal like that man that was thick like way thicker than i expected i like it a lot i didn't think i'd like um no how how do i put that i love when i love something i didn't expect to love i know that was really, <laughs> but I, I love it i went when i go into something with no expectation it blows my fucking mind i love that as an adult you've seen a lot of shit it's so nice to hear a new joke it's so nice to see a fresh movie that's not formulaic same thing yeah it felt unique
0: that will lead us into our fifth matchup of the evening as the rat bastard Charles Mason goes one on one with Alley Catch as the Mason Mercenaries are banned from ringside as well as Team Thrusty. Uh, supposed to stay out of the business, no interference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, this was a typical Charles Mason <laughs> match uh just beating the shit completely in offense beating the shit out of alley catch and um yeah once again i i the when watching it i did have to kind of wince a little bit and turn my head that charles is just ruthless and brutal um but that's what makes his character so great and i have a little fun story at the end like the post-match stuff of what happened um as he uh the pro they kind of cut promos on each other after the match in. Uh, that was the kind of fun highlight for me of the night was at this point at the match. But this match was fun. I, It was a uh, a, fought, a fight. It felt like a brawl. It didn't feel like any really mm-hmm. wrestling. It just felt like two people with a no blood loss and needed to beat the shit out of each other. And that's exactly what we got with this match.
1: I think you're right there. Um, I really like that Allie came out to her new Lady Gaga theme. She's a big fan. It was really cool that she gets to do something like that. There's a lot of wrestlers higher up there that really wish they could have, you know, their favorite music played. Not everybody's triple H. So they all can't come out to, you know, motorhead or Metallica. Um, Mason comes out from behind though. He, he actually pushed me. I was surprised. Someone hit me with a pretty good force on my right arm. And I'm like, what in the fuck? And I go to look and this white blur goes by and it was Charles Mason coming from the crowd. So that's where he came from right beside us there. Um, and I think yeah, that's suppose. smart
0: to not have him come out through the traditional walkway at the UCC mm-hmm. just because of, as we talked about earlier in the show, the fans, like the level of heat that Mason has on him. Uh, I think that was yeah. kind of smart to avoid any possible problems or uh, conflict that might have happened between Charles Mason and the fans. But that also shows how good Mason is right now to get the fans. Like, I, I legit was kind of worried every time I see Mason in this kind of crowd because the UCC crowd, as we know, gets kind of a... Uh, intoxicated gets a little violent and rowdy and i was just <laughs> just knowing charles mason i was afraid of he's going to lean all into it and really push these fans buttons so i thought that was kind of smart had not had giving him a full on entrance but attacking alley catch from behind and it just plays into his dastardly character and i i enjoyed that part of uh the beginning of this match because it was unexpected as as uh
1: i thought yeah he got her from behind and starts pulling her by her hair on the floor of the ucc i thought that was really cool um So the whole thing with Mason coming out from there, I think it's, again, another heel thing where he's trying to out-strategize her in some way. She won't see this coming, ha ha ha. I love it, man. I really do like it a lot. Um, I just realized the match hasn't started as he's choking her with a chair. Both finally get in the ring after Allie takes control. Still no bell. I kind of noticed that. The bell ringer was a little slow in... uh, at this show it it could just be the california way i'm not really sure uh mason's outfit is spotted with mance's uh blood that was all over the floor and the mat from the last match mason hits a nasty draping ddt on the wooden floor which i love those ally is bleeding from the forehead around mid match mason's rubbing it on himself being the creepy always is he turns into creepy mode and starts stalking ally using his shoe to push her bloody face into a turnbuckle Heavy, heavy heat. By about three-quarters of the way through, both wrestlers' faces are bloody. Allie has a nasty cut just uh just north of her hairline in her forehead. Mason was completely stained with Allie's blood. They really are telling a story here, and people are really behind Allie in this match. That's one thing I can say for sure. Um, she's really fighting for her existence. She looks defeated a lot, she looks very sad and broken. And she does a really good job with that. Mason had Allie in a chokehold and had this crazy look that he gave the camera. It looked very evil. He meant to do it, and I love it. Um, I'll break away from the talk here just for a second to tell you that I always thought the coolest finisher would be for someone to MMA style, like choke them out, but have them literally choked out on their back, not on the side... Choked out on their back, and the camera from the top down can literally see them sitting there. And why, literally, the person's choking out, the other one's like, ah. And Mason kind of pulled that, but just from the side instead of top down. And I thought it was really cool that we're on that kind of wavelength when it comes to something looking so fucking awesome. Mason gets his belt off, and Allie knocked it away from him. I really thought she was going to get beat on because Mason's that type of a guy towards the end of the match the ref gets hit by charles mason quote unquote on accident which we know what was going on here the bad guys wanted to interfere so from behind comes one of mason's mercenaries he's the skinny one that came out with a box um in ac i think a long time ago That was here in LA. with the chair was it in yeah. la yeah that
0: was still so awkward i'm still like last night i was even talking about like i still don't know who the fuck that is
1: no they really haven't told that story um Maybe on L.A. Fights, if that pops around again sometime, maybe he'll show up on there. I don't know if I've seen him before, honestly. I feel like I would have remembered, but I don't really know. Um, so, yeah, Charles Mason hits him on accident. From behind comes out uh, the skinny guy. He hits Allie with a chair. Here comes Sheik running in and kicks the chair into the guy's face. Pero then comes in from behind and hits Sheik with a sit-down spike. Effie starts to fight with Pero and hits the sack rider on Pero mason hits effie and he falls out of the ring and the referee saw nothing so Allie gets the ref back in the ring and charles catches her from behind and hits a spinning tombstone pile driver Allie. this was a bloody affair and between these two this is the best match they've had together i think personally I mean, what do you think about this one? I've I've talked a lot here.
0: No, I was I I had in my notes this Allie, not just like the in-ring work, but her selling, her emotions on her face, the way she like it could be selling, it could be just actual real pain like I said sometimes Charles Mason goddamn blurs a line with me with whatever he's attacking. Yeah. Uh, Ali or whoever like this, it just kind of it's pretty brutal, but it made Allie catch way more sympathetic. I felt during this match, and I I enjoyed it just because she played her role as uh, of making her self look sympathetic while also making Charles Mason look even more like an asshole than uh, he already is. And I think that's good for Allie catch because we were kind of uh, we we wanted to see this out of her, and I think this added a lot more uh, drama to this whole feud and with kind of Effie's injury, which I'm assuming why he is, he kind of was playing towards the back injury from that brutal scrape oh, that he got gosh. in Vegas on oh. the barbed wire. Um, it was, it felt like very WWE though, of them still like one at a time coming out, which I, I liked. I enjoyed it. like I really like that little Eastern wrinkle. Spot. Yeah. I liked that little wrinkle. It gave each person involved in this, feud a little moment on camera and in front of the crowd to t- keep continuing this story and um, as we find out later there is ult- hopefully a ultimate uh, finality coming up here in the future uh, with this whole feud with Charles Mason and uh thrussy but i was also thinking uh, they would bring out another third person instead of that skinny person i thought there would be one more person mason had up his sleeve as another little surprise kind of like what he did with peril originally and with billy dixon but um unfortunately we did not get that third person and maybe that's still on the table for uh their future match coming up that was announced later on after this match
1: so i'll tell you this right now to no surprise fans were not happy at all with Mason it's just like you were saying I'm really ha I'm really surprised he exited the way he exited through the crowd because honestly he should have probably exited the same way too as he entered people were not happy with him at all I did like it though because she needed to kind of threaten him and you know okay so I'll go ahead and get into it here but Mason turns around looks at Allie that's because Allie grabbed a mic her voice was very rough sounding. I don't know if she was yelling the night before or maybe.
0: From what I felt was like her emotionally, like her, like she's crying. She's tired of this shit. Like she's oh. in pain. She's tired of the emotional, physical abuse that he's doing. Like that's what I felt with this that promo. That's right. what I have in my notes was uh, Ali's Ali catches emotional post match, like challenge felt very real. And she wants to finalize, like be done with this shit. And like, that's what I got from her voice.
1: Well, uh, you could be I'm right as well. I'm a reviewer tonight, guys. No, <laughs> that sounds way better than my bullshit. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, that's how I kind of looked at it. I thought her voice was just rough. I think that makes more sense because I think what she was trying to convey at some points was crying and despair. And um, that makes a lot more sense. And that's sense. what
0: I felt that she was doing during the match as well. That's why I just kind of jumped to that yeah. conclusion.
1: No, I think you read it a hell of a lot better than I did. So, um, yeah, she gets on that mic and she challenges Charles to a cage match in Atlantic City. Um, I'm lying. I swear. No, I wanted to say New York, but that's later tonight. Someone else challenges. So she challenges uh, Charles to the cage match in Atlantic City. She did the famous cage quote. Nobody's getting in and nobody's getting out. Um, I clocked this match in at about 13 minutes uh, and I'll repeat it again. This was the best matchup of these two to date. If this is where it's at right now, wait until we get these two in a cage. This is probably one of the first raw alley catch matches. I really am looking forward to seeing because I truly feel there's no way these two aren't going to put on a very good show. This match that we saw live was, um, I start to see now the reason why these two are working a series together. If they're working a series at this point. It
0: works. And I'm hoping we get the old alley catch, the, the I'm going to cut you. She busts out a knife. She's willing to <laughs> weapons, glass, light tubes. I'm hoping she kind of gets the better end of this whole feud and kind of puts Mason in his place. And she's able to kind of just tee off and go to town and get rid of all those emotions and anger that she's felt towards him i hope like she kind of not squashes him but kind of puts him in his place yeah squashes him (laughs) right you just Uh, want him squashed well so here's here's the note that i said i wanted to talk about then so as you said mason goes through the crowd at the entranceway but then he makes his way up to the stage and of course standing right next to my wife and my son and myself at the end so he's literally up there and i'm like oh shit and so like my wife has her nice camera out there and like i saw her kind of research for it and i reached over across my son i reached to my wife i'm like don't you fucking do anything guys this is this guy's crazy <laughs> don't do shit if he sees your camera or you laugh at him or you make a comment he's going to do something to you guys and i don't want that right now like
1: my son no, like what kinda... do is you don't want him up on chase because you know right now that on that other show he was up on that little kid's face and that would be a crazy birthday present that
0: was my next statement was i know my son we give him kind of free range during these gcw shows to kind of cuss and make and be a part of the crowd They're just like how we all are and boo and shut the fuck up and get the fuck out of here stuff and he takes yeah. full yeah. advantage of it which is absolutely fine because luckily he doesn't do any of that stuff at school so we kind of give him the freedom to do you it outside you know <laughs> right exactly exactly he hasn't got caught yet is a better way but Notice he knows how to pronounce it <laughs> <laughs> so, so remember that remind me to go over something that he says later in the blake christian match where i'm like how do you know what that is kind of stuff but um oh, no so yeah, <laughs> so I'm, of course, Mason standing right next with Pero, right next to my family, and I'm just like holding them back, like, shut up, don't make any sudden movements, don't make any eye contact, don't do nothing. I don't want him to <laughs> Don't feed your- it. Yes, I do not want to- <laughs> you... Yeah, don't feed the animals, don't stick your yep, hand yep. in the cage. And I just know that that's the way Charles Mason is, like Tony Deppin with the hats. I'm afraid of anything Charles Mason's going to do when he's near my family. So uh, that was kind of like a little... Oh got my heart beating real fast during that during that part of the night and um <laughs> But I just think that's how well Mason's character is, where I legit kind of feel a little threatened <laughs> of something happening around my family. But I thought that was interesting seeing their faces, because we got a good close-up camera <laughs> view. Like, my wife, she's, like, all wide eyed. But she always gets right next to all these actions, that all these shows, yeah. like, every single time. But I thought that was a fun little moment at the end where I'm like, oh, God, Charles Mason's so good as a heel. Is he really going to do something to my son or my wife? Or, hell, even myself with right? my hat on, like, to start some shit. But... I had to like keep my keep my family safe, keep them uh, quiet. But as soon as bet your ass, as soon as Mason turned around, my son was flipping him off and <laughs> yelling at him. there
1: <laughs> when it was nighttime too. And um, I think it's really a smart move from a from a back office perspective that they have somebody like Perro with Mason. It kind of keeps him protected a little bit too. And Amen. I think it's nice having a frontline bodyguard there absolutely and i think you know what and they don't have the bullshit he's like this is my bodyguard."
0: and i, I love that i feel like with it, it's kind of like the the sean michaels and kevin nash kind of stuff like hey this is my guy but i know you guys ain't gonna do nothing to me because you got to go through him first so that gives me the liberty and freedom to talk as much shit as i want to without worrying about
1: anything happening to me and any consequences all right okay so we're finished with this match as much as i know i'm gonna hit you with something you ready okay Okay, so someone got on Twitter and it had a picture of GCW. It was this beautiful shot of the fans. It was taken, obviously, during the show at the Hammerstein. Is it Hammerstein or Hammerstein? I think it's Hammerstein, right? Stein, because well?
0: Stein is S-T-E-N, yeah. Kevin Stein, Stein. You don't call it, yeah. Okay. That's how. somebody, I think, it was MLJ who even told me to. I think because I think I asked him at one of the LA shows. I'm like, hey, I can't wait to see you guys at Hammerstein or Stein. And I was like, how do you guys pronounce it? And he was like, hey, you don't call the Steiner brothers the Steiner brothers, do you? It's spelled the same way, so oh, it's like Hammerstein. Wow. I was like, oh no shit. Okay, that makes sense.
1: He's like, we we'll save the Steen for Kevin. Yeah. So so okay. So this picture was there. It was a beautiful picture, and it said, "It's time for Ring of Honor." to Take back the Hammerstein from GCW. I retweeted that bitch immediately. Yep, I, saw I was that. like, You can come and fucking try to take it from us. Feel free. Feel free. How about a Ring of Honor versus GCW show?
0: That would be awesome. And that would be a great battle callback. for the
1: Hammerstein.
0: That would be a great callback and throwback to all the, the Cage of Deaths or something. Was that what they were? whenever CZW had their little crossover wars with Ring of Honor? Was it Cage of Deaths or something like that? That's a good question. Uh, well, I know they had like a big company versus company feud and yep. on the East Coast and at Hammerstein and stuff like that. So I think that would be really awesome if Ring of Honor and GCW could kind of hold a joint show uh, for the indie crowd at Hammerstein. I think that would be the next big Hammerstein show for GCW and just in general for wrestling. I think that would be awesome. That's a great, uh, that's a great idea. Uh, I just love how like, we're going to take it back from GCW. Like GCW has yeah. been there one time. Like, it's not theirs. But but I just think that's how much of an effect they had on the whole storyline going into the biggest show of GCW history and independent wrestling history of getting 2,000 fans into the Hammerstein. I think that's pretty cool that even though they've only had one show, that other people are calling it this company's uh, venue, even though they've only ran one show there. I think that's kind of a cool thing that people are thinking of GCW in that kind of manner. Who better? I, I'm all if, for it now. I'm, you got if me. not out. Then who? You got me so excited now. I'm just thinking of all versus of ROH. The the
1: ring oh, of yeah? honor you roster. Oh yeah. You got one. No. I got a storyline for you. I got one for you. You ready? Let's see it. Because Tony's already a heel, right? Take Tony, Billy, Starks, Nick Wayne, and have them fuck over people with like show. an invasion kind of. And angle. then yes, and then at the end, at the end, Ring of Honor signs. Or wait, the best way I was going to put it was. Basically, there would be a video package, and at the end, you would see all the people that fucked over GCW that night would be people that signed contracts. And they would basically have a video with Billy, Tony, all of them signing their contracts there, like, maybe the day before the show, and been like, ha, ha, ha. You know, we were planning on leaving anyway. You know, Billy's like, I never got a title. Tony's like, I never got a title. And you know, oh, Nick Wayne, I never got a title. And then they're like, fuck these guys, we're on our way out, and they pull some heel shit. It, would, it wouldn't be good for Nick Wayne, but um, it would work. Definitely, it would work. That's right.
0: I was about to say. Like, for Nick Wayne, it might not work, but everything else, I think it tells a pretty cool story. Because, yeah, Tony Deppin could be like, hey, see, Ring of Honor just started. And like, I think, I don't know, I don't want to spoil anything, but for people that haven't seen it, He's already challenging Samoa Joe for the TV title, which I think is awesome yep. for yep. him. And I, he could be like, hey, this company has been around for two shows and I already got a title shot. Look how long I had to work for your ass, Brett, to finally get one in storytelling mode. I think that would be fun. I I, I hope that Tony Khan backs off of his stance. I think it was more in the emotional kind of way of... He was going through a lot of shit at that time with John Moxley defending the belt against Nick Gage at GCW. And I think the way he said it, and I'm fine if he doesn't let them do the deathmatch shit, but as long as he's keeping letting, like, we're getting Eddie Kingston and June uh, Akiyama on a GCW card, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I think that's just showing maybe Tony, Def- or not Tony, Tony Khan was uh, a little emotional making that comment of, we're done working with GCW. But I also think a lot of people blew it out of, like, saying that, like, I, Tony never really actually said that. He just didn't want Moxley working these certain indie shows at that time because of the injuries that Tony was going through with his own AEW company. And I just kind of hope that Tony goes back to what I really loved about AEW, letting all his comp- his workers, even when he's not wor- letting them, when they, he doesn't have anything for him, go hone your craft, go make your money, go do shit on the indies and still represent us in a positive manner and i think if they ever did some kind of cool crossover ring of honor versus gcw show hammer sign that would be amazing like i like well, they got a smile on my face just thinking of all the possibilities of matchups we could possibly possibly see
1: well tony and billy would be something that we could see but there could be some secret roh that could actually Blake? be done that night commander oh yeah they could debut them that night and be like haha bitch like four or five of them we're like what in the hell's wrong this guy just completely went heel on us and then later on in the night someone else and someone else and um, it could basically show that the gcw guys on gcw tv have graduated to ring of honor and they go out heel style
0: and it would give those those people right away some credibility on ring of honor programming and a sense yeah. of purpose and a storyline that they could capitalize and real real fast create a new character and create something that they want to do in the ring of honor. I I definitely think with the roster that GCW typically puts out there, a lot of those wrestlers, as we said, kind of fit right in with what hopefully this new ring of honor is going to be. It it seems like that's why I was actually was talking a little bit about my wife. Like she didn't really understand. I was just kind of talking about it because Blake Christian or sorry, not Blake Christian, uh, Nick Wayne in he's signed the AEW contract,
1: but I really think developmental. Yeah,
0: I really think this Ring of Honor will be perfect for him to establish himself with the Ring of Honor AEW crowd and familiarize them with what kind of we know as GCW with Nick Wayne instead of throwing him right on away to the main roster because I just think it's so bloated. That's why I really love this whole concept of Ring of Honor for the people that aren't being used with AEW that are younger talent. They could be thrown with Ring of Honor and be given a platform and given a stage and storylines and purpose for their character and i think that would be beneficial and i think gcw has a lot of people
1: on their roster that
0: could fit right into that mold
1: i love aew i will say though that every time i have a uh, a talent that i love and i hear that they may be going to aew first thing that always comes across my head is i hope they don't turn them into a joke that's what always comes across my head with aew because i've seen it from miro to another to another to another it's like they come over and then they go okay we don't know creatively what to do with these guys. Well Miro was completely lost, unfortunately. We we can we can talk about this just a touch. He put a lot into himself of himself into his character and it did not hit (laughs) because nobody in America is like him nor understands his character. What they see is an Eastern European Playboy, but all the Eastern European Playboy did was play video games all day and he looked like he was a Russian gangster did you just take my notes from me? Cause
0: that's almost exactly what I was going to yeah. say. It was right there. Like with like, I wasn't going to use mirror, the example, but as soon as you said, Miro literally what you said was exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. I, I think a lot of those as what you think are uh like the, the people that get not, you, oh, I forgot the word use like, totally change the character and not and made kind of like made fun of or not taking it seriously. I think that's a lot of self imposed doom that these wrestlers are putting on themselves because they are given these creative freedoms. Tony's not saying, Hey, I want this character. Sorry. Uh, not, I don't want this character. You got to fit in, even though you Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with it. He's telling them like, Hey, what do you, what do you think is going to get yourself over? And I think, as you said, Miro using the video game stuff, kind of, set him back of being this fucking destructive force that everyone kind of has No known, known him to be. He wanted to play off this character because it's, it's a real-life passion, and that's what he does on Twitch and stuff like that, and that's what he enjoys. And I think that's all good and dandy, but for him with this character, totally he sabotaged himself, I believe. And I think yeah. now that he's kind of had, like when he did do a little comeback as like the Redeemer in the promos, that made him more serious and more threatening. But I think some damage was hurt from when he first debuted and not being as serious a character as we were kind of all thinking yeah. and hoping for. I think that's he kind of shot himself in the foot. I think that's what kind of happens in AEW and that's kind of the, the ups and downs you kind of got to do when you give these wrestlers creative freedom, like you're letting them sink or swim on their own, which I'm all for. Cause you get to see all these different kind of styles of wrestlers and characters and stuff. But when it doesn't work out, you're going to take the blame for it. Cause they're going to think it's you're creatively have, Done this to the wrestlers, and it's your fault for not doing something
1: creative in a positive way for them to get over with the crowd. One of the few people that I've seen actually go to WWE, go from WWE to AEW and be in a better trajectory career wise is Daniel Bryan. He's one of the few that I've seen has really gained from the AEW system in some capacity. Quite a few others, not so much, but. Yeah, Daniel Bryan's one that I can say his move I think really did benefit him, and he went into a more prominent role than he was in the WWE. And um, I feel that we're fortunate that we're still able to see him perform given his circumstances
0: and his gr- and his greatness. We're seeing like as you said on a weekly level, it's still awesome to still see him compete at this level. As you said, based off of kind of his history. Of at the end yeah. of WWE, you know, this injuries pass and everything. It is nice seeing him have all these dream matches that he's never had before. That's what I always hope for. <laughs> we right got away. into our
1: AUW talk. Right <laughs> That's why I always hope no, for. Good, no, no, go ahead. Tell and me. these
0: company And when these wrestlers leave WWE and go, like, he's the one that comes to my mind the most because I've always wanted to see him wrestle against people from New Japan. Like, hopefully, the Zack Saber match kind of gets uh, put together at some point. I know it fell through because of. Daniel uh, Bryan's injury earlier last year, but seeing him as he wants to compete in New Japan and all across the world against a Bandito, like that match was crazy. But he showed, he adapted himself, his style to Bandito's lucha style, like where he was doing lucha style roll ups and pins and holds and maneuvers that we don't normally see him do. But since he was wrestling against a luchador, he decided to do it. And I think that just like showed what. Daniel is capable of, and I loved it. And I love seeing him doing all these fun dream matches that he would have never had in WWE. So i going against Seth Rollins for the 10th time. We're seeing him against Bandito one week, him against Takesha the next week, him against. Um, I forgot who Brian cage one, like he's had banger after banger matches with all these different styles of wrestlers. And I love seeing it. I think that's why I always hope for these people that leave WWE going to AEW. They get to do all these different matchups that they never could have because they were locked behind WWE's forbidden door and, Outside of that door, every other company is working together, and it's fun watching all these different companies use all these other different wrestlers and putting on these dream matches like GCW seems to do on a nightly basis.
1: Yeah, you know, NXT is supposed to be opening up, and some of these other companies are supposed to be opening up. Okay. As a business owner, you can either be playing with the same 14 people that you can afford every week, or you can spend a little money, bring someone in, and here comes new people in the door to watch your product. It just it just makes sense if you can afford it. And I think a lot of um companies had maybe even put themselves a little bit in the hole to try to bring someone or a group of people in. And it's really appreciated. I I like the free exchange of talent right now. I don't want to say exchange. I like the free movement of talent in the independent scene. So much nicer. And I think to watch somebody and be like, oh I'd like to see them over there and then they show up and i think that's just been beneficial like that's why i think everybody working
0: together and not really uh holding these promotional wars against each other and letting he, letting these talent like i love when defy like defy is using jordan oliver uh they've been using nick wayne before sgc is now working with them wrestling revolver we're seeing all these gcw wrestlers working with them um i was talking to you about it's this Dubai company Fight life. It right yeah i was talking about this company fight life we see alec price uh jordan bailey um, JT Dunn, we see all these GCW wrestlers working against other promotions and we're seeing these fun little matchups that we wouldn't see if they were locked up behind a contract so I kind of hope we continue this trend of these companies working together because it's beneficial to everybody They're each promotion, the wrestlers, the fans we're all benefiting from it and it's that's what's made wrestling in so much more interesting in my opinion these last two years of all these possible dream matchups that could possibly happen because companies are their egos aside and doing what's best for business and for the business can't argue (laughs) uh all right that will lead us into our sixth matchup of the evening as it is another gcw title match this time the tag team titles are being defended by ciclope and miedo extremo los defending the belts against the bollywood boys and Gerv and harv sierra and i uh, we kind of talk about I'm so glad the Bollywood boys got the pop and reaction that they did from the GCW crowd because seeing them in this kind of environment was weird because I don't think we've never really got to see a more extreme or a more adult version of the Bollywood boys other than what we've seen in WWE or some of these other companies that they wrestled and worked with outside of. But seeing a kind of a darker, grittier version of the Bollywood boys and getting a little extreme in this match against Los Macisos was very fun to see. But their reaction, I think, kind of set the tone for what they were going to, going to do and willing to do for these fans because they, they took the Bollywood boys and cheered the shit for them. And I'm glad they got that pop.
1: OK, so I'm right there with you. They really had a hot opening. The crowd really did love them. This was their GCW debut, and I really enjoyed the Knight Rider theme music that they kind of had in there. Did you know that's what it was?
0: So I didn't know it was the Night Rider at the beginning, but then like it turned into like the whole the Bollywood kind of jingle and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I did not, ca- I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't put two and two together from Night Rider and that sound, but uh, yeah, yeah, it makes more sense yeah. now.
1: Oh, dead serious. Like even if you barely know it, if you go back and listen, the reason why I think people are popping is they're all around our age and they know the Night Rider theme. Oh so, yeah, dunna dunna. Yeah,
0: I see. I'm hearing it now. I got it.
1: I didn't I didn't catch it then, but now I'm it together here. That's what makes that song pop in my head, because otherwise it's just a lot of dinky, dinky, dinky. And it's like it doesn't have like a rhythm. I can bounce my head to, you know what I mean? Like it has the high pitch with the like bells and stuff like that. So it doesn't have any bass to it and stuff. And then the bass comes in with the Knight Rider theme.
2: So
0: and their energy was perfect was for
1: cool. GCW as well, I thought. Yeah, you know what? They weren't taking shit from fans. There was like four fans that were drunk as shit in the second row on the camera's left side. And if you ever see, I think it was Harv, was completely always on these four fans. Every constantly. move. That's because these fans were up his ass the whole time so if you actually see you know that that harv i i hope it was harv was a little bit out of it and was showing like he was sucking dick and shit. that was because he was making fun of those guys over there um Mathisos comes out to crazy love from the la fans as always i'm a big fan of the music so this was kind of fun because both music from both teams i really liked a lot The um, Bollywood boys obviously were going to be the heels here. They attacked Los Macisos before the bell even rang. And right from the beginning, the boys are already grabbing chairs from the beginning. There was an awesome spot where Los Macisos had a big rubber band and smacked one of the Bollywood boys in the chest that was was that an exercise i i called
0: it an exercise band because that's what it looked like to me but i don't know exactly what it was but just watching them pull that shit back
1: i was like oh oh like when i hit him like dad that smack was loud and then like minute two the whole fight goes the outside of the ring and around the arena both masisos are bleeding bollywood took control early they were using great teamwork Four minutes in and both Miero and Ciclope are cut bad, but the boys are still in control. Minute five, there's a spot where those macizos bring out a door. The Bollywood boys kicks the door into them. Then the boys continue to bring in more doors and then some chairs. There's a door bridge built in the ring and Ciclope ends up going through it. Miedo grabs the door and makes a cross with his blood, as he always does. They put up, uh, they put Bollywood through that door. Another door bridge is created. Cyclope power bombs Harv through the door from the top rope. I'll just go ahead and announce our winner because I pretty much told the story here. Our winner was Los Macisos when Harv gets picked up and power bombed by Miedo for the win. Honestly, in my opinion, this was a quick and bloody affair. I would love to watch it again because it did show that the Bollywood boys are more than ready for GCW.
0: And that's was the su- surprising part for me was, right as you said, right away, they got in the ring and within two minutes, they're already getting the fuckery out themselves. And I, I was like, yeah, yes. they're going to enjoy They're enjoying this little difference of traditional wrestling that they've probably been doing for the last few years and now get to kind of, express themselves with the violence and indulge uh, with it, with the Los Macisos. I think this was fun. I definitely do want to see the Bollywood boys back. I think as a tag team, they would fit right in. But when when Miedo, when, as you said, they were outside and wrestling uh, in the crowd, I forgot which of the brothers, I'm sorry, um, took Miedo's head and right into the corner... Hit him like threw him into the ring post on the outside, and Miedo did not mm-hmm. put a hand up. He just took that square pole, oh yeah, right on his head with no hands. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Get a hand up or something, like. But that just shows how much the mesisos are willing to put their bodies through just to entertain the fans, and I you could just tell how much fun they have wrestling and enjoy doing this shit to themselves and to each other and the opponents. I really. Been enjoying them, enjoying themselves with this GCW tag title run and all the different opponents that they've been wrestling against, and kind of the different style matches, but not really because it ultimately does uh, barrel down into a extreme kind of match with doors and stuff like that and chairs. So, um, but seeing the Bollywood boys dive right into the GCW style action with the doors and chairs was surprising and refreshing and kind of hopeful Mm -hmm. that they will be willing to work this kind of style
1: again in future GCW shows. If I came out of anything with this, what I would say about the Bollywood boys outside of please coming back again, is that the Bollywood boys can hold their own in GCW. That's the way I'll put it.
0: Absolutely. And I do hope we get to see them hold their own again in the future. That will lead us into our seventh matchup of the evening. And this was one of the ones I was really looking forward to the most as it was one of the first ones announced too. But between these two uh, wrestlers, I wanted to see what kind of match they put on as Leo Rush went against Commander. And uh, Leo Rush had uh, not a manager, but a little help on the outside uh, with him as he brought out Jenna Frank, which is the daughter of Jason David Frank, which is, uh, was it the Green Power Ranger or Black? Yes. Green Power Range. okay. Um, and I thought that was kind of a cool little moment, even though they didn't really use her too much, which I didn't understand, but I thought it was kind of cool just giving her the acknowledgement and putting her out there in front of the crowd of Leo Rush kind of saying like, hey, your father meant a lot to me. It'd be mean a lot if you came out and showed support to me during this match. And as we see in a lot of these wrestlers' moves that they were, and I noticed a lot on Twitter too, I've seen a lot of uh, callback when, Jason died, uh, they were talking about how much the Power Rangers and himself influenced some of the moves that these wrestlers do and incorporated into the move set. So Leo Rush kind of giving uh, the platform a spotlight to Jenna Frank, the daughter, was kind of a cool little moment that wasn't didn't take away from the match and didn't really uh, get involved with the match either, but it was a nice little tidbit that was off to the side. So to me, it
1: just seemed like she wasn't comfortable being a heel. That's the one thing I really noticed in this one, and I don't want to take anything away from her. I just thought it was funny. She's probably a really nice person, because when she was walking back to the entrance with Leo, she's trying to, like, give the middle finger and stuff, but you can tell she's kind of closed up. Like, she just wants to get to the back. She doesn't want to be out there. It's not her thing. So when I was there live, I had no idea who she was, and I was wondering if or how she was going to be involved in the match in any way. Um, I... I... Was maybe hoping she'd get involved more. I Same. just she was I out thought there, she would. She was out there in spirit more than she was in body, I guess. It yeah, that's why. If she got involved.
0: Yep, that's why I was saying it kind of felt. Uh, I thought she would kind of have a little bigger role during this match than what she really did. But I also don't mind it because it didn't take away from the match itself.
1: So then Commander ends out coming out looking like a million bucks. Literally, he may very well be walking a million bucks now. This may be the fastest match of the night, was what I was anticipating. Both men are equal in build and height. Leo's easily playing heel. Three minutes in, both men had dueling topes. There are a lot of reversals, misdirection moves. I'm not used to Commander being on the ground so much. I think you kind of noticed it too in the early parts of this match. It took over eight minutes for Commander to take over.
0: Yeah, this match didn't play out like I thought it would be. I was expecting a high-flying match from Commander with a lot of speed um, and kind of a lot of flying from Leo Rush as well, which we kind of get it in bursts here and there, but they really did, as you said, stay a lot more on the mat and kind of totally, they had more of a story-driven match than a spot kind of match. And I was kind of hoping for and expecting a more spot-style match, but um, mm-hmm. we got a different style, and I'm fine with it. I definitely would like to see them kind of run it back with a spot-style match, but... For what this match was, I I did enjoy it. It did live up to my expectations. It just wouldn't exceed them.
1: No, I get that. I get that. So, yeah, even after Commander took over at the eight minute mark, he only had control for about two minutes. It was really not as much as expected. I was really hoping for Leo to rule the ground and for Commander to rule the air. And at some point, they'd have to meet in the middle. That's the story I was looking for. But I'm not judging the story on what I fully expected. I'm more judging on what they gave us here leo takes back over pretty quickly he's in control most of the match for two men so fast there was definitely a lot of stalling i was really surprised by um, they worked like two men who were unfamiliar with each other not gonna lie i see it every now and then i can't really explain it you can see it in the footwork and the handwork they're just not used to each other yet nothing wrong with that 13 minutes in commander hits the spaceman that's his move that was seen on AEW that he's so proud of. He calls it the Spaceman. And What's your thoughts? He,
2: and he
0: had it pretty good on <laughs> AEW. Too. I was like, uh, I was kind of hoping he would do the Phoenix Flash to kind of really blow people's mind. But I think this mm-hmm. that was a kind of nice little lead up of just doing the moonsault Spaceman, uh, Spaceman moonsault, and then saving uh, the Phoenix Flash for a little bit bigger stage for him. But I, I, this match, he, I wanted to see a little bit more flying from him, but. I I just think, as you said, the chemistry wasn't there for a first time match. But I think with giving a little bit mo- another time for those to kind of those two get in the ring with each other, I think with the chemistry as they kind of have more matches against each other, would be a lot uh, better match based off of this first one. Because I, I think that there was a a lot of feeling out process, as you said. I think that's what kind of caused yeah. a lot of the stalling was figuring out where where they were going to do and when they were going to do it.
1: Well. This is just one of those few times, and I can't believe I'm saying it about a match like this, but I could have used less. There was a lot of filler here. And for two men this fast, they shouldn't have been so slow. I never say anything bad. I love both of these guys. This match was, for me, it was just a touch underwhelming. You're actually going to hear me say something bad. I never. It was just a touch underwhelming. I love both these guys. I expected a fast paced match. I did not expect Rey Mysterio versus, you know, put whomever in here. But I I I expected something closer to that. Um, well, it's funny you say. Oh God, sorry. No, yeah, I I'm I'm waiting to hear what you have to say on this one. Well, I was just gonna say
0: it's funny you said Rey Mysterio because when I was uh, watching the show with my father-in-law, like I said, he not with the current wrestling, he has no idea who the names are. But if you kind of go back to the Attitude Era and stuff like that, he knows a lot of the names and. Was more familiar with those wrestlers so when he saw commander he was like oh shit, is that ray mysterio i'm like no this is Rey right, mysterio right. on crack and with, with wings because he could fly and once he saw him kind of walk the ropes <laughs> and did that the spaceman move my like father-in-law was like i've never seen that before i'm like i told you you're gonna see something you've never seen before in wrestling because commander is the only person i've ever seen in the history of all the wrestling i've seen that could walk the entire uh length of the ropes from buckle to buckle and still be able to do a move on top of that and seeing my father-in-law seeing just some people in general um uh, seeing it live for the first time like i was watching aew and you could tell a lot of those wrestlers were or fans weren't uh familiar with commander as a wrestler and seeing when he did the spaceman movement they've seen all their faces and eyes just like light up and mouse go or jaws dr- uh, drop open that's what my father-in-law had was like, whoa, that was kind of impressive. And I've never <laughs> seen that before. Like, how did he do that kind of thing?
1: Well, it's just, we've seen so much. It's rare for any of us to really get surprised anymore. And then here comes someone along with a, a fresh move set. It's rare. It's rare in wrestling these days to get anybody to do anything different. That's, I think why Ares is so special to us too, because it's just unique move set helps give us something fresh.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, uh, a commander still always adding different variations of what he's going to do after running the ropes um it's been it's always kind of exciting to see what he's going to do from it like when he first pulled out that phoenix splash of doing it i was like how the fuck did you do that like to right. not just walk the ropes but then on top of that turn that into a phoenix splash where phoenix splash is hard enough at or that like i think he did like a six thirty phoenix Splash, where maybe Maybe not that much, but I think it was just a regular Phoenix match. But hey, man, that might be an index in his move. You're going to see Ninja Mac, uh, Ninja Mac style uh, Phoenix Flash from Commander after running the ropes, and that, that will be
1: jaw-dropping as well. Well, we need to bring Ninja Mac in, then. We'll have Ninja and Commander go at it. I'm all oh, for wow. that match. <laughs> Definitely all yeah, for that match. And I know they're similar styles, but to see how each one does what they do would be very interesting for sure.
0: Yeah, that is not one match I have on my radar I want to see in GCW. <laughs> that will lead us into our eighth matchup of the evening as Blake Christian goes against Willie Mack. And once again, it's always puts a smile on my face to see the pop that Willie Mack gets and uh, how the crowd reacts to him. And I, once again, I think that was probably the second biggest pop other than Nick Gage this night is Willie Mack and he just consistently is a hit on the West Coast whenever GCW goes and it's fun to see him still uh, showing up on these cards and this match against Blake Christian I thought was very cool it felt like a I don't. I don't want to go like use these terms, but like it felt like a great upper card versus upper card match of like these two are not quite the yeah, main event, yeah. and this was the kind of the culminate, not cold main event, but semi main event. And I think
1: the, uh, to me, it was a dual main event. I yeah. really do feel that this one it was given almost thirty minutes.
0: Yeah, I was about to say the time it was given, the reaction that the crowd gave Willie Mac, the heat that Blake Christian continually has, it felt like this is like just a very good taste of what's about to come in the main event and what's possible in these two feet uh these two wrestlers futures maybe main event in a show against each other because the crowd was super into this matchup as as they should be with these two competitors. What was uh I know we kinda had similar thoughts dur- during the match with Blake Christian. We could kinda talk about that later during the match, but uh yeah what was your thoughts on the other all the other stuff during this match?
1: So I'm just now wondering it must look pretty damn cool from your spot when you see the fans go nuts over like you get to see the place kind of bounce a little. You get to see the arms go up. You, you got to see a beer or two or cans get thrown like at the end. It yeah. must have been wild from where you were.
0: Uh, I I looked over to my left. So the really only two times I really looked to the entrances, like, and actually stood up and kind of got a better vantage point was for Willie Mack and for Nick Gage, because those were the two biggest pops of the night. And I was I was kind of expecting it. So uh, once I heard Willie's Willie's music, I kind of stood up and, uh, checked it out and yeah as you said like the music kind of gets I can't find if you know the name of the song I would love to know it because like yeah yeah that's um okay I'm writing it down because I was um, trying to last night hold on (laughs) last night while watching it I I tried pulling up uh, Shazam on my phone real fast up to the TV to catch the music but it cut out too soon but the music brings a lot of the energy to the crowd and the crowd responds to it so I'm guessing it's a West Coast uh, favorite
1: it's uh it's Chance the Rapper Okay. No problem. No problem. Um, okay. Cool. I definitely yeah, it took to me a that second. Out. I was trying to think of Chance's name.
0: Yeah, I hear the song yeah. too, and I kind of get bouncing with it. I don't know the lyrics. I don't know who sang it or whatnot, but I know like the, the as soon as the crowd hears it, they get into it, and it brings a different tone to when Millie Mack comes out. I think that's what is making him kind of unique out there and getting the different pop in L.A. than he would anywhere else uh, that he's wrestled so far with GCW. It's been very fun seeing him get the love and respect that. He's definitely earned and deserved over the years of performing for us West Coast fans.
1: Yep. LA loves Willie Mack. The West Coast is Willie Mac's stomping grounds. He easily walks freely on the West Coast. It's very obvious. Fuck him up, Willie. Fuck him up. Chance right from the beginning. Blake starts by being a disrespectful heel. Lots of stalling. Um, Puto chance in the crowd for Blake, which was hilarious. I've never been involved in one of those before. Blake's attitude is bleeding into his wrestling match in a good way. That was something I was seeing and something I'll talk about a little more later. There was a spot where Blake goes, suck it, and Willie, all you hear him do is fuck it. All you hear is slap. It was fucking so good. And that is the spot I wanted
0: to bring up where uh, my son, <laughs> when, I, well, Blake did it the entire fucking match and uh, the whole suck it stuff. Like He did it way too much for, but like, the one time he did it, my son's like, Looked at uh, looked at my wife and goes, they need to cancel him for doing th- for him doing that so much during this match. I was like, yes, <laughs> I agree with you. Like, do something else, Blake. But uh, <laughs> but then <laughs> I but then I thought like then I thought about it like, wait a minute, how do you know what that is? Like, what do you like? You don't watch you never watched DX wrestling with with me back uh, back in the day, or I haven't shown you any degeneration right. and stuff. How do you know what that means and stuff like that? So that's kind of I was like, yeah, I don't think you're supposed to know what that means.
1: Kind of look. Oh, that's good. That's that's kids for you. And I was like, I think I
0: was the one who started that. Fuck him up, Willie. Fuck him up. Cause like right away, like you saw me like right with the mask. I had my mouth up and
1: I was like, fuck him <laughs> up, Willie. Yeah. Willie was in control for the first five minutes. Blake always has a great Fosbury flop. He also takes control about minute six and soaks in the heel heat from the fans. You can hear cussing and booze from almost everywhere in the crowd. Whatever Blake is doing is truly working. He does a good job staying in his heel character. He's always focusing on build, uh, building his heel persona. I do like that he stays on that constantly. The blues for Blake are very real. There, are you suck chance going on. If Blake continues this over and over, the onslaught of constantly shitting on fans in this fashion is going to just make him one hell of a heel. This is working. When I when I talked to Blake, I told him face to face what we say on this show, because it's a lot to say something. It's a lot more to say it to someone's face. I told him, I said, dude, I my advice is, is that you're going to get over via actions more than what you say. And it's working so well. I told him, I said, if you keep this up, you're going to get over. And I know that's what you want. This is going to be the kind of person you want to be. It'll be right here. Great guy.
0: Yeah, when Blake so, was interacting with the fans too, with the whole you suck, he's kind of like, I suck? Like, really? Like, do you not see yep. me wrestling? And that threw me back. And I forgot to mention this during the Cardona entrance when uh, one of the LA fans got in Cardona's face and it's called, like, said something. Cardona said something like, you fat ass. And, like, the fan responded back, like, you're fat ass. And Cardona's eyes, like, I'm fat. I'm fat, you're calling me fat. Look at you, like, that's, that's kind of like the heel look and facial expressions and reactions that I saw Blake during, doing during this match. And I enjoyed seeing it because it adds a lot more depth to his mm-hmm. heelness.
1: And people forget that you have to be really a character to be a heel, especially an interactive heel. I do like that every heel in GCW is an interactive heel. They're always talking and fucking with the fans and the fans love it because our fans are allowed to cuss and be abusive and say things to these guys. As long as we keep our hands to ourselves. everything is good. Uh, Minute 11, there was another little spot where Blake goes for a tope. Willie catches him and slams him against the steel ring frame. It looked really nasty. Uh, Willie also has a great uh, standing moonsault, especially for his size. I know you probably say the same thing too, because that dude Willie is built big. I mean he's just thick. Yeah, that's no a way to put it. Like, yeah,
0: thick is the perfect works. So I was like, uh when they were laying down and I knew that uh Willie Mackett was do his little kip up and turn it into a moonsaw, I kinda gave a heads up to my father in law. I was like, Hey, watch this guy, he's watch what he's about to do and he saw him do that, he's like how is he able to do that at at his size? I'm like, that's what like one of my, my other friends I brought to, it wasn't a GCW show, it was another local show. We saw Willie Mack and he said that had the exact same reaction and said almost the exact same thing when he uh, saw Willie Mack be able to pull off a standing moonsault like that. He's like, I'm almost, I'm lighter than Willie Mack is and I can't even do that shit. I'm like, Willie Mack's impressive. And that's why I think I really like him because he's able to do some shit that is unexpected as fans watching. And I think that goes to his Lucha kind of style Matches that he does when he is working with Triple uh, A a lot as well.
1: Well, we have to go back to the fact that these wrestlers are athletes and wrestlers, for whatever size they are, are supposed to be more athletic than they should be for their size, weight and height. And I think Willie delivers on that for sure. Um, Minute 15, we're deep into the match. It's been a heavy strike kind of brawl. There are GCW chance at the 16 minute mark as both men knock each other out. This really does have a real fight feel. I felt like the first breath of the match, um, a lot of hard work went into it. I think that's the best way to put it here. You can see there was a lot of thought and planning that went into here. Most matches would have ended by now. I feel like anything past the 13, 14, 15 minute mark is generally considered bonus. Blake hits a nasty destroyer into a a springboard 450 off the top rope. That's usually his finisher. Blake was a little distraught that his finisher failed on him. And um, yeah, so there were a lot of GCW chants. Again, This the crowd was really heavy on this. They really appreciated this match. LA really loved it. And the dynamic that this was Willie's um, backyard, he was the good guy. Like, it had a very old school feel to it. Here comes this bad guy from out of town that wants to come in and kick the shit out of the neighborhood kid that everyone likes. Fuck him. That's what was really going on here. Willie Chance, as fans all hope that Willie can close this one out. He's finally in control at the 20-minute mark. A lot of that was three chance. I'd rather it honestly be two because the match was so good. I wanted to continue. Minute 21, the referee collision because of Blake. We have a different match now. The fuckery shall begin. Out comes a chair, but somehow it really doesn't get used in the match. The ref is finally back. He has his back turned, Blake hits a low blow on Willie. He rolls up Willie for the three, and that's where we ended. So our winner ended up being Blake Christian in this match, and I just wanted to roll through because there was a really good story being told here and uh sorry if I didn't have the chance to let you talk too much on that one, but that one was just like a roll no i this was a just a
0: as you said it felt more of a traditional kind of storyline driven play to the crowd match and uh the one thing that kind of really stuck out to me and my father-in-law noticed it too like we saw Scarlett on a lot of the first couple matches so when this match came up he goes hey how come she's not out here for this match and so i was able to tell him the story of hey like i don't think she's going to be working some blank matches anymore because of what happened at the j cup when he ddt'd her and i liked how commentary kind of made this kind of pointed out as well as like hey that's the heat that Blake's getting right now and the boos from the fan is because of his actions that he did to Scarlett and like how despicable they were and everything like that. So I had to tell my father-in-law that. And he goes, oh, so that's why they're booing him as much as they are is because of that. I'm like, yeah. So it's kind of cool relaying what was said on commentary and explaining it more in depth to a... a- not a, not a, not even a casual fan, a brand new person, in GCW, and it made sense to him. And I thought that was a cool little piece of storytelling that commentary did as well as during this matchup. Not putting uh, Scarlett out there was uh, pretty cool as well. I think maybe they should lead up to maybe her doing kind of like a referee run in to kind of screw Blake over at one point of doing a quick oh, count oh, oh. when one of these referees get knocked out. And Blake's going to do his little thing of maybe coming out and possibly screwing it. Brett over.
1: I got it. He has a really important match. For the championship, Scarlet's the ref. He goes for the one, two, three, she goes one, two, and she just stares at him. Flips him off. Yeah, fuck you, buddy. I like, remember who the fuck you were. I would
0: definitely You're not like to see those
1: slow game. counts or like even fast counts too. Oh man. No, just just she plays it right the whole time. And at the right moment at the very end, she goes, ha ha. ha.
0: <laughs> that would that would be cool. I think that's that's a cool little thing though. They could uh do uh To add some more drama to some of these uh, Blake Christian matches and possible tease it up as well.
1: And we we talk about talent being ready to go to the big time. Scarlett is close to ready, if not ready, to go to the big time. I think in the next couple of years, she's going to be in one of the major two companies. She has to. She's too damn good. She's in the way when she needs to be. She's out of the way when she needs to be. And like some of her
0: facial reactions, especially during like those Japan shows, like I, the best one was Effie and Kikutaru. Like, but they used her kind of as a prop as well during the match. But her reactions during that match, her reactions during a lot of the Titus Alexander matches as well. I think it adds more to, like the like she gives heel some more heat than would which would normally happen during a match, but her little facial reactions or the way she does the counts and interacts with the wrestlers adds a little bit more depth to the heel characters. And I think that's, I think that's why she's one of the better referees as well, because as you said, she's never, you never notice a referee, which is a good thing, but when it's time to notice a referee, she's getting noticed for the right, for the right reasons as well, where it's not, she's taken away from the match. She's adding towards the match.
1: Um, I think it's a great point. So, Blake grabs Willie after this match here after his win, and he's doing what he's been doing the last couple matches. He puts Willie's head in the chair. Now we know why the chair was there. He kicks the chair and Willie's head, which severely injures Willie. Fans boo heavy. He is homegrown talent from South Central LA, so it was not it was not a great it was not a great place to kick a you know somebody from LA in the face. But officials come out and um, they do help Willie out of the ring. I like this out of Blake. I like it a lot. This is what he wanted. Yeah, exactly what he wanted as a character. He wanted to change. He wanted to be somebody else. And his first was a swing and a miss. And this attempt at a heel has worked.
0: Yes. And this I think he's being placed in good matchups with perfect kind of uh like fresh matchups for him, but there are absolutely baby faces where you know they're not gonna start cheering for Blake. They're gonna stay cheering for the baby face. But I think Blake's does a great job of even if you start to lean towards him as Dave Phrase that calls, he's gonna withhold some of his cool movesets just to piss the crowd off even more and get the fans more against him. And that's where I think he's excelling as a heel character. I, I personally could do without the 75 suckets that he does during the match. Um, uh, I, I, You
1: know why he does that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's annoying. It, I just must say he's just being fucking annoying and uh, pissing off the crowd. And that's what he wants, though. And that's it's working. So why would you uh, go away from Change, something that's yeah. working for you? I would just like to see a little bit more maybe creativity to some of his taunts. And I do love his actions. And when he does like tease a big Fosbury flop and nope, I'm not giving it to you. You could suck it. I just kind of wish. (laughs) I want him to kind of create some more personalized taunts and not just do something that's been done over and over and over again. I would just like to see a little bit more personal uh, attacks and uh taunts from blake towards the fans kind of like what depth like even though depp, it's an easy simple one deppin just grabs a hat and throws it But that's kind of like deppin's thing it's not like okay. no one else yeah. is really doing it as a heel and if you do like especially in gcw where you're originally going like, oh you're copying tony depp and i just think blake needs to kind of
2: take
0: it take his heel to the next level and start doing something more personable but i do like how he's getting the reaction from the crowd that he is getting because that's something that we've been saying he needs to do, and he's doing it obviously at a very well level. If I'm getting annoyed with it, that means he's doing something good. So, not saying that, oh, whatever well, I know, I know, like, not saying whatever I'm saying is right and he's wrong. Obviously, he's right because he's getting the reaction out of me, but I personally would just like to see a little bit more uh, more of a Blake Christian taunt than a suck it taunt that we've had for over 20, 25 <laughs> years.
1: I love it. I feel like the older brother. I love watching you get pissed off at something because it makes me happy. That's like, <laughs> like, that son of a bitch, Blake Christian. I'm like, Blake's doing, his job. you know, like I, as you I know, think about it, I'm way. yeah. Yeah. So I think as you get older, you do like to learn, you know, you do like to learn. You learn to love. Son of a bitch. You learn to love the heels more. You really do, because you understand what they're doing out
0: there. And their purpose is very well, much needed in wrestling to get the fans more emotionally involved and tell a better story. And that's kind of why we've been enjoying GCW a lot more lately. It's because of the great heel work that all the heels have been doing and providing great uh, emotional matchups and stories in these matches and getting us involved with it. And its I think it's been coming out through the performers and the crowds and the reactions to these uh the the events that gcw has been having i've been hearing a lot of positive stuff about the same things that we've been asked that everyone's been asked for not just us but gcw fans in general been asking for and they're connect connecting with it right now with us fans and i'm enjoying watching it
1: um with blake he's a really nice guy i hope he really goes places like i said He was really nice to be about signing my flag he didn't need to be i offered him some money he didn't even take it he didn't need to do that either told him we're big fans man we really want to see him go far i'm right there with quite a few people it's another one from gcw i'd like to see get signed and and move up in the world because he oh my gosh everywhere he's went he's put on good matches and when he was when gcw was in england they put on good matches over there. I forget who he was up against, but they put on a dynamite match. Remember they cheered him to please come back? Yeah. I'm trying to, I think it was one against of the local
0: I don't know if he went. that's what I'm trying to think It of was one, one of the British wrestlers. guys. Yeah.
1: I can't remember which one he went to
0: went against, though. It was it their champion? Was it that or didn't Jordan?
1: Ah uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I think Nick Wayne fought their champion, didn't they? Uh man. Yeah, I, yeah, I, because I because because Nick Wayne did something, he goes for well, fuck's sake! You're not seventeen, or so- he's not really seventeen, or something like. We'll have to go back and look at the shows on Cage Match. We would probably find out over there. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of I'm on GCW
0: Liverpool right now. I know Jordan went against uh, Blake Christian in Liverpool at one of the shows, so it must have been the the straight TNT Extreme t- uh, show that they had. The oh yeah, it was that show because that's when GCW went against um, there. Let's yeah. See. I can't I can't oh, yeah, I didn't look at huh? someone named Dean Allmark. I don't know who that is.
1: I can't uh, remember look at the, the other shows. Head. There were three shows that, that, uh, there was that tour. Okay. Uh, there two, see. two major ones or three major ones.
0: There? I think there was a GCW show. Then there was GCW versus TNT. Then I think there was a TNT show specifically
1: that had them. talent on it kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Here we go. TNT versus GCW Blake Christian went against Robbie. Oh, he went against Robbie X. Yeah.
1: Yep, that yep, was that's it. What, that yeah, was a that's, bagger. I remember
0: that now, yep. Yeah, so Blake, I, that's, I've always, as much as I've talked about Blake and I didn't like kind of where the character was going, I've always really been impressed with him and liked him as a wrestler. I think he's really good. As you said, I don't remember a, a bad match he had. Like, I can't name one single bad match that I've seen of Blake Christian because he always steps up and delivers because he's super talented. Yeah. But I'm glad now he's putting the talent together with his character work and now reaping the benefits of getting as much heat as he is getting i just kind of like to see more him create his own heel kind of character and it's still young he's still only been doing this a couple of weeks or months now after getting fully booed and fully turning heel. so uh, we'll still i know still see him kind of grow into his own as a heel character
1: well again i just have to say this felt like the first of two main events it just felt really I didn't know until we got deep into it how important this match was. I think it was kind of that situation. I mean, like I said, 17 minutes in, I'm like, you know what? This is going longer than I expected. And this is really fucking good. And I just, just, there are times where I don't clap. I don't cheer. I shut the fuck up and just settle in and watch. I love to do that every now and then. And this was a match where about halfway through, I started settling in. And I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this. And Willie Mack's had some great matches, too, lately in LA,
0: especially against Speedball. Then now this one, he's really stepping up to the plate and putting on great performances for his uh, home area crowd as well, which I've been enjoying. And That's why I constantly call for Willie Mack to keep on traveling with GCW so that way we can see him a little bit more, not just on the West Coast.
1: Now, I'm going to say it, and maybe people drag me for it, maybe not, because this is something one of my friends said when they saw GCW and they saw Willie Mack. They go, bro, look at how over he is. I'm like, yeah. He goes, look at him. Like, really look at him. Who do you see? And I'm like, no. He goes, bro, that's Junkyard Dog from the 80s. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Bro, dark, dark dark-skinned brother and everything looks just like Junkyard Dog. It killed me for a minute. Kind of stout, had that thicker look to him. He was like, it was just, it blew my mind. I saw it for a minute. My gosh. Now, here's why it kind of made sense to me for a minute. Both Junkyard Dog and Willie Mac don't need a microphone. They don't need it. If they talk, they might even ruin their character. Just them showing the fuck up is the special part. They don't need to do anything else. He's Willie Mac. That's who the fuck he is. He don't need any explanation.
0: And I think they both get their characters over based off of their facial reactions instead of talking. Cause Willie Max facial reactions killed me during all these matches. And yep, I think that yep. adds more to these matches and some of the drama and stuff like that. When he gets his eyes wide open or he gives like the little shit eating grin, like right before you said he slapped the shit out of uh, Blake right after he did a suck it right in front of his face. Like I, that's where expressive. I expressive. Yeah, love it. I don't think he, as you said, I don't think he needs to talk. He does all his talking through his own actions and his facial reactions and stuff like that in the match. And, um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good point. I wouldn't have think, thought of Junkyard Dog because that's a little bit past me. I know who he is, I'm not aware of his work, I just haven't seen a lot of it. But going back to what I've seen, yeah, with Junkyard Dog, well, Junkyard dog he was a good promo too when he did talk. Well yeah, he was a good promo oh, yeah. too, but he didn't have to. He didn't need have it. the promo, he could have just come
1: over. out with yep. the dog chains and just done his thing. Yep, I'm right and there with you. That's a good, co- Willie that's Mac a good comparison. With the pick. He just, you know, he means
0: business. Yeah. Like I like, like you said, he felt at home like he just comes out and I got the love. I got the music. I'm picking my hair. This is yeah. my shit. And this is my kind of stuff. And I like how he owns the reaction that he's getting. Like, yeah, this is what I, I've been deserving this. I should be getting this everywhere. And I'm glad you guys are giving it to me. And I think that gives him more, um, not inspiration, but mo- uh, motivation
1: to kind of motivation. give the fans yeah. what they want and uh, gets him more hyped for the match as well. So I really love that song and that's the loudest I've ever heard it. So I really, I, that kind of made me happy because I'm sitting there and I'm like, starting, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, and I do oh, I blew up. My son's like, I'm like it's fucking Willie Mac.
0: See, I thought that was an older song. This is the way it kind of feels like it, but no, no, it's cool. I would, I'm definitely going to check it out. Cause like I said, I went up to there with my Shazam on my phone, but it was like the music ended and I just missed it. Nope, like, just shit. ask me. I, <laughs> I know my music. I know my music pretty well. I will definitely be listening to those. Uh, that song nice and loud
1: like i said i'm still jamming on the los Macisos theme song <laughs> really i really like that i guess who's now a big fan of that steph oh really My wife okay uh, turtle really loves it
0: so another thing too maybe you guys can help me out here so if uh-huh. you could think back during the lucha match well we, during this match we did the whole like the Willy Mac puto puto like yeah, yeah i know yeah, what that yeah. means but during the lucha uh six way six man tag match they they start chanting something, and I don't know exactly what they're chanting. I could be completely wrong. It sounds like the Tu Madre, Tu Madre. That's what it sounds like to me, if I yeah, could be wrong. Yeah. Is that what they're chanting, or
1: do you know? Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe so. It was Tu Madre uh, something. Okay. Uh,
0: so they're just saying, I, like, your mother, your mother. Like, I thought there was, like, some more depth into that oh, chant. <laughs> I'm,
1: no, I'm I'm sure there was more to it, but I I thought I heard the same thing. You'd have to probably run it back. Okay. Find out. Uh, I was wondering, because I know Stephanie knows way more Spanish than I
0: do, and I was wondering if maybe yeah. she made a comment to you uh, during that with what they were chanting. Because like, I've heard that quite a few times now lately, and I'm always trying to like figure out. It's always during, obviously, the lucha matches and the LA. stuff. Yeah, the LA crowd. Yeah, even AEW was doing it. They were like, Tuma. I, I want to say Tumaj, but I don't want to be looking like an idiot here like I already am most of the time, but... I think there's oh, you're like... Latin. The, you'll get a free pass
1: for that. You'll be like, hey, I should
0: know that, though.
2: know, <laughs> that's where I'm, like, okay, I'm not where giving
0: a pass. pass. <laughs> I should know what that what they're saying, but I don't. Yeah, I uh, I do. I speak a little as a white guy. <laughs>
1: but I'm also married to a cuban. We got gringo on gringo action on this podcast. So <laughs> I love it. I love it all. All right. So our main event banger.
0: Yes, our main event of the evening is for the gcw world title as nick fucking gage goes against speedball mike bailey and this is a moment i think that's kind of been overdue for speedball for a while i thought he should have challenged for the world title belt a uh, long time ago especially all the banger matches as he's been putting on lately um but i'm finally glad he did get this chance match and i'm was very interested and intrigued as it was going against Nick Gage. I kind of felt the same way I felt going into Nick Gage versus Leo. What kind of matchup is this going to, or how is this match going to play out? Is it going to be more Nick Gage style, more Mike Bailey? And just like Leo, we kind of get to see a mixture of both. But um, I thought it was once again wonderful to see Nick Gage step up and keep pace with Mike Bailey and it didn't really take away and didn't really not feel like a Mike Bailey match. It did feel like a speedball match mixed in Mm -hmm. with the extremeness of Nick Gage. And I'm so glad that Nick Gage is still the champion going into this match because he is stepping up to plate and having these fun matches and showing that he doesn't need to have a death match. He doesn't need to have a slow pace match. I could have a fun 25 minute match against uh, speedball, I can have a fun 30-minute match against Leo, and the crowd's going to be into it, and it's going to be a fun and entertaining match, and that's exactly what this match was, and it was fun seeing speedball as a heel, kind of like going into this match uh, when he, kind of after he did his entrances and Nick Gage came out, he I saw him kind of pacing back and forth outside the ring, he was like, complaining and playing heel, like, hey, I get like the reading this whole fucking script for him, and I get fucking Montreal Quebec speedball. That's it. Like, I love, right? I loved Big Bailey switching it up and just adapting to be a heel because the crowd is all this LA crowd is always Nick Gage territory, no matter who he's going against. And seeing Mike Bailey kind of play the heel and play it as well as he did, as I thought, I uh enjoyed it. And I definitely enjoyed this match, it felt very good seeing another Nick Gage title defense going against a completely opposite wrestler
1: in speedball and i think these two delivered. So, um i'm a sucker for nostalgia and i'm big on legacy and sometimes i get sad cuz every time i see another Nick Gage match i'm like is this the last time we see this matchup? And i'm always like fuck, you know what? We're not going to appreciate this until it's gone. But if you go back and look, every single title defense has been 15, 20, you know, 25 minute drag out matches against literally anyone and everyone, which will slowly include another participant tonight later. I so, love. yep, Amazing. I love the different
0: style. Like he, he's given us brand new matchups that we've never seen before. And I, I'm right there with you. I'm loving seeing the different variety of opponents that Nick Gage is defending the
1: title against. So before we even break into this match, there was a great video package highlighting the main event, and I love the difference in music between the two. It had Bailey come out first, and then it kind of had Gage, and it was like this hard hitting. I was thinking that was maybe knocked loose. If you know who that is, fine. If you don't, that's fine. They're a hard. No idea there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so any hardcore fans out there, if anyone can tell me, I think that was knocked loose. It's just. Yeah, they had something there. I thought was that was them. But uh, Prazak said it as I was thinking it. I'm not sure if this will be a speedball match or a Nick Gage match. I think it was more or less like a 60-40 split, if anything. And I'm not a big fan of seeing speedball really ever bleed. I don't think it's really his thing.
0: Oh, that's think one about. thing I just thought about. He didn't pull out the... You didn't pull out the pizza cutter. That's one thing you were kind of giving my father-in-law heads up of. Hey, you thought that was crazy. Wait till you bust out the pizza cutter later. And yeah, we never got it. I just thought about that.
1: Yeah, so I think he's protecting his face for TV, which is fair and perfectly okay. That's his moneymaker, you know? Um, My next little thing here I put, Speedball needs a title. I would like to see him have a little title or a title run. This is where I would like to see that secondary intercontinental title or something of that nature. So that um, somebody like Mike Bailey or Tony Deppin could have something to chase.
2: Yeah,
0: that's why I was saying. like I'm surprised uh, yeah. it took so long for him to get a title shot, and this was finally the one. I thought he deserved
1: it a long time ago. Okay, so we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'll go ahead and talk about what happened here. Because it was on TV, and quite a few people have spoken about it, and we were involved in it a little bit. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Gage's entrance security and fans. I did see they kept most anyone without a wristband out of front row during his entrance. I thought that was really nice that they did that so that we didn't get flooded. I said it before, I'll just say it again bring Gage to general admission and not general admission to Gage. I think that even in that aspect, security did work their ass off. I really do wish we had more there to help out with the ones who did work their ass off at security. Um, It was better than expected. And again, B boy. Our fucking angel in L.A. He helped me with security two different times. Thank you to B-Boy and thank you to Brett. Um, I already mentioned that I spoke to the head of security. I'm really happy that I did. They did handle everything really well. And I'm really hoping the guy learns a lesson because he was just being. But sometimes that happens. I don't blame anyone. I blame the gentleman. But back to this. Sh- oh, go ahead. I think you want to say something there, if any. No, okay. no I'm good. No, yeah, I guess that's I can,
0: my, can. That's that's like, my, that's my spot earlier, to be, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to. But watching too it back on it. watching it back it's the
0: same people that drag like the same asshole are dragging or holding on to bailey and holding him back from doing his entrance and same ones for uh-huh. Nick Cage. it's like and it's always kind of the same people at all these other shows i've been to it's like kind of the same little group of people that kind of uh get a little too out of hand at the near the end of the night and uh as you said kind of possibly ruin it for the other people that are paid for their shows and actually uh keeping their composure and restraining themselves. Cause I know sometimes there's been points where I would just want to turn around and start something because of some fans, but, uh, I also don't want to get kicked out cause I paid money to enjoy the no. show and I want to enjoy it. So I just kind of let it happen, but it does get kind of irritating when certain the same group, certain same group of certain people uh, ruin it for everyone else in the crowd.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it was just one small thing for me was just that guy and once again, B-Boy and security swoop right the fuck in. I felt special, man. I felt special that night. I had somebody making sure that my big fat ass was comfortable down there on that corner. But, um, yeah, back to the show. Uh, Emil starts to announce Gage. He uh, starts to get into it, and Mike Bailey takes that mic. He says, um, really, are you just going to announce me, announce me from Montreal, and then Gage is going to get this huge entrance? Okay, you know, whatever. So, um Mike said it was kind of odd and just that was the end of it. I was also laughing at Bailey getting on Emil as he leaves the ring. I don't know if you could hear even on the microphone, Emil was still like picking up. He's like, damn, man, I'm just doing my thing. Yeah, that's why I loved it. This little
0: this little tweak of Mike Bailey as a heel. Like I noticed it, like I said, outside
1: interactive.
0: Yeah, he was outside, like just pacing the entrance area as that whole thing was going on, and he was kind of like saying the same shit to his fans, like, "Hold on, this guy gets a whole script. I get five words, and that's it. Like, I see how it's going to be. Thanks, thanks for the respect, GCW, and the fans. Of, okay, playing heel. That's what he's supposed to do.
1: And uh, we have a lazy bell ringer. I don't know who our bell ringer is that yeah, night, Brett, but he yeah. missed one match. I, we had a oh fuck it. I don't care. We had a lazy <laughs> bell ringer. Goddamn it. And that's just how it went. And I don't care. Uh, don't care who here. Yeah, yeah, it, it was just, it was Brett. I saw, like, Brett in the background because he's
0: too busy all talking to
1: all the... Like I said, all the Bro, talent behind us, too. To yeah. You know, so he has no stress whatsoever. He's got time to just stare at the ring and listen for a bell all fucking... And enjoy the show, so. right? Yeah, a lot of back-and-forth chants between Speedball, MDK. For the first three minutes, Bailey is in control. He's playing the heel really well. Like I said, interactive. Before the match even started, he was bitching at a fan in the front row. The one that's always telling people, boo, and you suck that that guy was there. I actually saw another individual take his hand and cover that guy's mouth, like physically take his hand. Yeah, if you look usually, usually see it's I usually that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. So he's the loud one in the kindergarten class. Kind yeah, right? they're the ones so that are that, like, hey,
0: everyone knows who he that's is. Funny. It's like they either just deal with it or they try to restrain him. So that way no one has to deal with him. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. It's, <laughs> it's really nice that you have to walk into a place knowing that someone has to be babysat. and that's, But it doesn't seem like he really does anything besides just be a little annoying. And
0: this was his best night. This was actually, I said, I even made a comment So He was, well he was behaved. actually fine. He was fine tonight other than just kind of those little things they did. But he was a thousand Good. times better than normal. It was just actually other random people today that uh, or that night that was kind of being
1: the, the overbearing assholes. I just feel like LA, the LA crowd is constantly throwing something different at GCW, and they're just trying to adapt. And
0: that's their energy, though. That GCW wants, like Brett doesn't does doesn't like discourage this behavior. He just doesn't want uh-huh. it to get overboard, and like he never really says anything bad about it. And I get that's what the energy you got, but there is obviously two or three people that kind of go overboard that ruin it. And they kind of stick out a little bit to certain groups of fans. And uh, for the most part though, it's, that's what they want. They want this energy. And I'm kind of, I am glad the LA crowd is like that. And I'm glad a lot more of these fans now are kind of policing themselves. As you said, uh, as you said, later on during this match, the two guys kind of helped the guy uh, kind of hold back, hold him back. And like, kind of like, they kind of scolded them. They're like, Hey dude, you can't be doing that shit. So uh, I'm glad that the crowd's, fighting for each other or not it's fighting for each other instead of fighting each other um during these events because it is kind of it makes it we all want to enjoy it for everyone not just ourselves and i'm glad that the fans are finally stepping up and kind of policing our policing themselves
1: what's well, funny it's just i think that we're just so proud of what we watch and what we do that we're kind of self-policing to a little bit like hey you know better. Stop that shit.
0: And those fans give you know... us GCW fans a bad name. Like it's the one, the the point one percent that give the rest of the ninety nine point nine percent a bad name, and that's what kind of. That's what pisses me off when I see people talk about GCW fan and they call them the the backyard, the this and that. Of course, it'd be GCW that this shit happens. Where's the security? Oh, there is none. They give GCW a bad name when we both know and a lot of every other fan out there knows that's not the case. It's just one, two, three, five people that ruin it for the rest of us and give all of us a bad name. And that's when I kind of just get pissy about it is and when they obviously intrude on me watching the show i get pissy about it but it just it is what it is like it's not just the la crowd it's every every crowd i just hate when one or two people in the crowd ruin it for everyone else in gcw
1: well luckily yeah we just had we just had a curveball here or there and it just seems like that every now and then it's just going to be a little wild that way i don't i don't know how it is um i say it all the time you were learning in kindergarten how to count one to ten Learn your beer count like if you're a four and you know you're going to go out and have fun and have five or six, know you might have to eat something, not only for driving purposes, not only for getting sick, but also. So you show you don't show your asshole in public.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad all these people are I'm calling them out on these on these Aww. Twitter posts because that's what needs to be it's done. happening. Yep. It I needs think, to be I done, think I it's think. real.
1: Yeah, I think, well, that's the thing. And it's good and bad because, like, I saw at least 14 to 15 spots that would be worth mentioning on Twitter that night and the next day. And what got mentioned more than anything else was that guy kicking kicking speedball. What a bunch of bullshit because those guys worked for three and a half hours that night. And the one thing that got more play than anything was some big-ass guy just putting his foot in the air up someone's ass. Like, it made no sense whatsoever. And, yeah, that's self-policing. Thank goodness we have people in the way. To work on those things and speedballs right too, fans will step in. They know better. It's just I don't know how we keep. I've never seen. I've. It's just interesting. It's what else? GCW.
0: It is GCW. It is a completely different (laughs) wrestling environment and, but I think that's what also makes it more for us like that's why we love it so much because it's completely different than what we're used to and when it's done absolutely the right way like how 99.9 percent of the shows are and people are it's a beautiful thing it's when the one yeah. thing gets get thrown out there in twitter it ruins everything else and uh, but that's what makes gcw gcw
1: yeah and and that's that's fair too i mean what would ecw be without the rough tough shit that went along with that and people used to straight dive into the crowds. No no warning, no nothing. You'd just be standing there looking left and somebody's fucking body's coming to, at you from the right. It just Yeah, like, we want, it we want we the mosh pit for Nick Gage.
0: Can you imagine a Nick Gage entrance if we all just sat there and stood up and clapped behind barricades? what's yeah, not this yeah. fucking same. Like, we want that shit. We just want it. At, just watch the one those 1.1% no, out there. I'm,
1: just watch your shit. What I'm saying is, is there's security knows when there's people that come out and the same three or four guys are aggressively always all over them or you're just going to have to have security stand in front of those guys and have their arms held out there but i don't know i i uh i think overall i'm i'm literally putting a lot of time on one person when i should have put a lot of time on the 699 others yeah that's why i'm kind of saying like that's why i hate when the one kind of ruins it for well yeah because i should have 699 other stories like i didn't talk about the fact that um, two seats down was some people from Twitter that we said hi to. Behind us were people that listened to our show. Literally, somebody who's listening to the show right now knows they said hi to John in the seat in front of them. They we were talking to my wife and stuff. Also, we said they were saying hi and talking for a little bit. They come up, and my wife took a picture for him in front of the ring so they could have a couple's picture together. Like There was a lot of really good stuff that went down It's just that one little stupid thing because otherwise, all of it was so much fun. Yeah,
0: that's it is a different environment at the UCC, and that's what makes it more fun and more enticing for me to go back. And, like I said, like we said, they the GCW is doing a better job of handling that and improving. The yes, fans, yes. viewership, every single show. And i that's what makes me want to go back because I have full confidence that each show is getting better and better and better. And I don't have the anxiety or stress of, oh, is this going to be the night that I'm by the asshole? Like, luckily, as you said, I've always been surrounded by great people as well. Like, there's been maybe a couple shows where it's not that way. But for the majority of our experiences, it's been fantastic. And yeah. I'm glad that it's still improving. So that way, I... Want to go back and back and back, and that's why I'm really looking forward to the whole collective and seeing how for 10 shows have how uh, much improvements that they're doing of protecting the fans while also giving us the fun GCW environment.
1: So I don't know if you noticed too, but Gage is fighting in some really nice Nikes. I made you a co- that I made
0: a comment that like I don't know how he could wrestle in like I don't know what we always talk about speedball wrestling barefoot. Manser's wearing freaking cowboy boots and Nick Wayne or Nick Wayne Nick Gage is wearing freaking nikes like i do like the nike look i always like picture like hey if i wrestled i want to wrestle in some jordans or if i refereed i want to be the referee wearing the jordans every night and stuff so it is cool seeing nick age doing that but i'm like man you got to get some some ankle support there because you get those wrestling boots and stuff because there is obviously some advantages of wearing wrestling boots compared to just regular tennis shoes which is why we see majority of the wrestlers wear them and I like how Nick Gage is like, fuck that. I don't need that kind of shit. I know what I'm doing uh, out here. I could
1: wear this shit. Till, till a bad thing yeah, happens. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, he needs to get the Reebok pumps. <laughs> Remember the old basketball pumps on the front yes. of the tongue that pop, pop, pop? He needs some of those. Yes, and you just squeeze it so much and all the powder pops out. <sighs> oh, is that how that... That's what would happen. That's what happened with a lot of those, right? The yep. bladdered pop in them? Yep. And then you see the powder just pop out of the shoe. ha, ha, ha. Between that and those pullover jackets, what were the, the uh, star starters? Was it the starter jacket? Yeah, the starter jacket. Yeah. remember people get the shit kicked out of uh-huh. the starter jackets in the <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. Uh, the varsity jackets and stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. OK. OK. So back to our action here. The action goes outside and the door comes in at around minute five. Bailey puts Gage underneath the door and has jumping double knees into the door. It's weird hearing fans boo Bailey. I'm not going to lie. Everyone still likes him, so you could tell the booing is still kind of polite. No one's really cussing that much at Bailey. He just has an aura to him of, like, be kind. I don't know how it is or why, but he just does. Boo him in a professional manner. (laughs) I, I don't know, man. It's really interesting. Um... Bailey, though, he dominated for the first 10 minutes of the match. Also, lots of heel work with fan interaction. Minute 11, Gage finally takes control. I love watching Gage's twisting elbow drop. That's been kind of one of my favorite moves. Someone in the crowd finally yells, fuck you, Speedball. And it just sounds so funny because it's you know, like saying fuck you to a six-year-old. Like, he's just so, like, how are you going to say that about Speedball? Like, it, it, it's It's a nice guy. It's Speedball. It's very hard to
0: root against him because he never does anything that you can root against him. But as the matches always progress when he is working heel, he will find some way to give you something to boo about. And I would really like how he's
1: able to do back and forth, like face and heel uh, that way. He can work heel, too. No lie. I'm really surprised by that. He does such a good job that... Like I said, that one fan that was bitching at him in the beginning there, he come over and started talking to him. He came out from behind the ropes like he was out on the apron there. And you saw security come over. I'm like, damn, you know, Bailey's really he's getting getting the heat. Yeah, he got
0: some heat. I love it. But I think anybody gets that kind of heat going against Nick Gage. And as you said, it did yeah. it did seem like it took Mike Bailey back. And I knew it was going to be booze. And as the match kind of went on, it kind of went a little bit more 50-50-ish as Bailey started doing his normal offense and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, he did a very good job of keeping the heat on himself
1: and getting all the cheers towards Nick Gage. So then minute 15, and Gage found a door. Uh, Bailey does a great tornado kick into a shooting star double knees. Uh, fans are arguing if it's a two or a three. Reps are given the "you fucked up" chant,
0: and and that's where Alec Price had a great back and forth with my son on the the stage as they were sta- He was standing behind us, and that was the moment. Like I thought it was a three too. I thought it was a fuck up and stuff like that, but. My son turned around and was like, that was three to Alec Price. And I was like, no, that was two. And they came and my son, kept on going back and forth. And then finally, Alec Price was like, fine. Can we agree? It was 2.999. Is that fine? And my son's like, gave him a thumbs up like, OK.
1: But oh. having them going back and forth was very cool seeing that. So, yeah, um, there were a double door bridge that was finally created at minute 20. Minute 21 and both men go thrashing, uh, crashing through the doors on the floor. Bailey was very clear, barely cleared Gage's head. It looked dangerous if if he didn't go over any further when they hit the ground, Bailey would have landed on Gage's head. I don't know if you saw that. So seeing it live,
0: I stood up and I was like, oh, shit, something bad just happened Like because I was on that complete opposite. Mm. So I didn't see how they fell. But before they got to like the apron part on the outside, the way, as you said, it looked like Nick didn't fool like I thought at first he was going for a moonsault and battery, <laughs> like the way he kind of like mm-hmm. launched him and kind of held on to him for so long. But then uh, as it was kind of happening, like oh, it's going to be one of those uh, away slams. But as you said, he didn't release Bailey until super late. But the way yeah. it played out, watching it back on the fight TV feed was perfect, where they both were completely safe. It looked on TV; it looked way better than it did in person, but especially from my point of view, because I was freaking out. I was like, oh shit. Well, I, I was stunned that Gage even attempted that, to be honest with you. That was my first shot. I was like, Gage fucking yep. did what? What did he do? And then, like Bailey let him do that to him? Like, that was just insane amount of trust that they had. And I'm shocked that it did it. But I'm so glad because it's just showing how much is still in the tank for Nick Gage. Like, he's real, still willing to kind of do that dangerous move because that's something he he doesn't do dangerous shit like that. He'll cut himself right, up and go right. light to light tubes, so but he won't do some high flying spots like that one so it was very nice seeing that um happen even though in person i was scared shitless but watching it back it looked safe as can be it was perfect it played out perfectly i think um for everything involved like yeah you want the fans to be oh shit and scared but then people watching at home was like you could see it was a perfectly executed well maybe
1: not perfectly executed but it looked perfectly executed no it it looked really good um the last time i felt like there was a dangerous move was the night before when Jimmy Lloyd took Effie yeah. off of the mat and that finish where they go through the chairs on the outside on the, on the ramp quote, mm-hmm. unquote. <clears throat> that was the last time I'd seen something where I went, Oh shit. I hope they're okay after that.
0: Yeah. I was, I legit stood up and I was like, I, I think if you watch it back, like, I stood up and I was holding my head like, Oh no, please everything be all right. Please don't let anything yeah. serious happen. Yeah. And then when they rolled in, or actually like, it was kind of silent, and then it was like a quick holy shit chant. So I was like, okay. So uh-huh. the people closest seem to be like everything's okay, and I started chanting holy shit too because I was, I was legit mind-blown that Gage and Bailey would even let Nick Gage try that move,
1: and Nick Gage wanted to even try that move because that's something not in his repertoire. Yeah, we need to get Stabu out to L.A. I would really have liked to have him seen this show instead of the Las Vegas one because I think he would have seen how, how big gcw is yep. and uh, I what agree. they're really capable of because that was one hell of a show at uh, the la show so our winner in this one was nick gage he hit the choke breaker on mike bailey he retains that hard earned title nick grabs a mic he told everyone he was going to be a fighting champion and that's exactly what he was done anyone anytime anywhere He does not matter who it is. Music hits. Out comes Masha Slamovich. She says 2023 is the year of Masha Slamovich. She challenges Nick Gage in New York City on March 17th. She said, Masha's going to kill you, motherfucker. And that's the show. So before I say that's the show, though, which I just did. I love illness. <laughs> um, almost fifty-five minutes of wrestling in the last two matches. Yeah,
0: that's where I went to. Wow. Su- like, uh, I didn't know the exact time. I- it didn't feel that long in person. Like the Leo Rush did match did feel like it was close to thirty minutes. This one didn't feel like it was a little bit maybe over. Like it just was felt like it was right around watching it live like less. Yeah. It felt like right around the 20 minute mark. So seeing the close to a 25 minute, close to 30 minute match from Nick age against Speedball, Like I said, going against 30 minutes against Leo rush. It just Nick age is (laughs) I'm glad I'm so, so glad that he's, he's performing at this level. Uh, especially after when we did see him and kind of questioned it for a while. all That that question's out of my mind now. Anytime I see Nick Age, i I'm expecting old Nick Age is going to be a banger against anyone, any style. But I always just wonder, especially in matches like this, like as you mentioned, as Dave Prazak mentioned, what style is going to kind of dictate this match, a Nick Age or speedball? But I'm glad to see Nick Age keep up in a speedball style match with him because yeah. he's, he's looking incredible and um, – now that we know that he's going to be defending against Masha, she's using her uh, win in that do-or-die rumble and using it to challenge him in New York City, which I think is kind of safe because uh, it won't be a crazy... I, actually, I was kind of hoping it would be Atlantic City just to see Masha in a crazy death match against Nick Gage, where I know their mm-hmm. match in New York is going to get kind of very similar to how this match was with doors and chairs and, and all that stuff. I just You're not going to have the light tubes, but... How Masha looked on New Year's Eve, teaming up with Akira, with the light tubes going against Los Macisos. I want to see that version of Masha, that Masha Death Kill, go against Nick Gage. I I would just like to see it stepped up a little bit in the ultraviolence, but we're definitely not going to be seeing that in New York City,
1: unfortunately. Okay, so I'll be the bad guy. Well, here we go. <laughs> let me uh, let me touch the cornet. Uh, touch the cornet signature that I got. Okay, a stamp of heel. approval. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, you ready? I feel the heel. I feel the heel. Here we go. Um, who Masha is and what she represents to me, I'm just not really into. So for me, I just hope this is just a quick little in and out. I don't really see her as the GCW champion. I do find her as an uh, interesting choice because I don't know if she's really done enough to be at the championship level shot. I agree. I don't know. I don't know if she's really went through any members of the SGC. I don't know if she's went through any of Los Macisos. I don't remember a lot of that. I do know that she's fought a lot of lower tier GCW people. And um, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm right I'm not, there. I'm not shitting you. Like, I'm no. not really interested in seeing it. And I'm so sorry because I know she's nice as fuck. It's just her character that she presents at this time doesn't interest me and that's okay because to me I'm guessing she's five foot four and a hundred and some pounds gauge gauge eats larger meals in the morning. And that's why I'm kind of disappointed that it's
0: being held in New York city and not somewhere else that allows this match to kind of get uh-huh. ultra violent. Uh Maybe that's that why I was chosen. that I, uh, well, I think, well, I think that hurts Masha. I, I wanted to see Masha just come out when the all white gear like she's already bleeding before she even gets to the ring. She's going to take Nick Gage to his limit in an ultra violent death match. And ultimately, I would still want Nick Gage to win because of the run that he's been on net. And I feel the yeah. same way as you do. I don't feel like Masha's kind of quote it's unquote earned already. it. No. Yeah. She hasn't gone, like, doesn't have the. I kind of, I maybe, I maybe this is just me putting a lot more into win loss records than what should be done in independent wrestling. But I just feel that adds I just feel it adds a lot more to the credibility oh, I thought of. You had a- no, I think it adds more credibility of who should be next in line for the championships instead of just a random person. But Masha earned this match through her victory in the do-or-die rumble, which could happen to anybody in any Rumble. So I'm fine. Like that storyline is making sense to me of why she's in line next for it. I just kind of wish it was in a place where I let Masha be the ultra bonnet. Cause then it show like she w- did everything that she possibly could took Nick, Nick, Nick Gage to his limit, but ultimately just couldn't get him down for the final three count. So it still makes her look really good at pushing the champion to his limit while also Nick Gage still defending and retaining the championship as well.
1: Yeah. Masha was 18 and 11 last year. So she broke 60%. just just barely broke 60%. Level. So and her again, winning the rumbles away. Bosses- yeah,
0: for me that that's a way to round the winner losses of hey, that's why she's getting this next shot. But that was going to kind of lead me to my next question. Now is mm-hmm. well, I'm I, I'm almost contradicting myself here now. Now oh, that we know, oh. now that we know Masha is going to be going against Nick Cage, we haven't seen though any Nick Cage announcements for the collective, which I'm fine uh, with because no. remember. I always complain of, why are you announcing Nick Cage's next title match? Like, Let's say in this instance, again at the Collective, when he still has to go against Masha. So I'm glad that we have not gotten it yet. But it's mm-hmm. just making me wonder and think, creative bookingly, if he does get by in Masha... What is Nick Gage's plans for The Collective? Who do you think? He, if if he's even defending it during The Collective, I think he has to be there. At, at, I think he has to be at Joey Janela's spring break since there's no planet death this year. I think Nick Gage has to be defending the title at Joey Janela's spring break.
1: Who do you Against think, Joey Janela. You think against Joey? But Let's as the fucking champion, old school GCW. Fuck it all. Belt Look, I don't belt. care if Jordan does it. Now, uh. um, <laughs> no, I was just, okay, without a belt, maybe Joey drops it. Earlier in the collective. Maybe. I yeah, I don't know, because like, he is. He is going to be wrestling like DDT. See, it's like watching Sabu and uh, uh, I wouldn't say Jerry Lynn. RVD. It's like watching two Tommy Dream. ECW originals kind of, you know, I'd like to see some GCW originals kind of go at it for that belt. The guys who sat at the table longer than everyone. I think that would be kind of nice to see. I'd I like to see think. Matt Shremont. Come on, that's over a good one. I do want to see one more of
0: traditional Nick Gage against an old opponent and Tremont would be a good one. That'd be a good
1: story too of the hate club. And then um Cologne, I'd like to see Cologne get a crack. I think he deserves one if he comes back. Absolutely. I think that he would do a hardcore match and they'd make it look good cuz they can both also wrestle.
0: Yes, I do. If Alex Clone does come back, whenever he does, if he ever does, I definitely think he needs to be right there in the main event championship scene and either come back and rent it right away and then defend it or chase after it and finally get that feel good moment that he's absolutely earned and deserved wrestling for GCW uh, as long as he has been and the kind of matches and what he's been, how he's been representing the company as a champion and as the, Best deathmatch wrestler in America and the United States, at mm-hmm. least in a lot of people's opinions. I think he's definitely earned that uh, maybe moniker or not moniker, but earned that right to skip the line when he comes back and go right at Nick Cage. I definitely would like to see that happen. Um, ooh, that, yeah, that that'd be a fun one.
1: Yeah, I just it was just something came across
0: there. I do want to um, see him go against a GCW original too. I I'm leaning more not Joey. I'm leaning towards your that Tremont caught was cool. That Tremont. I do like that idea a lot too. I'm kind of thinking Mance.
1: I think Tremont should be his retirement match. Oh yeah, for sure. That definitely should be his retirement. And if match. not that,
0: maybe Joey. And maybe that's what it would be as him losing the belt to Draymond. Like, hey, I've done everything I've can. Here's my my the guy that's been with me and been against me and during all my wars throughout my wrestling career. This would that would be a good retirement match for him. I, I don't know. I just want to, I still want to see more from Mance. I, not more from him. I want to see him in put, put in a bigger in, light, put in better positions and in a bigger spotlight. Yep. That was where I was going. I, and that I think would be I'm a way. I just think they lost a lot of momentum and they should have d- been doing this since the Buckhouse brawl went, when I think they could have used that footage or maybe not even use that footage, but use that uh, title of winning the bunkhouse brawl on Ric Flair's last match. They could have done a lot more with them than what they kind of did after that match. Unfortunately,
1: I'll tell you, Manders and Mance, they seem to be like one in the same. I would put them together as a tag team any day. Like they're both the, you know, the Southern redneck kind of thing going on, hardworking. Yeah, they Manders seem would... to work together.
0: Manders has Always. like earned himself a better opportunity too in GCW. I think I've been calling that since he kind of called out, uh, I think it was Chris Hamrick or whoever it was, for saying the stupid shit that they said at the show. I like how he he really showed a lot of leadership of stepping up and defending GCW yeah, and and taking control of the situation and protecting everybody involved in the situation. I think just that moment alone, he jumped so high in my book as well. And like, then he went on a nice little run, too, for GCW and have, had some fun singles matches as well. So that is another name I think is I saw someone else say that like they want to see him be a champion somewhere because he's definitely being mm-hmm.
1: underutilized. And I agree everywhere he's gone, he has been underutilized. Yeah, he's hardworking, too. I mean, he posts on Twitter all the time, hey, out in the snow and, you know, you white-collar pussies this and da-da-da. I mean, I don't think he says it that way. But, you know, he's proud of his hard work and what he does. Like, any good man who hard, works hard would be. So, I like seeing that there are real people out there still doing real shit, you know? They're not just putting on the tights and traveling for four days. Nah, dude. He, he wrestles, he goes home, and he works his fucking job. Shit. For me on Saturdays and Sundays, I'm so tired, I'm just sitting on my couch. These <laughs> yeah, guys are- I gotta work home and take yeah, dude. Yeah, that's just how it is. I take a nap so, to eat
0: dinner, and then go back to bed.
1: <laughs> man, I've I found that I can nap almost any time of the day now. It's fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> it's like old man talk. It's great. But
0: I but, think that was a great way to end DCW's middle of the night. A fun show, up and up and down. As you said at the beginning, it had a killer lineup. I think each each performance uh, delivered in its own way, and I definitely there were there are some matches that I still would like to see ran back that was on this card, like Leo Russian commander. So um this was a fun night, though. What was your what was your ultimate thoughts uh, of your first GCW show in L.A.?
1: OK, I have no notes. Here we go. You ready? It, it could be a long talk. It could be a short talk. Again, parking was good. Security got me right through the door. The facility was clean. Food and drinks were good. Security handled most everything about the best they could. I felt safe um the matches every single match i actually wanted to see there were no sleepers there was no dead time it was a three and a half hour show with no fucking hiccups there was blood there was violence there was everything that i wanted minus some tubes and that's because i understand the situation and i respect that um the venue is absolutely beautiful i think it's a perfect spot for gcw to have a home base on the west coast I think there's absolutely no reason to move from that spot. There's a dispensary right across the street. If you can't keep your shit together, go across the street and chill the fuck out. Come on back into the show. We'll still be there. Things like that, I think, make uh, make good sense. But otherwise, I think everything was handled really, really well, especially given the size and the amount of time that GCW has been around. They handle things in a very good way. And um, you could tell from the very top to the bottom of everyone in gcw from talent to ownership everybody's putting in work there there's no slouches i noticed that everybody Uh, the lauderdale's co-owner he was out there putting up rolling up stuff trying to get things packed up like he's out there busting his ass too there's no people sitting around watching people do work even like jordan on deck Yeah, even like Jordan
0: Castle, like before the show, even though he's commentating later on in the night, he's back at the merch table behind the table selling Mm -hmm. merch to everybody and working hard and helping out the company as well. As you said, everybody that is associated with this show always goes above and beyond and does a great job of making sure that the fans are safe, they're enjoying the show, and also keeping the wrestlers and fans Oh, I already said it's safe, <laughs> but they, they do a great job. I, I agree with you. And I, and I see improvement every uh, every single time we go to UCC. I've seen uh, some improvement one way or the other with the shows and how everything's handled.
1: Well, I think this is possibly a show of the year right now. This is a show of the year candidate. I don't know if we've had a better show front to back. And feel free to tell me because we do a lot of reviews, but just it, it's early in the year. But. Have we seen a show where front to back had this much going on?
0: I mean, ultimately, if we're going to like, uh, just off this year, I really enjoyed the Jacob as a whole. I think that is the top of line for me for the show of the year for GCW. But if I have to go like just Good from point. UCC, that, last year's no. December I mean, show, any
1: show, any well, I mean, goddamn man, I enjoyed I that show. Special creature,
0: yeah. Tournament, something different too, as well. But the That's last beautiful. show in UCC in December. Uh, just that Lucha match was insane, and I think that's what kind of put that. I enjoyed that night a little bit more than I enjoyed this night of action and stuff like that, just because uh-huh. of that Lucha six-man tag was insane. That was one of the top five matches easily of GCWs last year, if not top five Lucha matches I've seen in GCW, period. Oh, huh. I'm not,
1: not going to disagree. I actually wanted your opinion on that one, and you gave me a really good answer.
0: Yeah, this show was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm glad it was my son's first time at the L.A. show. Um, he got to have Did a lot Did he of, have a good time? He loved it. He was tired as well, too, because but he got to sleep in the car. But um, his rest in Sam was a little low. He He's really there for the Jordan stuff. Anything else that happens other than that, and I uh, get him involved in has fun within stuff, but he really enjoyed, especially after this show, of going to the after the show talking to all the wrestlers, holding the JCW belt, interacting with Jordan during the night, interacting with Alec Price. He kind of went up and gave uh Effie and Blake Christian, I think, a little high five while he was out there walking uh in between the matches and stuff like that. Uh, but after the show, yeah, everybody was incredible to him and he had a smile on his face and he took a great picture with Nick Wayne and he he had a blast at the end. He got definitely treated like a little the birthday. That was our his big birthday present from us is the, going to that show, uh, sitting up front. So he definitely enjoyed it. But um, for me, that's what made it more enjoyable seeing how much him he, he and my wife enjoyed it as
1: well because they're always treated nice by the talent in GCW. Yeah, we're we're always treated well there. I can't complain. Like I said, I felt like I had personal security that night in B-Boy. <laughs> you so we got into the memorable, memorable moments? moments. Yeah! <laughs> Thanks! Yeah, we have talked so much. It's like I'm sitting here going, what have I not said? So you want to go first? You want me to go first? How you feeling? So just because you said that, too, and I feel the same way, like I kind of said my memorable
0: moments was mostly my son and seeing how much he enjoyed the show, how much the talent uh, went out of their way at the end to kind of make sure he was treated well and got to interact with, had some very cool interactions as well with the talent. Um, but this show, this card was, I thought was very good. Uh, I just said top from bottom. Uh, I don't think it was one of the best cards, but it was a very enjoyable show. I don't really have anything bad to say about it. Every match hit, they all were good in their own different ways. And as we see with the production from watching it on Fight TV and the safety with the crowd and stuff like that, it's getting better. Um, I just, I thought this was a great overall show. I think I gave it like a nine out of 10 when I was driving home with my wife. I was like, that was a really good show. I gave it like a nine out of 10, just overall experience.
1: All righty. I got some memorable moments for you. Here we roll. Okay, so I'm really happy everyone that I asked signed my flag. Cardona being an ultimate heel, 1 at bucks. Everybody else is cool, though. Not gonna fucking bullshit with you. The indie guy. And I'm not not honestly gonna argue it either. The guy's worked his ass off. What he charges, I'm more than happy to have someone of his caliber up on my flag. Perfectly fine. That's why we work hard is so we can give out a little money for things we like. Um, I did miss getting Gringo Loco's signature, Nick Gage's, and I would say Jimmy Lloyd. I, I went back here and looked and found out I actually do have it on here. So I si- uh, he signed it his birthday night, which is kind of cool. I'm right with you. There were no bad matches on the card. There was no downtime whatsoever. It was really hard to find a pee break. I held it in for most matches, or I just pissed in my wife's pocket. Either way, it was really good. I pissed in the guys beside me's pocket. <laughs> Uh, Lucha Wrestlers really working their asses off. If you can, please give them respect. I had a chance to just spend time with Toxine for a couple minutes. I had a chance to talk to Mander, both Los Macisos of Ares. Can't remember who else off the top of my head. But I want to tell you that Toxine. I was talking with him through a translator. And I didn't realize it until I watched it. How difficult it is to come to another culture in another country and try to assimilate and work your ass off. I mean, they're turning on the radio and sometimes it's hard to find something that they like that they can listen to. Or maybe it's hard for them to turn on the TV sometimes. Maybe find something that they like that they can watch. It's not easy to entertain yourself in someone else's country sometimes. Your family's not here. Your friends aren't here. So... If you can, try to remember that because these guys are really putting their asses on the line. They really love us. They really love what they do. And if we can, we have to remember that they are all out on the road. But when it comes to Lucha, they are really, really far from home. So try to give them as much love and respect as you can because they are working real far from home. And any bit of positivity you can give them does help their night overall. Um, B-Boy, thank you again. Also, one of my things that I wanted to do for sure, because I'm a strong believer in him, that was meeting Alec Price. He Same. was genuinely a very kind guy. I, um, I miss talking to people from the New England area, Boston area. I was a mass hole for a small amount of time back in the day I lived in Boston. I loved it. It was cool talking to somebody that had the accent, and it was cool talking to somebody who looked you directly in the eye when you, when you talked to him. The bollywood boys were fantastic i've never seen them on the indie scene and i hope we see them again in gcw and then lastly i'll just consider that the last two matches were double main events respectively 28 and a half minutes and 26 minutes i i'm really happy with everything and like i said for me this was the uh candidate for match of the year right now or for uh, show of the year right now i think partially also it was because it was my first time there i think i was so damn excited and obviously, out of my head, tired. And, yeah, I was just having a good time. It was like I had the buzz without the beer. It was... <laughs> like, I was That's just a... so tired. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I definitely hear it. Like, I'm so tired, too. I don't even... Like, if sometimes we go, if I'm, like, have energy, I'll have, like, a drink or two. But... For the like most part, I'm like no, I just need a water or soda to the caffeine in me so I could get my energy back up. But once it's like at the beginning, once I hear the crowd starting chanting GCW right that started the shows and MLJ chanting, I'm in LA like right away. That's like you wake up. That's the adrenaline that gets me going. I'm like okay, I'm here. Let's enjoy this. This is gonna be fucking fun. The crowd's into it. This is gonna be a fun night. That always gets my energy going at the beginning no matter how tired i am and it usually gives me the enough boost to as you said right until the end when masha came out i was like i wasn't like tired of this whole show like wanted to end i still wanted to go but like i was like no can we just like not do this promo now because i do want to go home or go back to the hotel (laughs) sleep like i do want to see this masha versus nick gage match but i don't want this to drag on because i am exhausted right now no i get
1: that yeah i was uh I was happy when everything was all over. I wish I would have spent a little more time here and there talking to a couple people. But um, we were in the car on the way home, and I go, Well, okay, guys, I'm going to ask the question we need to have answered. Should we do it again? And everybody was like, Yeah. So, yeah, we're looking forward to doing that because if we don't see him in Vegas, then it's now time for us to come to them out. I like it. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, that was a fun show. GCW's middle of the night. Uh, Like I said earlier, too, we're not going to be recording probably this week. So we will fall behind on GCW's Holy Smokes and Ransom that is actually happening right now. (laughs) Yes, that is actually happening right now. So uh, if you get this, this will probably be put out hopefully before the GCW Ransom show on Sunday, uh, March 5th. But, um we will fall behind this week but as soon as like I said that following week uh after the March 10th I have spring break and so uh, we'll do have I. plenty of time to well we'll have right. then plenty of time to sit down and catch up and record and uh get back on schedule hopefully like how we were doing for a while pretty good but uh we do appreciate all the patience out there for you guys uh still sticking around listening to our shows even they are behind um <laughs> life happens but as we, as you guys have seen now by episode forty nine, we do our best to try to catch up as soon as humanly possible on both of our ends and still uh, be able to pro- provide a podcast for you guys as well. Uh, well he tried. <laughs> well, he I, tries. I'm, I'm actually really scared off. about the collective too. Like, yeah, I just said, we're gonna have we're gonna come up with a game plan for podcasting oh, all, their all the shows from the collective because. They don't give us much time between April 1st and April 15th to uh, record and edit and post it out there every night. So we'll try our best to the collective to stay caught up and stay on schedule for uh, the GCW April shows after the collective as well.
1: Yeah. We may end up doing two for one or even three for one in one episode, just trying to get through to do a cover on it as otherwise. And we still have to um, really talk about which ones we want to cover or are we covering them all? Like, We don't have a plan yet, but we're going to work on it and figure out what the hell to do. It's just we know there's a lot of work ahead of us. That's what we know for sure.
0: Yes, for sure. And like I said, luckily we got some time to game plan it. Uh, Well, we got a whole month to game plan it as well. But we will be caught up after the middle of March with GCW's Holy Smokes and Ransom and stay on track with all the other GCW shows. I think after that, they only got yeah the New York show, that Masha versus Gage, and another Toronto-Canada show as well. So. Right before the clip. So they did space it out a little bit <laughs> to save us. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't do to save us, but it did save
1: us. Yeah. No, uh, we took the time off by getting ill. So as they were taking rest, we were taking rest. But yeah, I'm so thankful. We've had so many people that have been so kind. Everybody's listening and everybody's just being very, very nice to us. It's so appreciated. Talent's been nice. Lauderdale's been nice. People on Twitter that we contact or contact us have been absolutely nice. I mean, we get a lot of really kind things said to us and about us from other podcasts. We're in a really good spot right now. Yes. We're Really just... thankful for every little moment we can have with everyone.
0: Yep, I just wanted to, yeah, same thing. Be thankful for everyone, and thank you all for your understanding as well. Because, uh, yeah. Like I said, we're just two fans, two plants, chatting it up on GCW Talk.
1: Well, Anything else you got for him? No, I'm just seeing how I'm going to fuck up this GCW thing <laughs> No, you're getting creative with it now. I'm trying to think. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? No, not really. I'm going to go downstairs and probably check out a little bit of a show if I can. And then I think Wrestling Revolver's also.
0: Oh, Wrestling Revolver's side too. Yeah, I'm going to Yeah, that's off.
1: kind of awkward. I really thought they were working more together than against each other.
0: Yeah, it just might be timing.
1: But, I mean, it's kind of hard to uh, work with GCW. Uh,
0: you're doing shows almost on a weekly basis, so... <laughs>
1: Okay, there's a great point. They're usually working on Saturdays. Pick a Saturday where they're not working. Yeah. Exactly. But then that limits you to, what, five shows a year?
0: (laughs) As often as GCW goes. Yeah, their first one would have been this past weekend. Yeah, true. So, uh, yeah, that would be it for GCW's Middle of the Night, episode 49. We will catch you guys, like I said, probably somewhere on the week of March. Thirteenth through the seventeenth, we'll catch up on Holy Smokes and everything else uh, that we possibly have missed as well, and we will send them out like <laughs> we always do. Hopefully, like right, we always
1: do, with okay. a long... <laughs> long, Oh fuck! <laughs> that was a premature ejaculation. There. Okay. Long
0: live. Live. G-C-W. G-C-W. G-C-W.
1: Duh, duh, Peace.